warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 280. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hi, I'm Trace Balloon. And I'm Frank Conniff, TV's Frank from Mystery Science Theater 3000, and the Mads are back, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Mm, I love leftovers, especially pop culture ones. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're... The, the leftovers. leftovers. What Sorry, the fuck? I, I left you, you hang in there. Why? Why? What was the purpose of that? <laughs> there was no purpose. It was completely a brain fart. You forgot the line? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I stumbled. We're like, this is episode 280. Like, what the fuck? You stumble? Like, how do you stumble on that? I don't know. I have, I have no excuse. And we're, and I'm like solo the whole time saying that. And we're, and it's like I'm waiting, and then I pause. And in my head, I'm in my head, I'm like, huh? Why is Brian stopping? Oh yeah, this is my line too. Yeah, it's because you weren't joining in. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like, yeah, what? You know, yeah, I fucked up. Fucked yeah, up. I'm sorry. Wait, Let's wait. do it again. Take two. Oh no, no, it's over now. <laughs> <laughs> you fucked up. Jeez. <laughs> It yeah, won't be the last time. I wonder, like, did Lucas have this problem doing Star Wars? <laughs> like Alec, Alec Guinness forgetting, like, use the force. Like he forgot. He he's like, use. <laughs> what what's my line, George? <laughs> <laughs> it just made the and then just a long pause. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Oh man, I don't know. How you doing, Neil? I'm great. Yeah. <laughs> hey Neil, I bet you could have finished this fucking line before he did. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I think I've listened to enough episodes. Yeah. And I, next <laughs> next time I have you on, I'm gonna have you do Jake's intro. Just take it over for Jake. <laughs> I'm Jake. Jake having a fucking senior moment over there. No doubt. God. I have the one fucking like li- scripted line in the entire show, and I blow it. Well, like, were, were you waiting to hear what it like sounds like without you involved? I, I, like, you were like wanting to be on the outside looking in. Hello. Is it-, it was like that. Like, and, I, and, I, and then I yeah. like I like shocked to the system, realized I was on the outside looking in. I was like, oh yeah, I'm supposed oh, to be in here. Jay, Jay, oh, Jay's like, oh fuck, I'm, I'm on this thing. 
<laughs> it's, I felt like the three musketeers when they put their hands all in. And like, I, like I was like the lone hand. Like nobody else was, there was no other, all for one and one for, and nobody's there. I like turned, like everybody's gone. I mean, I hollered my name. I barely believe I got through that part. It was like a low Bundy, but just like with Bud there, you know? <laughs> it was like Parker Lewis can't lose, but you only see one swatch. <laughs> wow, that's deep cut. I know. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go through the trifecta here. And I'm, I mean, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off with the two notable ones and then finish off with a very fringe early 90s reference that uh, half of our listeners won't even get. It makes me want to watch Swatch commercials. I always thought Swatch commercials were hilariously bad. Oh, my bad. God. They had, I don't even remember Swatch commercials. I remember British Knights commercials. Remember that? Oh, BK Knights. Yeah. BK, I, I, I had like uh, two or three pairs of BK Knights. Wasn't there some funky lawsuit between Burger King and BK Knights? Oh, because of the BK? Yeah, yeah. Oh, jeez. They're always like, they're always like, have it your way, but they're gonna sue a fucking shoe company. <laughs> they're not gonna let somebody else have it their way, are they? No, no. They've they already real territorial yeah. about their name. Keep serving shitty sandwiches, you pieces of fucking shit. Anyway. <laughs> Did you see what was it? Was it uh, today's we're recording on 420? Did you see that Carl's Jr. came out with a CBD oil infused burger for today? <laughs> I did see that. I didn't realize that that was specifically for today. Yeah, 420. They're gonna the CBD oil. Like, what, what do you do? You you infuse? What are you? What are they doing? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They're really going ham with the CBD. Tea oil or yeah, CBD yeah. oil. I everywhere I go now, I see it in everything. Now I gotta fucking watch a video of a Kevin Smith eating it and crying. You know what I mean? <laughs> Has that happened? I've, I've waited my whole life for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fucking with you, Kevin. I love you. No, it, that hasn't happened. That was just a joke. That was a joke. I was alone on that joke, just like I was alone on the fucking intro, right, Jake? It was it was too believable. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's good to be talking to two of my favorite people. One being my favorite guest. Oh, <laughs> good to be here. Yeah, yeah, you know? got a lot to talk about. I, my my life's about to get super crazy. So what's going on? I was able. To, what's new? Oh, just work is going to be nuts. Mm. And I'm going to start doing some more plays coming up. So, yeah, my life's about to not be my own anymore for a little while. I guarantee you there's somewhere out there there's a guy, there's an asshole that works in like a uh, peanut factory. And he, every day he uses that joke. Oh, work's going to be nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, everybody's like, Jesus Christ, Ted, you've been saying that joke for 20 fucking years. It's not funny anymore. It's not fucking funny anymore. <laughs> Every day with this shit. Come on, Ted. Yeah, he's always getting called into HR because he he's like, suck my nuts, and then he opens his hand. He's got nuts there. People take it the wrong way at first, you know? <laughs> They're just like, oh, that's Ted. He's worked here for 20 fucking years. We let him get away with it. He's from a different era. <laughs> what is what is wrong with this episode? It just from the beginning, it's just it's just a, it's just a cluster fucking just stupid shit. Just talking about stupid shit. <laughs> I was into this category. I really yeah. like I like the idea of the guy that has to work next to Ted and always hear the joke. Oh God. Like, oh God. You know, 
Yeah, that guy. Ted's he, always saying it to new people, but the <laughs> poor other guy has heard it like eight million times. Uh-huh. And just wants to murder himself. <laughs> oh my! That, that, that guy must be like the most cynical person alive, right? <laughs> like he, he dreams of a day when he could throw Ted on the conveyor belt and have like some big hydraulic machine crush him. Like a and nut. then go, that's nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call that one the nutcracker, Ted. <laughs> oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, what a fun episode. We've already invented a new character named Ted who works at a nut factory. Uh, I like Ted at the nut factory. That's a lot. I got a lot of fan fiction for yeah, him. I know. That'll be... I'll be like, I'll show up in next week's iTunes reviews. Yeah, Ted the Nut Factory. Hey, this, this podcast is nuts. You know, that'll be the title of the, <laughs> <laughs> of the iTunes review next week. I was PCL's podcast is nuts. And then they, they throw up the little nut emoji. <laughs> the nut emoji. Yeah. No one's getting any use out of that. We're doing people favors here. Right. No shit. Nobody's using that. I think I, uh, I think I kind of, uh, heckled planters one time on Twitter and used it. <laughs> Wait, you heckled planters on Twitter? Yeah, they had a stupid fucking uh, tweet one time, and I said something about their nuts. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't know. It was was one of the – I hate those sponsored tweets. Those sponsored tweets that show up in your feed. No, that's the worst. You click to see why you're following it and realize you're not following it. following it. Make no mistake, I'm not following planters. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah. yeah they're just inviting harassment with that tactic i don't know man you know food's gotten weird over the past uh you know i'd say last 20 years ever since like i think like in the 90s food's got they try to stick all this shit in food now like it's like used to be just you go down the peanut butter aisle and it was peanut butter now it's organic now you got organic peanut butter now they throw honey in peanut butter now they got that peanut butter company doing like white chocolate peanut butter they got uh dark chocolate peanut butter they got everything they threw cinnamon peanut butter, just everything. Back in the day, it used to be just like you go – there was Jif, there was Skippy, there was Creamy, there was Crunchy. Man, I don't know. You really sold me on today. I want that cinnamon peanut butter. They got it. It's a peanut butter company. They got it. It's out there. The white chocolate peanut butter is really good. It's Peanut butter is supposed to be like a healthy snack, you know, like a, like low in sugar and stuff. It's high in protein and, and uh, you know, it's supposed to be a healthy snack. Peanut butter company is like, now nah, we're going to dump sugar in this fucking thing. And we're gonna just, they do. They, they got a cute little, oh, what's that, what's that one? They got, uh, yeah, they got the white chocolate one. They got a bunch of them. The honey one. I don't know. Who's the fucking peanut butter leader? Is it like Skippy or Jif or Jif Peter or Pan? Peter or? Pan. It's, I would happen to imagine that it's probably, and Reese's even got in the peanut butter game there for a while. I would bet that it's, it's, uh, Jif or Skippy, right? Yeah, I would think so. Peter Pan seems a little niche. Yeah, yeah. I, I get uh, what did I what did I get? I get Jeff. That's what I get. Jeff Cream. Yeah, I like the crunchy too. I like crunchy every once in a while. Yeah, this, when are they gonna get the <laughs> peanut, peanut butter talk? <laughs> anyway, all right, uh, let's jump into iTunes reviews this week, everybody.
iTunes Fuck review. I gotta change that. Fuck, that's an old iTunes review bumper. Um, this one, uh, comes from, uh, Chaotic Shiner, and it's titled Pretty Great, and it goes on to say, uh, these guys do a great job, in-depth coverage from a funny, half-drunk, sarcastic guy and his buddy, a Debbie Downer that hated Robin Hood. Worth the listen if you have the time. It's a five star. Neil, you were the one that didn't like the Robin Hood. Is he talking about you being the Debbie Downer? Uh, maybe. I mean, it's certainly possible because that was a shit movie. Uh, yeah, I never even watched Robin Hood. Yeah. So it must not have been me. I, I can imagine being a Debbie Downer about it, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's not. There's I, I, Even without seeing it, I can see you being a Debbie Downer about it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel I I could do it right now. I think I'm per, I'm pretty Jake. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> wasn't that hot topic? Fucking Robin Hood. Hot topic. Yeah, I was like, I don't I don't think there weren't too many Robin Hood defenders out there. You know what I mean? Like people like coming to its defense after we put out that episode. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Robin Hood was amazing. I didn't <laughs> see a lot of that going on, Jake. No, it's already cheap as shit on iTunes, too. You can get, like, It and King Arthur in a bundle for, like, ten bucks. Are you God. talking about It, the movie, with the kids and the clown? No, I'm... I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I'm fucking with you, Jake. That'd be that great. took me off balance. What, 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 that, now, that's the ultimate trifecta right there. You can get you can get it in a bundle. It, King Arthur, and Robin Hood. <laughs> Makes no sense. Like, who who was the guy eating the CBD oil-infused burger that day? <laughs> <laughs> when they figured that one up, I mean, ten bucks. I might be in, inclined on that one. Yeah, exactly. For all three, you know, it's like, yeah, I get it. I guess throw in the other two. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, right. It for ten bucks is value, and you get these two other things and you may you get, never watch. And you get a free CBD oil infused <laughs> whopper at uh, fucking Carl's Jr. or whatever. I know they don't have the Whopper. I I do know that whatever whatever they do have has fucking fried onion petals on it. Yeah, I'm a fan of the fried onion petals on the burgers. Oh, God damn it. No, I'm so over the fried onion petals. It was so cool, like, at first back in the day when you'd go to the restaurants and they were like, hey, do you want the Bloomin' Onion or the Awesome Blossom or whatever the fuck they're calling it? And they come out there and they got this fucking big onion and it's like, it's opened up like it looks like, uh, like, like a, like a, uh, one of those fucking, uh, face huggers from aliens and shit fried up (laughs) on your table there and it's like all spread out and you could pull off the little fucking limbs and shit and dip it in that goddamn sauce and eat it. And I was like, oh, that's so good. I just got, the older I get, I do not have the iron stomach that I had when I was a kid. It, it, it's just like I eat that shit and it just tears me the fuck up. I can't do it, Jake. Mm, like greasy foods anymore? Greasy foods, I can't do it. It tears me up. It's like I have to I have to down uh, a bunch of Tums and antacids and all this shit uh, right after I eat that stuff. I, I love salt and vinegar chips. Can't do salt and vinegar chips anymore. They tear my stomach up. Can't do the Frito-Lay salt and vinegar chips. Not happening. Yeah. I never really had much of a taste for the vinegar chips. Ugh. Oh, man. I, got, I, I jumped onto that late, and I tried it, and I was like, oh, my God, where have these been all my life? Oh my god! And then I started getting antacid and fucked up from it. So, what are, what are you talking about? Food. <laughs> I know. Really knee deep in the food here. I know. When he called uh, Neil Debbie Downer, I was half ready to jump. I was half ready to talk about little Debbie snacks and shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's talk about little Debbie's Nemmies that are talking about ho-hos and hostess shit. Remember when hostess was taken off the shelves for a long time and nobody, nobody fucking cared when it was up and nobody bought them religiously until it was gone. Then everybody's like, where's my Twinkies? Oh, I miss my Twinkies. It's like, there was like a fucking Amber Alert going on for Twinkies at the time. It was ridiculous. People were going nuts over fucking Twinkies. And it's like, if, if Twinkies meant so much to you, you would have been buying them when they were on the shelves. Yeah, that whole thing kind of felt like a work or a scam. Yeah. Like, it was just to build interest for Because right. they found their buyer pretty quickly right after that. Yeah, exactly. It was like a whole Szechuan sauce thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then when they came back, it was, you know, yeah. they made sure they had time to print it on the box that they were back. So. Remember, remember when they had X-Men Apocalypse fucking Twinkies and they were mystique blue on the inside? I do not remember that. I remember no. Green Lantern Twinkies that really? had the green on the inside. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I made that mistake thing up. I don't know. I don't they know. had Green Lantern <laughs> Glow Balls. Green Lantern Glow remember? Balls. Instead of snowballs, oh, they were snowballs, glow- yeah. They were glow balls. I'm not a fan of the snowballs. No, it's too much sugar. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm not a fan of cotton candy on the other uh, either. Oh, fresh cotton candy is amazing yeah, to me. Fluff sugar. That's all it yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it. I know. It's good though. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, the older I get, the uh, I'm very picky with the with the candy. Um, let's see here. What do we got here? J Morgan two. J. Morgan 2, an absolute Tupperware is the title of this one. It's a five-star. goes on to say, I've been listening to this podcast for a couple months now, and I absolutely love it. It's long and laid back, which is perfect to listen to throughout your day. I also love the coverage of everything from good pop, bad pop, to weird discussions like the body swap discussion that are always hilarious. Uh, Brian and Jake are unique and vibrant personalities, and the guests are always fun. If you're looking for a fun podcast, pop in some headphones and listen to Pop Culture Leftovers. Yeah. Nice. We're vibrant. Vibrant. What, 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 what things do you, you associate with vibrant, Jake? Does it sound like uh, something like uh, one of these home shows, like these home and garden shows when they're pop- going into somebody's living room or something and they're talking about, oh, it's a, like, look at the space, how vibrant it is now after the makeover. Is that a thing people say? Yeah, I... I, I think so. It, it is a very weird, it, it stood out to me that they used it to describe us and our yeah. podcasting. You think this guy was watching the Property Brothers and then fucking did our iTunes review? <laughs> or maybe, maybe he had the burger. Oh, the CBD oil infused <laughs> burger? Yeah, that'll make anything vibrant. Jesus, CBD oil infused burgers. What the fuck? Please, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. People are stupid. Anyway, uh, Better Than Meatloaf is the next one. It's titled Better Than Meatloaf. <laughs> Last week we <sighs> had a listener give us this uh, ratings of uh, 7 out of 7 meatloafs. That was our rating for the uh, podcast there. Uh, it was from Meatloaf Reviewer or something like that. And uh, this is uh, by Back to the Zack. And it's titled Better Than Meatloaf. It's five star. Because of this po- uh, because of this past episode's rant on the lack of iTunes reviews, I decided to finally leave one. I've been a fan of the podcast for over two years now, and I listen every single week. Love how long the podcast is due to my long hours working at our local movie theater. And I always love to hear reviews on whatever movies we are playing, and especially loved the conversations that took place during the brief battle between Movie Pass and A-List. And yes, it is true. A-list members think that they are the center of the world. I do. I really do, Jake. <laughs> I walk in there. I walk in there, man. Like, I, oh, I fucking own the place. Like, I'm A-list. I'm A-list. I cut every line because I'm A-list. 
Yeah, do you, do you know when you get the concessions and you get a go in that real short line, mm-hmm. you do get the dirty looks from the other people. Dude, I went to the fucking DMV to get my uh, license renewed, <laughs> and I fucking said, A-list bitches, and I cut right to the fucking front of the line. <laughs> you brought some yellow tape and just yeah. set up your own lane. I was like, A-list, A-list, A-list coming through, is what I said. <laughs> that's, that's smart. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, just to say, I won't be going back to that DMV. Um, let's see, a list member. Yeah, this. Uh, my favorite aspect is listening to the laid back attitude of all the conversations had. An overall great podcast to listen to while passing the time. And by the way, you guys seriously nagged about the last guy's meatloaf reviewing system when you guys base yours off of various ways to deal <laughs> with leftovers. Ha ha! Love the podcast and you guys. Uh, with Tupperware, the podcast any day, and it comes from back to the Zach. Jake, I don't know, man. We, our leftover, like our rating system's based on leftovers, but it's, I don't know, is it meatloaf adjacent? No, I, I have a complete defense for us here. It's, we weren't ever complaining about the usage of meatloaf to rank the things. If I remember correctly, our big complaint was the seven point rating system itself. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were kind of like, what the fuck is a seven meatloafs? Like we didn't know if that was the best, the middle. Yeah. Like we just had no no ratio to figure out what the ranking was. I don't. It is and the, weird. We, we did think the meatloaf stuff was stupid. It I is guess, stupid. But. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to like not go there because it is dumb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, like it's really fucking like borderline stupid. Um, it's it's one of the I don't know it felt like an inside joke that we weren't in on the whole meatloaf thing like this is this guy shtick and like he's like Ted at the peanut plant you know what I mean <laughs> yeah yeah I didn't I didn't like it it was yeah. like he was getting the joke on us oh god next week we're gonna get a fucking iTunes review from uh, t- Ted sixty nine it'll be like seven out of seven peanuts you know I, you know <laughs> you're fucking funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> you're funny. With the emoji. With the emoji. Yeah, you're funny. You're funny guy with the emoji. Mm. The monocle emoji too. Mm. Oh, yeah. do they have a monocle emoji? The monocle. I emoji? just wish there was. Uh. <laughs> oh, I'm just make just making up emojis willy nilly in this episode, all with Drake. Were you like, damn? I can yeah. use that like at least seven times last week. Right now, there's some poor sap that like. Looking for the monocle emoji, never gonna find it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the, what the fuck is that gonna come up when you're talking about Monopoly? Like, what the fuck? Oh man, I just found some good shit. Hey, did uh, did did uh, did uh, Uncle Scrooge have a monocle? Mm, oh, that's one of those crazy Mandela things. I I think he did not. <laughs> uh-huh. Scrooge McDuck. Uh, yeah, yeah, or yeah, Scrooge McDuck. Or they have the, like the, the like the small little round glasses perched on the end of his beak. Yeah, that's what he had. Yes, that is correct. Glasses. He had like a fancy like watch, like a fancy pocket watch, and his mm-hmm. lucky dime. Yeah, that's right. Wasn't that like? His first dime or something? Something. Yeah, the first dime he ever made. Yeah, that's right. There was probably a whole episode where he lost that thing or it got swapped out by the uh, the evil Scottish duck, right? Uh, Gladsworth, I think his name was. Gladsworth. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Uh, yeah. I think. I, uh, <laughs> hey, was that it for iTunes reviews? No, we got a couple more. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say. I do, but I'm not. Um. I was going to say his name was Humperfuck. 
I just thought, <laughs> sounds like sounds like a funny name, doesn't it? Humperfuck. It's yeah. It sounds foreign. It does sound foreign. <laughs> yeah, Mister Humperfuck. <laughs> this next one comes from Diddy eighteen. Remember Diddy Kong? Yeah, yeah, dude. I can't forget. Mm-hmm. Diddy eighteen. Remember Diddy Kong Racing? Yes, I do remember Diddy Kong Racing. That was it. Was that the game that was never released, or was it released? No, it was released, okay. but they've never done anything else with it. It was like Mario Kart, but with other vehicles. Okay, because I, I thought that they, like there was a un, 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 like an unreleased kind of like a Donkey Kong racing game. Mm, that might be true as well, but maybe that was the next one or something yeah. on a different system. Hey, Jake, this one comes from Diddy eighteen, so they're legal. <laughs> Did I make it creepy? A little bit. Yeah, I know. I wanted to say that and then like get like zero reaction from you guys. Like, <laughs> whoa. Like, whoa. Ew. <laughs> yeah, it definitely took me by surprise. I, I was not expecting that joke. Ooh, barely legal ditty, Brian. What are you talking about? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, controversial. Yeah, dude, that's supposed to be on our other podcast. I know. <laughs> All right, here you go. It's titled, Why the Hell Is There a Meatloaf Rating? And uh, it's a five-star, and it goes on to say, first off, incredible podcast, information, spoilers, cast, length, length. Um, and <laughs> I mean, it's legal. You yeah, I mean, we, can talk, we can talk about that now if you really want to. And girthy. And all – no, I'm sorry. It does not say girthy. Uh, and length. And overall content is top-notch. Brian and Jake do a great job at either – completely going off the rails while keeping me entertained or staying on task and keeping me entertained not sure i could ask for much else seriously though the dude that gave it seven meatloafs is a douche (laughs) 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 this was my favorite itunes review of the week that's a great i love that it's just an afterthought at the end of the review kind of the dude that gave it seven meatloafs is a douche (laughs) yeah i like that i like that review a lot too it doesn't have any like fake made up like adjectives like vibrant it doesn't have some (laughs) fucked up like food arbitrary rating system yeah it felt really real i liked it a lot i like they brought up they like the links the girth that we go off the rails Jake, vibrant is a real word. No, I'm not saying that it's not real. I'm just saying that it's yeah. it doesn't really apply. It feels like they're just trying to suck up. Yeah, when they use words like vibrant, I like to think that when you like go through Webster's dictionary and you go to vibrant, you think that Webster was just trying to trick us all into a bullshit word. It's a fucking hoax. It's a hoax. <laughs> I go into fucking, like, I rip that page out of dictionaries. You know, like, you got these, these flat earthers. Jake is like a, uh, Jake's a, Jake's a non-vibrenter, is what he's. <laughs> yeah, we're called anti-vibes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's also a group of women that don't use vibrators, Jake. So there's a lot of, yeah, we get confused for them a lot too. Exactly. So you guys, every once in a while, when you guys show up at the same convention, shits get really crazy. So, <laughs> oh man, uh, let's see here. Next one is from Donut Bites, and it's uh, the bites is spelled B Y T E S. So it's like uh, like a computer donut, Jake. Oh, so clever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
and uh, it's titled Everything from Pop Culture to Falcon Crest, uh, and it's a five-star, and it goes on to say, the only podcast I get withdrawals from if I don't listen to weekly. I found PCL thinking it stood for Persian Cricket Lovers, uh, ended up staying because I love Jake. I know you're going to have something to say about that one, aren't you? It's, is that, am I wrong or am I right? About the acronym? Uh, yeah, Persian Cricket Lovers. It's just one of those things that I don't – is it a joke or did this really happen? Like, I I'm, don't know. Dude, I'm thinking, like, was there a past episode where, like, I I did look up – So I know I found, like, a, uh, I found there's a PCL construction company. And I think that I did find – I don't know if this is, like, a deep cut going back because I did find another PCL acronym that was – It's I think it was something like, you know, cricket lovers or Persian cricket lovers or something, dude. I feel like I – I feel like this is I mean, like something from a past episode, or it's so just this a story. is legit. Yeah. This is fucking awesome. Like I don't make yeah. fun at all. Like I yeah. love the story of the guy that thought he was getting a cricket podcast and then fell in love with us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Um, ended up staying because I love everything they talk about, whether I agree with them or not. It's always great to hear their takes on things, giving a new perspective to movies, shows, etc. The hosts are great, like the female one and the British one. <laughs> Their guests. Uh, Jake and Brian are good too. Just kidding. Brian and Jake run the show and Brian is freaking amazing and is always prepared with each episode. Uh, they are both pretty quick and funny with their quips and jokes. Every time someone asks for a podcast recommendation, this is at the top of my list. Thank you guys for all that you do for your fans. Jake, I really kind of like this review because it ends with, uh, every time someone asks for a podcast recommendation, uh, this is at the top of my list. That's, you know, word of mouth is some of the best advertising out there, man. And I mean, if you are brave enough to tell your friends that you listen to this pile of horse shit, <laughs> my hat's off to you, man. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you're exactly right. Like grassroots, just telling your yeah. friend that you like the show and getting yeah. them in, you know, with the gang is the way to do it. You know, that is how you do it. This is how we do it. <laughs> this is how we do it, baby. Da, 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 da. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was here for that. Yeah, I know. I mean, sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> no, you don't fucking apologize. I'm going to fucking own it. I talked about right. peanut butter for fucking 20 minutes. I'm going to own that shit. Oh, dude, can we go back to peanut butter? Oh, oh man. No. I got the uh, yeah. top eight selling peanut butters in 2018, if Talk you want to fucking hear that shit. Talk to me. All right, you don't want to. You don't want to take a guess. You don't want to family feud it up. <laughs> All right, let's uh, go with Jeff. Uh, Ding, that's number one. All right, number two, Skippy. Ding, two. All right, let's go with Peter Pan. Number four. All right, Ding. Uh, Smuckers. Smuckers is number five or uh, number six. Number six. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Peter Butter and Company. Peter, no, that's not on here. Peter Butter Company is not on there. Wow. Uh, Let's see here. One strike. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, fuck. I'm, I'm going to let the Tholander family take over here in a second. I should have I passed the kneel. I should have passed the kneel. Oh, no. Oh, man. Uh, how about Laura Scudders? No. Damn it. All right. All right. Yeah, you got Jeff number one, Skippy number two, Store Brand is number three in oh, 2018. Okay. So, like, the generic, like, uh, you know, whether you're yeah. at the Sam's or Walmart or Schnucks exactly. or whatever. Yeah, okay. 
Nutella is number five. Really? The, the Nutella makes a peanut butter. I just thought it was – I thought Nutella was just kind of like their uh, – just that uh, – w- w- what's that shit they – Hazelnut the, chocolate. The hazelnut chocolate, yeah. Yeah, I thought the same. I thought the same. And then Smucker's at number six. Yeah. Hershey's at number seven. Okay. That's- yeah, and her- planters at number eight is okay. Planters, planters. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. I'm gonna have to tweet them. <laughs> I'm gonna have to tweet them and let them know they're just number eight. Heckle them again, you know. <laughs> yeah, don't forget the monocle emoji. <laughs> What's up with that eight rating? Yeah, I'm throwing that monocle. <laughs> I would love it if you got me like a crazy feud with planters. Yeah, I know. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, planters. I'm going to Fisher. <laughs> ah, man. Here we go. And so thanks, everybody, for the iTunes reviews. Hey, hey, Jake, when you were a kid, did you ever go to those? We're going to get to the content, you fucking assholes. <laughs> Chill the fuck out. We'll get around to it. I swear. Um, you ever go to any of those ice shows when you're a kid? Neil, you ever go to one of those ice shows when you're a kid? Like ice capades and stuff like that? Yeah, Disney. stuff like that. I went like like I went to Sesame Street on ice when I was a kid. Yeah, I did all that. Yeah. Well, last week we talked about uh, Walt Disney uh, being frozen. <laughs> What if there was a show that was like strict, like it was literally just called like Walt Disney on ice on I mean, ice. They do have a show called Disney on ice. There is Disney on ice, but this would be called Walt Disney on ice on ice. <laughs> <laughs> and it's basically just like a fucking Zamboni dragging a block of ice around with Walt Disney, the man inside of it. Jake, would you go to that show? Yeah, but I think you could. I think you could do better. Like, I think you can get like a lot, a lot of Disney favorite characters like pushing the ice block around. You know, you do a segment with like the seven dwarfs doing comedy routines while trying to move it around. And I don't know, man. I think, that, I think that they should be kind of like, uh, I just kind of like a big fuck you to like some other companies. Get like Chili Willy out there. You know what I mean? They don't even they don't even own Chili Willy. Get like the Ice Age characters out there. Like fuck you, I'm all I'm all Disney bitch. I'm gonna use your characters. Sue me. I don't give a fuck. I shit money. Yeah, look at me. I'm a dumb lemming. I'm so rich. I'm on. I'm so rich. They fucking froze my ass. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, like get Shrek out there and shit. Shrek out there. They don't give a fuck. I was thinking more of like ice characters. Get the fucking, get the fucking, get the, get those uh, fucking White Walkers from Game of Thrones out there doing shit, right? Oh shit! Get fucking Sub Zero out there. Fucking like he can like throw like little ice. The shards at fucking Walt Disney. <laughs> Jesus, I continue to be impressed by the amount of ice-based fictional characters you keep coming up with. Iceman, 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 Bobby, Bobby, Iceman from Marvel. Oh, they they own they own him now, so he's not in the show. <laughs> yeah, you got to bring Doctor Freeze out. Yeah, Mister Freeze or Mister Freeze. Yeah, Mister Freeze. And, uh, this is stupid. <laughs> this got real bad real quick. Kids can throw ice cubes into the on, and, and, you know what they always had at those ice capades that I I still don't get to these days is like those fiber optic like wands. You know what I'm talking about? Fiber optic wands. It's like there's all these different little like silver strings that come out of this wand yeah. and then the tips of them change fucking colors. For some reason, yeah. that is like the go-to like novelty you buy at an ice capades and right. I never fucking understood that. Because when uh, when a bunch of people buy them and then they wave them around in the audience, it looks cool, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That was there you go. that was pre like cell phones when like now everybody like you know turns like their cell phone on and like waves it around and shit like at a blue man group show or some shit. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I hate making. So, I hate making sense of it. So, they're stupid, Jake. They are fucking dumb. Do, do they? So they. By that rationale, they yeah. don't sell those dumb things at, at like Disney on Ice anymore. I don't know. I, it's not like a, I'm a fucking forty-one yeah, yeah. year old man. I'm not going to Disney on Ice now. I'll show up on a fucking list somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> fucking rando forty-one year old dude shows up to a fucking kids on Ice show <laughs> without a child. So yeah, you definitely don't want to go solo on that one. Maybe potentially with a date, you could be seemingly okay, but yeah. you don't want to solo it. Yeah, you're not going to get a second date if you take her to that fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, we've got a we've got a listener out there, Michael Cannon. He's an artist. Artist. I I, I said artist. Artist. <laughs> we got a we got we got a listener out there. His name's Michael Cannon. He's an artist. Uh, no. He, He's uh, he's an artist and uh, he does uh, what's called Michael Cannon mashups is what we call them where we we mash up two different things in pop culture uh, and uh, he uh, draws them and then I throw them up on the uh, Facebook page or I throw them up on Twitter and uh, I know it's convention season from now so I haven't been doing a lot of these and he's uh, trying to catch up with the show because he is busy and he's at conventions and he's doing commissions and everything but uh, I do if he gets around to this one and he can do this one uh, since we we are going to be talking about the Mandalorian, which is the uh, Disney Plus series. Uh, we're going to be talking about that in Star Wars news. I've got a Michael, Can- I've got a couple Michael Cannon mashups here for the Mandalorian. He can choose whichever one he wants to. Uh, the first one is uh, the Sandalorian, and it's basically it's the Mandalorian. He's just wearing uh, sandals. <laughs> I like it. And the second one is the Vandalorian, and he. Uh, just uh, vandalizes. It's a Mandalorian. He vandalizes stuff. And spray painting the wall. Spray painting. Exactly. Spray painting some like. Oh yeah. Well, shit. We kind of learned that from uh, from from rebels. They they like to decorate their uh, their armor. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. That does have some lore in it. They yeah. like to tag their shit with their own designs. Yeah, Sabine Wren. Sabine Wren did that <laughs> in the uh, in the rebels. Jake Sabine Wren. <laughs> <laughs> I love the all-knowing nerd voice. I know. Sabine Wren did, the, uh, did that. I know. Uh, see. Hey, everybody, for those of you last week uh, who voted for Blurds R Us, uh, a friend of ours, uh, Nana Pratt, does a podcast, Blurds R Us. Uh, and if you voted for him in the British Podcast Awards, I'm going to give you a huge thanks. And I also promise to read your name backwards. And I'm going to be starting with last names. And then I read the first names. And there will be no acknowledgement of your real fucking name. I read it and we move on. So here we go. I want to thank Retin, Retinwe. <laughs> I want to thank Retinwe Zasore Aniel. I also want to thank Etitnu Sug, Samot Nimajneb, Utum Irolyat, Krikwen Nitsuj, Skurk Nad, Wybrick Tam, Ginhalhad Ininaj, Noel Yaidak. Thank you, Noel. Thank you, Noel Yaidak. Uh, Ali Rap Noj. Thank you, Ali Rap Noj. Sue Nad. Thank you, Sue Nad. To Tip Enelvled. To Tip Enelvled. Thank you so much. Uh, and Sudradi. Tadao Repat Cirque. 
Thank you so much, man. <laughs> thank you. You're fucking awesome. Uh, I want to thank Norb. <laughs> I want to thank Norb Natsert. Thank you so much. I want to thank Ona Gap Gerg. <laughs> uh, Namel Pept Mata. This is a bad idea, Jake. I want to thank... I want to thank... Uh, How many more do you have? Uh, quite a few. Uh, I want to thank... Uh, I want to thank Aladdin Eoj and Seraph Boar. Seraph Boar sounds like a Game of Thrones guy, right? Mm, agreed. agreed. Seraph the Boar. House. The Boar House. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> the Boar is me reading these fucking names. Uh, man, when you were, like, just rattling off, like, eight in a row, like, I didn't know what was going on. I thought, like, Paul McCartney had died. <laughs> <laughs> Jake thought I had a stroke over here. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Uh, name Tab Owl. Thank you, Name Tab Owl. Uh, thank you, Tra Luap. Uh, also thank Ayak Inaj and Samot Nimajneb. Samot Nimajneb. Uh, uh, Sriya Mit Nampak Ayanapets. That's. <laughs> yeah, so thank you, everybody. That's great shit. Awesome. A lot of people, a lot of people voted for Blurred's R Us in the British Podcast Awards. They didn't have to, uh, and they did. And a lot of people I know that voted do listen to their podcast, so that's fantastic. So thank you, everybody. That's awesome. Yeah, those votes are always nice. The ones that actually meant it. Exactly. And, well, even the ones that, you know, just like, like that voted, uh, to help them out, uh, I mean, and you know what? They might have gained a listener because of it, Jake, and that's awesome. Yeah, agreed. If even just one new listener it yeah. makes it fucking worth it. Yeah. Uh, over a hundred episodes, Jake, for these guys. Yeah, they've been going fucking strong. We've been talking to Nana for a while now. Yeah. Yep. Nana's a fantastic dude. All right, guys, we are gonna move. Hey, Neil, how you doing? <laughs> I'm great. Let's open up another beer and I'm good to go. Jake, I like to think every time like we're talking and Neil's not that he's over there just fucking like chowing down on some peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's been kind of boisterous with the laughter the whole time though, yeah. so I, that would be hard with the peanut butter. All right, all right, yeah, take away my fucking vision. <laughs> your one thing of my, joy, yeah, my God. one thing of joy. This entire episode, that's your one thing of joy. Is this imagine is, Neil eating peanut butter. Fucking a. That's like that's my that's my go to when I'm sad, Jake. <laughs> that's like your way to fucking fly if you were a Peter Pan character. Exactly. <laughs> you know, don't you don't have to believe. You just gotta think about Neil eating peanut butter and you're you're floating around the goddamn room. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, Neil eating peanut butter and you're just bouncing off the fucking walls. Um, all right, guys. It, I, there are people – if this is your first time listening, you hate this. Like you are just like, who the fuck is this annoying guy yammering on about bullshit? I fucking hate him. I get it. I get it too. I live with myself. Trust me. I get it. I have to live with these fucking thoughts. Like this is the shit that goes through my head. So I, I get it. I totally get it. You don't have to tell me. Uh, let's see here. What do we got? Hey, we're going to move into Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. 
If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, real quick, I want to talk about, last week uh, we had Kevin on the show. Kevin's great. I, I love having Kevin Shanks on. Um, but... Uh, he, me and him talked about uh, Black Summer. It's the uh, zombie series that's on Netflix. And uh, Kevin had finished it. I was three episodes in. I know I had finished, I believe, two episodes. And uh, I went back, finished the whole series, uh, the uh, this whole season, excuse me. And uh, eight episodes. Uh, each episode, the length varies, just like Kevin said. Like the last two episodes were like 25 minutes a piece. And um, I just want to say this is a absolute Tupperware. I, I had a blast watching this. This is um, just insane. Just insanity, that last episode. The last episode was just so action-packed and um, awesome. Just guns and uh, shooting zombies and the budget on this thing has to be has to be pretty high. I, I was very impressed with this uh, with this first season. Hope it gets a second season. Seems like JK, there's a there's a uh, let's see here. There's a website, top TV shows. It's goodviews.tv. Have you ever been there? No, I've never heard of that. If you go to goodviews.tv, I'll send you this link. And it shows. I was going there now. It shows, but you can go to the top Netflix shows for today. It'll give you today's date of the top Netflix shows. And right now, I'm on top Netflix shows today, April 20th of 2019, number one, Black Summer. And uh, it gives you the top Netflix show. So it's like I don't know how they get these stats, um, where they come from. But um, I don't know if, if this comes directly from Netflix. But I find yeah, that's it, bizarre. I'm looking yeah. at it now, and you can actually go to, like, a flow chart yeah. and see, like, the shows going up and down when they're number one. Yeah, where the fuck are they getting this, right. this data? I don't know. I, I You see number two is OA and then Chilling – I mean, the first four shows that they have – are Netflix originals. I mean, you get to number five and it's Lucifer. So yeah, I have a hard time fucking believing Lucifer is more popular on Netflix right now than say umbrella Academy. It's crazy though. It's like people are watching, like a lot of people are watching Netflix for friends and stuff. So it's like, where is friends on this list? I mean, yeah, where's the office? Like, right. That's the, yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. So yeah, that's bullshit. If I don't buy this at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of like, now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more, because I haven't had like a discussion about this. Okay, and I'm looking at this more and more. Is is Lucifer a Netflix exclusive show now? Is it? Did it jump to Did it jump to Netflix? Because it, it would Fox. be, t- to my knowledge, it's the only show on this entire list that isn't a Netflix exclusive show, which uh, makes me believe that it must be a Netflix exclusive show now. Yeah, let's see here. Because even just going down, I'm down to number 93 now. Yeah. They've got American Vandal on there, which, I mean, it's co-produced with Netflix. Yeah, same with you, right? Like yeah. I thought, but that's yeah. still... Yeah, it's it's Netflix now, but that was originally Lifetime. Yeah, so I got to imagine that something happened there. That yeah. I mean, we're just not Lucifer heads, so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, here's an article. Lucifer recaps first three seasons ahead of Netflix debut. Okay. So Netflix season ah. four, Lucifer season four is a Netflix series. Okay, so this is just Netflix originals that are showing up. Because I would imagine that Friends in the Office are going to show up way higher than some of these. I feel like Office is probably number fucking one. I would agree with you. And honestly, Friends might be in the, I would say Friends is in the top ten at least. I agree. I, I would be as bold to say probably top five. 
Yeah. What about that show, Silent Neil? <laughs> I, I was like, I've never heard of that show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How you doing, Neil? I'm good. I good. was just uh, thinking about Black Summer. I like that show a lot. Okay. I, so you finished Black Summer. Did you finish I, it? I did. I did finish it. Uh, I had watched the first four episodes before I listened to your uh, last week's episode. Yeah. And I, I had no idea that it was a prequel to Z Nation, which is another show that I they really, really, really liked. I think they said now it's not. Oh, they said okay. now it's it originally I'd heard that it was and now they're saying it's not because I think they want to make it its own thing since it's very successful. Well, it's very different too tonally. Yeah. So it, it I got I never even got a um, a sense that they were in the same universe because Z yeah. Nation is fucking bizarre. I think and it's yeah. ridiculous. I think they want to do their own thing with Black Summer now. And so keeping it separate from Z Nation so it doesn't have to go down those same down the same road as Z Nation or look anything like Z Nation. So I think that's a smart move. Yeah, I do too. But yeah, so I would rate this first season an absolute Tupperware, Neil. What do you oh, think? Oh fuck yeah. yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. Total Tupperware. It was it was really riveting yeah. and it kept me engaged the entire time. I love the variable uh episode length. I I always yeah. think that's a good call for these streaming shows to cuz you don't need to tell so much story in one chunk you can pick and choose which parts are longer which parts are shorter when yeah. you just want a little chapter like a bite size no pun intended um or if you want a longer form and i, I like the format of telling it from different characters points of view mm-hmm. it really reminded me of reading a song of ice and fire series where each chapter is told from a different character's point of view but sometimes they intersect and have uh, overlapping um, scenes yeah. that are just seen from somebody else's viewpoint. Yeah, it's very good. I don't even know who the showrunner is on this, but I was very impressed. This is another Netflix series that I think is great. It's crazy, though. It's like what, what I'm really worried about with these uh, Netflix series is the fact that some of them are so good, yet they're still getting canceled. That's how, like, like and Netflix is pl- planning on spending $15 billion in new content this year, and they're still canceling shows. Yeah, I just heard that. Um, what's the Drew Barrymore one called? It just got canceled. Uh, uh, Santa, Santa, Santa Clarita, Clarita Diet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I watched the first season and enjoyed it. I didn't watch the second season. Probably won't now since the, the cancellation, but, um, yeah. Yeah, that's the way I am with that stuff, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad. This you- goodviews.tv is really fucking sweet. I actually have it so where it's telling me what the top shows are like on everything. And when you do that, the office comes in at number nine. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be, it would come up very high on, uh, it would come up probably number one on Netflix as well. Yeah. Black Summer doesn't enter that countdown until right. number 12. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going off Netflix originals then. So, um, yeah, so everybody check out Black Summer. It, it, it is so good. And then also give it the thumbs up on Netflix, guys. Like when you want to rate the titles, you can give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I never give thumbs down. I figure that somebody else out there, if I don't like it, somebody else does. So I never give it the thumbs down. I only give it the thumbs up or I just don't vote. So, But you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. Be your own person. I do my own thing. <laughs> you know? So like, I don't know. Do whatever yeah. the fuck you want. But like I, like I gave Black Summer the thumbs up on Netflix. I let them know that I wanted to watch it. So, and I want to see, I want to see them too. You got to do that and go to IMDb and give 
go to IMDb, give it a 10 rating, and then give each single episode a 10 rating. I mean, they look at this stuff, guys. They really do. They like to see that people are watching this stuff and that they care. They care about these shows. So do it. Get out there and do it. Rock the vote. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right, though. They're definitely taking notice. And yeah. like like we were saying, I mean, these Netflix shows, and just boom, they're gone. So yeah. it means a lot if you like the show, to, uh, especially if it's a show that you don't see all over the place and people aren't necessarily talking about. Agreed. Agreed. I watched a, uh, a movie this week. Uh, it was, it's called One Cut of the Dead. We were just talking about zombies. This is a Japanese zombie film. And uh, I gotta thank Ty Purvis. I, I put the, I put feelers out there on Facebook. I said, if anybody can get me a copy of, uh, of One Cut of the Dead, because, uh, this had been, uh, premiered. It had been shown at quite a few, like, movie festivals. And, uh, but it, and, and, and it's actually, uh, you know, uh, been, uh, it's all, you can get it in Japan. But it had no U.S. distribution, so there's like really no way to watch it here, um, unless you <laughs> unless you can have somebody help you out with that. And uh, I put I put feelers out there on Facebook. I said if anybody can get me a copy of One Cut of the Dead, I've been dying to watch this. Uh, let me know. Ty Purvis, thank you. Ty Purvis like stepped up to the plate. He knew some guys that do a horror podcast. Hi, let me know who those guys are from that horror podcast. I will plug them on, uh, on the next, uh, episode, not next episode. Cause that's uh, Avengers Endgame, but the episode after that, I will plug them and thank them for this. Um, because I've really been wanting to watch this movie. Um, it's, uh, synopsis here. Things go badly for a hack director and film crew shooting a low budget zombie movie in an abandoned World War II Japanese facility when they are attacked by real zombies. The movie is written, <laughs> it's written and directed by uh, Shinichiro Ueda. And uh, this it, it's a comedy horror film. And, uh, you know, I, I love Shaun of the Dead. And so... Um, I, you know, I wanted to, I've really been wanting to see this one. So basically, this is a very low budget zombie film, and they're shooting this zombie flick at a, it's an abandoned water filtration plant, and, um, you've got, uh, in the movie, the director, uh, Higurashi argues with his actors, and then eventually leaves them. So while the actors are waiting for him to come back, a real zombie apocalypse begins and the director is actually happy about it because it will make his movie more authentic. <laughs> so he insists that the cameraman continue filming. And um, I'm telling you right now, this is an absolute Tupperware. It's about an hour and 35 minutes. And uh, the first 37 minutes was actually shot in one take and it took the cast and film crew two days and six takes uh to get the perfect one and um uh, they put a lot of yeah they put a lot of love into this thing man and it's funny it's funny it's funny and it's brilliant it's funny and it's brilliant i'm talking like and when i talk like low budget i'm saying like they filmed this in eight days and it cost them twenty five thousand dollars to make like the actual <sighs> movie or the movie in the movie the actual film. Oh, wow. They filmed the entire movie in eight days, and it cost $25,000 U.S. to make. This movie ended up making over $27 million. Oh, cha-ching. Yeah. What was it called again? One Cut of the Dead? One Cut of the Dead. There is a twist in this movie, and I am telling you, 
like when you first watch it, you're not going to know exactly what's going on. Um, when I first started watching it, I was just like, okay, okay yeah, it'll click. It'll click. And all of a sudden you realize what's going on and how brilliant this movie is. And once you get through the first watch, the rewatchability factor on this one is through the fucking roof. I cannot wait nice. to watch this again um, with the knowledge that I have now from watching it the first time. This is an absolute Tupperware. If you do want to see this, send me an email, uh, brian at popcultureleftovers.com. And uh, I will uh, I will get you a way to to watch this. Um, and uh, huge thanks to Ty Purvis. Thank you so much. This um, this movie might even end up at the uh, at the end of the year. This might even end up uh, uh, getting a tuppy. It was that good. <laughs> I really wow. yeah. One cut of the dead. Wow. Absolutely fantastic. Brilliant genius film. It's just. I loved it. This, this movie is an accomplishment. I cannot believe the payoff in this movie and how much fun I had. I, there's laugh out loud moments. Um, it's got like some uh, some gore to it. Uh, I wouldn't say it's quite trauma level, but it does have some gore to it. But it's funny gore. It's kind of like that, you know. I guess like uh, I would associate it with like uh, you know Evil Dead gore in a way. Um, but it is okay. this movie's a blast. It's called One Cut of the Dead. Uh, if you want to watch it, let me know. I will I will hook you up. Uh, and that's all thanks to Ty Purvis. So thank you, Ty. Um, I want to watch it. I will send you. I will send you. <laughs> I, yeah, Neil. Just like uh, yeah, I'll send you the info, yeah. dude. I'll, I'll hook you up. I will cool. hook you up. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't have U.S. distribution right now, so it's it's one of those things where it's hard for us to watch over here. And I think everybody should watch this one. Um, it's a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the last time I checked, there was like thirty-seven reviews. Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine now. now. Yeah. I was just looking up on Amazon, you can get a Blu-ray copy for fifty-seven bucks. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you can send me a fucking email. <laughs> so, um, you know what, Jake? Do you want to talk some Game of Thrones? Oh yeah, for sure. All right, let's let's uh, head to Westeros and talk some Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> let's head to Westeros. Um, Neil, are you a Game of Thrones guy? Uh, I think I've mentioned it before, but I was a big, huge fan of the uh, books, yeah. and I absolutely hated the first season of Game of Thrones, so I didn't watch anymore. Okay, all right, fair enough. Jake, we'll talk. Yes, um, what do you think about the uh, season eight premiere? Man, I actually absolutely loved it. Um, I really was not the biggest fan of last season. Last season was kind of a downer for me as far as Game of Thrones was concerned. So. I don't know. I hadn't really swallowed into all the hype until watching this episode. And for me, this episode really delivered. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people kind of say it was a slow episode and not much happened. And honestly, that kind of really blows my mind. Like I to me, this was a return to form for the show. And I saw so many characters and meetups and situations that yeah. I've been waiting mm -hmm. four or five plus seasons for. And mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was blown away by this. I really loved it. I thought it was probably next to the actual first episode of the entire series, the best opener the show has ever had for a season. 
I thought it was fantastic. Easy Tupperware. <laughs> it was a Tupperware for me, man. It was, I thought it was, yeah, it'd be slow. What do you want? What do you want? Guys, we're going to get to the action. But like, there's, there, there's, there's other things that we need to, to see here. And, and I felt like this is a very Jon Snow centric episode. And, uh, it begs the question now, Jake, uh, who should be the rightful ruler of Westeros? I mean, are you, are you team Danny or are you team Jon Snow? Yeah, yeah, I really, this episode, it made it hard for me not to be, uh, Team Jon Snow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought this episode did a really good job, almost for the first time, as verbally painting Danny as a bit more of a gray character uh, with the stuff going on with Sam and him realizing what had happened to his family. Yeah. So I really appreciated that. I think, you know, the show hasn't shied away from showing her being kind of a benevolent ruler in certain situations, but they've never really verbalized kind of some of the links she would go through mm-hmm. to get her way. Yeah. And I thought that was very interesting and a bold move for the show. Especially, you know, a guy that bent the knee for her to be the ruler and then, like, doesn't want that role. Like, he's like... But I think, like, I feel like I do... I'm I'm totally Team Jon Snow when it comes comes to this. I think that he is the, the rightful heir. And uh, I definitely felt like uh, the dragons get a sense of that as well. So... yeah. Definitely. You, they had kind of that cutaway to right. Drogon. Yeah. You could kind of, I mean, there was something there. Yeah, I agree. I really, this episode yeah. made me like Bran, which is mind-blowing, because Bran is easily my least favorite character in the series, and I went away from this episode liking Bran. No, it's like I feel like he's like, uh, in a way, going to be very, He's. Well, I know he's going to be very important to this last season, but the way they kind of portrayed him just... He's almost like a secret weapon that they can have at their at their you know disposal. Um, I I really yeah I'm really all about Bran Arya. I love what they're doing with her character. I love how like nobody really knows what she's capable of yet. They you know like nobody really knows except for like the yeah, audience. Yeah. The audience you know so. I thought um, I was kind of a little bit stale on Arya. I, I would say Arya was probably my favorite character for the first three seasons of the show, mm. you know, oh, up into yeah. the uh, Arya and Hound stuff. And yeah. I'd kind of gotten stale with Arya seasons four, five, and six with all the um, House of Black and White and all the yeah. different faces stuff. And that I thought was this terrible. was a real return to form for her character. I loved Arya in this episode. I loved the callbacks to the first episode and having her at the front of the line and seeing everyone, you know, marching into uh, – Westeros or man I yeah Arya yeah. was great I loved Arya saying that Sansa was the smartest person she knew that was a really crazy moment for me and mm-hmm. I, I thought that was really cool for her to say that I yeah this episode was so good to me yeah I loved it did you hear uh I think they said I'm hearing like I don't know if people have screeners for all these episodes or if like HBO's keeping it really like close to the chest I bet I bet screeners are available for season four so i bet they're available for this one but um yeah i don't i don't know i think they only showed the first episode at the um at the premiere and i think that's all they're given they gave like the thr guys just really? the first episode wow okay yeah yeah you might be right this might be one that they're uh, keeping close to the chest i hear that the third episode is 90 minutes and it's just 100 percent battle like an action battle scene I have heard the same. Yeah, that yeah. you can get. There's a chart out there where it kind of tells you how long all the episodes are. Right. And yeah, and that makes sense with kind of the flow 
of a six episode finale. Yeah. Like you got to have some time after that big battle to settle the wreckage and absolutely. And then they got to deal with, uh, with Cersei, I'm sure. So, you know, D- does it seem like Cersei's going to have her, have her uh, army involved in this at all? Or does it seem like she's going to, she's going to fuck them over? I don't really, I'm not really sure what her master plan is. Obviously, she wants to keep the throne. Yeah. So I, I think she's kind of sitting back to, like, see what happens and then come in and, like, sweep up the ashes. Did you see the article about the, the uh, uh, that Mac, Rob McElhenney from uh, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia had a, had a cameo role in this episode? Yeah, I, I did not see the article, but our mutual friend uh, Ryan Mears actually pointed that out to me the next day, and I went back and rewatched it and got a good laugh out of that. Yeah, uh, it's so cool. I love Rob McElhenney, and it's just like, yeah, it's very cool for them to kind of like just throw him on. You know, I I, I love it when uh, you know, like Game of Thrones does it, like, uh, and then uh, Star Wars. Star Wars uh, has done it with like you know throwing different uh people in there as stormtroopers kevin smith was a stormtrooper and you know the force awakens and even uh what was it uh was daniel craig a stormtrooper in yes that's, that's correct and game of thrones had a big legendary miss with this kind of thing last season though that they even tried to rectify with some of the uh, lines this episode they, they had ed shireen last season which was pretty universally hated by all of fandom, oh, if you yeah. remember that. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. And uh, this episode, they actually, Bronn refers to him, uh, one of the um, prostitutes he's with, refers to a red-headed Lannister that had his uh, eyebrows burned off, and you you have to take that that's Ed Shireen. So that felt like a throwaway, make us all happy that he got real fucked up moment. <laughs> wow, jeez. <laughs> wow. I, it, uh, uh, Stormtroopers, I was going to say Stephen Colbert is a stormtrooper in the in the Rise of the Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. I I imagine he had a hard time not hamming it up somehow in the uh, stormtrooper outfit. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, was t- did Tom Hardy? Did, was he a stormtrooper? I know there was that rumor. Did that ever happen? <clears throat> I don't remember if that's correct or not. Yeah, I think he was, but they cut the scene. They cut the scene. You're right, Neil. You're right. I remember hearing they cut the scene. That was, I think it is a deleted scene. Yeah. So, I, yeah, Tupperware Game of Thrones. Jake, I'm glad that we're recording on Saturdays now because we get to watch Game of Thrones live, man. Yeah, you know, I didn't even really think about that until Sunday was happening. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so great. I know. (laughs) I know. It's so, ah, it's, that's the only show that I care to fucking watch live anymore, man. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really enjoyed the meme culture for that show and just yeah. instantly being able to see all the jokes and memes <laughs> and be on Twitter with all the, with all the stuff. It's, it's a good time. Very good. Very good time. What, what about this, uh, these Game of Thrones spinoff shows, man? You think they're gonna, they're gonna capture people the way, you know, Game of Thrones is kind of like, uh, I'm just saying like casuals. It, it's brought in casuals and brought them into this fantasy lore. I mean, do you think these spinoffs are gonna be able to capture some of that same magic? Yeah, it's going to be very difficult because, I mean, even I myself, I feel very cynical about the spinoffs. Yeah. I, I kind of I haven't seen anything yet. They haven't confirmed when and what they're going to do. And I kind of have a, you know, just stick this landing. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about that other stuff attitude right now. You know what I think? So. You know, what I think is going to happen. I think it's going to be the exact same thing that we're seeing with with the Harry Potter stuff and Fantastic Beasts. I think it's going to be the exact same thing, man. Oh, where they. um kind of fucking 
retcon and change a bunch of shit that we thought we knew. That and it's just like it's it's not gonna it's not gonna capture that magic. You know, it's it's gonna. Oh, it's gonna, I got I got what you're saying. It's gonna have a completely different feel to it. You know, and if it if if the stuff is a prequel, like prequels just don't work, man. It's 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 prequels just have not worked. You know, I just haven't seen prequels work as far as like in Star Wars, as far as in like, you know, Lord of the Rings. I just haven't seen this stuff work. I just haven't. So I agree. The meat of the story, I mean, and Lord of the Rings is very much the same way. It's kind of the end of an age and the moving into another age. Mm-hmm. And so going backwards doesn't really enrich the story when kind of the crux of the entire story is kind of the shifting of times anyway. Yeah. 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 We should do we should do PCL. We should do a pop culture leftovers prequel. Oh yeah, what would that be like? I don't know. I don't even know how. You, I don't even. That don't even make sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I immediately was like, okay, how 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 does this work? <laughs> uh, I if we did, it would have to be us, and we would have to pretend that we're reporting on stuff in the nineties. Like it's a podcast. Oh, uh, uh, now you're selling me. But we're reporting on stuff in the '90s, and we're talking about like, you know, here we go. Like, oh, we got a new Batman cast, and like people are expecting us to talk about the new Batman that's been cast here in the current DCEU. But we're talking about fucking George Clooney. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of here for this podcast. Yeah, yeah, and we can call it like PCL that '90s podcast. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we can report on the bat nipples for the first time. Yeah, we can all have side conversations about like fucking like, man, I wish we had more different flavors of peanut butter. Maybe we will one day, you know? Yeah, we can pontificate about the future and always yeah. be pretty correct. Yeah, we can talk. <laughs> we'll be like we'll be like fucking Bran and shit, right? Yeah, basically. Mm. Oh man! Hey everybody, how you doing? Um, I went. Uh, you got anything more to say about Game of Thrones? I want to hear more about Neil's take. Yeah, Neil. Oh <laughs> no, give Neil a fucking break. He liked the book. I, I'm not upset at Neil. Yeah. I want to know what was so off-putting. Um, it was the casting of Robert Baratheon. I mean, I love Mark Addy as an actor, but the way he's described in the book and the way he was portrayed on screen was really off. For me, I, I, I don't know. I, I just I think if I hadn't read the books and I'd started with the series, I would have loved it because it's such a cool world. But I, I just because I was so I was so in love with those books and I've read them multiple times, oh, like over and over and over again, waiting for the next ones um, that I, I just had this entire world built in my head and then what was on screen didn't match it. And also the fact that uh, George R. R. Martin took time out of his book writing to work on the show really angered me since I'm still waiting for the next book. Mm. Yeah, So I have I, this latent anger issue with him about it. Yeah, I don't blame you. It's not like it's it's silly. He's written he's written prequels and encyclopedias and but just can't finish Winds of Winter. <sighs> it's really frustrating. <laughs> it's really frustrating. I, I finished the uh, book four. Um, and then right, like right after it came out and I waited six years for book five to come out and I've been waiting ever since for the next book to come out. Yeah. I remember people saying that Winds of Winter would for sure be out before season five aired of Game of Thrones <laughs> back when like season two was airing. 
<laughs> that has not happened. And that has not happened. Yeah, that's wild. It's crazy that the whole thing is going to end on TV and may never end in novel form. Oh, God. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I feel sorry for the book readers. That, that really sucks. It does. It really does. Yeah. Yeah, this whole thing took over. Like, you, it, it is very bizarre. And, Neil, you're not wrong. It is, like, he was writing a screenplay, like, once a season for, like, the first four seasons. Yeah, he was super involved in the beginning of the show, and it was just the come on, stop working on the show, work on the book that the show is based on. Let's go here, man. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, I, I, people love it. I'm glad people love it, but it's just it's just not something I, I follow. You're missing out on some really good. Like, I mean, Peter Dinklage is just brilliant in the show. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ah, yeah, but you know, whatever. I mean, yeah. I mean, I have the first season. I've seen the whole thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the whole first season. And there are parts that I really do like about it, but just overall, they're, yeah. they're, I just I was not my. I was not grabbed until season four, dude. And and mm. and in my opinion, season four is still the best season. Hmm. Yeah, season four is the best season to me too. I think it accelerates. Yeah, I, I feel like the moment that I really was just all in was the end of season two with the Blackwater War. Mm. Like that that was it for me. I was just like, okay, I'm here. Yeah, and I, I hear that there's no Lady Stoneheart in the show. And yeah, no, no Lady Stoneheart. And that's one of my favorite characters from the books. And, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is what it is. <laughs> Neil's that guy. <laughs> I am that guy. That's why I just try to refrain from saying things about it most of the time. Because I know my, my opinion's in the minority, and it's just my opinion. You're entitled to your fucking opinion. Neil. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. Everybody's got a problem with it. You can take it. No, I'm not like. <laughs> Everybody's I'm, got a problem with it. They can yeah. ring the shame bell towards Neil. Yeah, shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get into a drunken rage, like defending Neil. Uh, no, nobody's like called me out on it or anything. Yeah. It's just, it's just it's a thing I don't participate in. So right. I, I just kind of watch it go by me. That's all good, dude. Um, I went uh, and saw um, Little today. This is a movie that I saw the trailer for, you know, a few months ago, and I thought the trailer looked pretty hilarious. It's the uh, it's it's basically the opposite of Big. So in Big, we had you know the child turning into the adult, and now here we've got the story of a woman turning into a child, and uh, a woman is transformed into her younger self at a point in her life when the pressures of adulthood become too much to bear. This is directed by Tina Gordon. She was a writer for uh, the movie Drumline, and then What Men Want was uh, another movie that I just recently reviewed. Uh, it stars Regina Hall, uh, Issa Rae, Marsha Martin. Um, I think is she is she the little girl from Blackish? I believe I think she is with Anthony Anderson. Um, it also has uh, Justin Hartley and then Mikey Day from SNL was also in this <laughs> in this movie. Um, I uh, yeah. Here's the thing. I'm I enjoyed this movie. Um, it's about an hour and forty minutes. It's a decent length. I think you could have cut maybe ten minutes out of this one. Made it. Just an even hour. I love the sweet spot for comedies, Jake. 90 minutes. 90 minutes. Yeah, 100% agree. Agreed. No matter how funny it is, it yeah. starts to kind of fizz out once you get past that mark. Exactly. Um, I, I, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I, I, I think that they did a fantastic job of uh, setting up the people in her life when she's the older 
version of herself. Uh, she plays the character Jordan Sanders, and when she's the older Jordan Sanders, the people that are – see, that's the problem that you get into with this movie, Jake – Big with Tom Hanks, uh, absolute Tupperware of a film. Uh, that movie, Josh Baskins, the child version of his life, like him going to school and hanging out with his mom and all that stuff, it kind of goes away in the movie. And the only like holdover from that is his best friend. Um, and, and the reason is, is because he's believed to have been kidnapped. Now, the problem with this movie is the fact that she's a career woman and when she disappears she still has to keep her job going right i mean she's a she's an adult it's not like a missing child kind of thing right okay i see where the comedy kind of ensues there well the comedy ensues but on the flip side it's like you can't just you you want to you want to kind of see like how she deals with her new surroundings as a child mingling with as an adult child as an adult in a child's bodily body mingling with other children. And it can't really always be that because she's got these outside influences that directly impact her adult life that she's not uh, handling right now. She's like the, she owns like this big tech company. And so like in the movie big, like his childhood life goes away because he's believed to have been kidnapped and they can just focus on this child playing an adult working for this toy company. In this movie, they can't do that. It's not all, I think that what, what gets shortchanged in this is her going back to school and, uh, mingling with children again. It gets shortchanged and, um, because she was an adult and, and she still has to deal with like her adult life and have somebody take over that for her. So I'm, I'm going to give this a high taste that it, it, there were very funny moments. And I think that this, uh, Marci Martin, who played the little Jordan Sanders, she did a great job of acting like Regina Hall as an adult. She did a tremendous job. And there are some very funny scenes in this movie. I'm going to give it a high taste it. Um, I think they could have cut like 10 minutes, like I said, out of this thing. But, uh, it, it's, uh, it's good. Uh, but I mean, I'm not saying you have to see this one in the theaters. Um, but I, I, there were some laugh out loud moments, but there were some moments that were, I think the, the stuff when she is just hanging out with the kids in the school just didn't kind of work for me at all times. So. Yeah. I saw the trailer for this. I mean, it looked, you know, charming enough, Mm -hmm. but yeah, something that you'd, didn't necessarily need to go to the theater for. Yeah. Well, I do because I do this fucking show, Jake. I'm not, I don't mean I don't mean you, Brian. I mean like <laughs> general you, like you know the public. Well, I think you did. I no, oh, I'm fucking with you. Brian, why the fuck did you see this? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Now we're getting to the root of it. <laughs> hey uh neil what do you got for good pop bad pop sir uh i got a couple things did you want to talk about la Llorona yet or do you want me to go into my own things you first? know what let's jump into the curse of la Llorona. all right dude what did you think about this movie well tell you what i'm going to let me get let me give the synopsis here um 
Oh, yeah. Uh, this is uh, – it's part of the Conjuring universe. So this is yeah. – uh, you know, if you, Apparently. If you've watched The Conjuring uh, along with the uh, Annabelle films and uh, the most uh, recent movie, The Nun, uh, which is a movie I did not like, uh, this is part of that universe. Uh, ignoring the eerie warning of a troubled mother suspected of child endangerment, a social worker and her own small kids are soon drawn into a frightening supernatural realm. Their only hope to survive – La Llorona, deadly, uh, La Llorona's deadly wrath may be a disillusional, disillusioned priest and the mysticism he keeps, uh, he practices to keep evil at bay on the fringes where fear and faith collide. This is directed by Michael Chavez. Uh, he directed, uh, Chase Champion and The Maiden, which are two movies I've never seen. Um, <laughs> This one stars uh, Linda Cardellini. Uh, she was from Freaks and Geeks. She was also in Bloodline. She's also Hawkeye's wife in the MCU. Uh, Sean Patrick uh, Thomas is in this movie. Uh, Tony Amendola plays Father Prez, and he actually played the same role in uh, Annabelle. Um, and then Raymond Cruz plays uh, Rafael Vera who's this uh, ex-priest who's left the priesthood so he can perform these uh, – Types of uh, exorcisms or rituals that the church won't condone. Um, yeah. Uh, what did you think about uh, this movie, Neil? Well, uh, so I saw it this morning. I, I got a free ticket. So I was like, well, fuck it. We're, I knew we were, you were going to talk about it. So I thought, why not go see it? Yeah. I had no idea it was part of the Conjuring universe. I've never seen any of those movies. So that's all lost on me. Um I thought that setting it as a period piece was a good choice, uh, setting it in the 70s. Yeah, it takes place in 1973, so, like, this isn't – like, we don't have any of the modern-day tech. There's, like, no cell phones mm-hmm. and stuff like that, so, yeah. Yeah, and I th- I really appreciated the the work they did on L.A. of the 70s, which was full of smog. And, use like, putting that in there just to show how different things have been since thanks to our environment, re- environmental regulations, um, I thought there was a, a decent amount of tension building in each scene, but it really d- was so reliant on jump scares that it didn't, that didn't really do much for me. Um, I, I'll give it a taste it because it, it was fun. It was it was fine. I don't, I don't think you need to see it in the theater. And, uh, it was, it was nice to see Marta from Arrested Development get a movie role. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she, I thought she did a pretty good job. She did. I mean, the acting overall was, was fine. I, I love Lydia Cardellini. I've loved her since Freaks and Geeks. And, yeah. um, uh, what's it, that called? Uh, Grandma's Boy. Grandma's boy. Oh my yeah. god, I fucking love that movie, dude. So do I. It's one of my favorite fucking comedies. Fucking it's, uh, it's, Nick uh, Nick Swartzen in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the 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 uh dance dance revolution scene is so uh, goddamn good. <laughs> I love how he's he sleeps in a race car bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The scene, the scene where the old lady fucking uh, eats the pot brownies. Oh yeah! Oh my god! (laughs) Fucking hilarious, dude! I love Grandma's Boy. That is such a great movie. Yeah, it is. It really is. Uh, And I I saw Raymond Cruz for the first time in Clear and Present Danger. Isn't he Uh, is such a fantastic character actor? Yeah, he he always plays kind of a rough and ready kind of guy. I find him very charming 
it, you know, it was it was a fine movie. Um, I'm glad I saw it for free, but you know, it was good. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, if you like it, you're you're gonna like it. If you if you have no basis in this universe, you probably feel the same way I do. <laughs> Honestly, like this is a this is a um, this is a breath of fresh air compared to the Nun, like which mm. is set in the same universe. The Nun was just absolutely horrendous. Um, this movie currently, last time I checked, it sat at a fifty three percent. Uh, from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, and in my opinion, it's way better than that. I I quite enjoyed this movie. I felt like you've got a in this movie you've got a villain with 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 clear motivations. There's this mm-hmm. myth. It, she's like a myth. Uh, La Llorona is like a myth to most people, like folklore. And uh, it, uh, this uh, she's this woman. Her, uh, her husband cheated on her with a younger woman. So to get back at him, she. She uh, takes her the the two things that he loves the most, which are the children that they had together, these two boys, and she drowns them in a lake and then realizes what she's done and starts to cry. So here we have that. That's the story. And so now when you hear her weeping, she'll come for your children. And I, mm-hmm. I it's just a cool kind of setup, right? And I mean, you know... Linda Cardellini in this movie as the mom was really good. She works for, I like the way that she works for uh, child protective services mm-hmm. and how that kind of worked its way into the story here. She, she had to r- remove these two boys from their mother because this mother had them locked in her closet. Well, come to find out this mother was protecting those two boys from La Llorona. And so like now Linda Cardellini's kids are the target of La Llorona. And she really plays this protective mother really well. Um, mm-hmm. The best part in this movie for me, though, was uh, when we start to get Raymond Cruz in here. Mm-hmm. And, and he comes to their house and he starts to go through all the different ways to, you know, help protect them and, and stop La Llorona. And uh, it's like a it's like a horror uh, like a horror movie version of Home Alone where like Kevin, <laughs> Kevin McAllister is putting up all the traps for like, you know, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. And, and I'm not saying like they're going to hit La Llorona in the head with a paint can and shit. It's, I'm, it, it's just really cool. All the different things that he does to kind of like protect them and protect the kids. Um, and, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it. it. This movie, even though it was set in the seventies, reminded me of, uh, me going to movies like in the nineties, horror movies in the nineties. It felt like a very nineties movie to me. It did. Yeah. You're right about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, just going to see some of those nineties movies and, uh, nineties horror movies. I'm going to give this a high taste. It and a very enthusiastic go out and see this one in the theaters. If you, if you like horror and if you like the conjuring universe, because I think that this is a solid entry into the conjuring universe. I saw this one, Neil, I saw it in Dolby Atmos. So me the, too. the sound was incredible. Um, yeah. and the, and the picture was incredible as well. So I'm going to give it a high taste. It And, 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 um, I, I really, I really enjoyed this movie and I think I would actually watch this one again at home. I, not, not like, like in like uh it's not like I have all my attention. I might have it on in the background, but um I I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was very good. So nice. Yeah. 
It's uh, that's glad. I'm glad to hear that. I, I kind of hate how horror is these days, where they get a hit movie and they just kind of fucking spin it and sequel yeah. it until it dies. And yeah. The, yeah. It, the Conjuring 1 and The Conjuring 2 are such solid movies that it's been kind of a shame. I mean, I know one of the Annabelles is the good one, but Annabelle, in my opinion, they're yes. all pretty shitty. Annabelle, no. Annabelle Creation is really, really good. It's really good. So, Did, did you get the preview for the new Annabelle movie and I, before you saw this? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. That. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, yeah. Again, I've never seen any of these movies, so yeah. <laughs> it did nothing for me. <laughs> so, um, what else you got, Neil? Uh, I got the Into the Spider Verse Blu-ray uh, a couple days ago, and I, I, I just wanted to point out that it's a. I mean, the movie's still a Tupperware, obviously, but uh, the, the special features on this thing are, are absolutely incredible. I, I watched them all last night, and it's. The, there's there's a spider ham uh, short mm, mm. which which is which is super fun yeah, um, yeah. I think they released that online didn't they the Spider Man I think short? so yeah and, and there's a uh, when you play the movie there's an option to do like the multiverse version which has like a bunch of deleted scenes that are just like storyboards and that kind of stuff mm. and they play that scene before that that version of it too can you, um, I, can I throw this out there real quick. We're gonna get a sequel to this, man. Like, can, yes, we are. are. Like, are, are you are you ready for that? Like, can you imagine? Uh, like, <laughs> seriously, like, we're gonna get a sequel to Into the Spider Verse. We're gonna get another movie. We're probably gonna get introduced to more Spider Verses. Multiple. Yeah, that's Spider- amazing. Yeah, I know. Jake, are you excited for sequels? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit on edge for sequels. Honestly, sometimes I just get kind of weary, man. I Into the Spider Verses possibly my favorite comic book movie of all time and yeah. sometimes i get in that mode where it's like i don't want a good thing to get kind of marred you know so, I call it the matrix effect uh, well I, yeah that and like but the thing is like you know it, it i don't know is, is phil lord gonna come back and have any input on this one you know what i mean yeah phil lord yeah, is such a big part of the first movie and i feel like that's you know i know it's I feel like that's one, maybe one of the reasons that the Lego Movie Two wasn't uh, as well received as uh, the first movie is because of uh, the lack of Phil Lord and you know uh, and Chris Miller in that, but the lack of Phil Lord, you know, in that film. Yeah, I agree with that, and it, I don't know. It just kind of a lot of the news and media I've read about what's happening. It feels like like Oprah's giving out spinoffs. You know, this character gets a spinoff, that character gets a spinoff. You know? ah, Look under your chair, Spider Man Noir. You get a spinoff. But that's just for like that's just for like TV shows, right? Just for kids, like to keep them uh, interested in the show. Like you know, you know what I mean? Is that is that is that what's going on? I thought I, so. I thought it was just TV shows, man. For like you know, Disney like. I don't know if it's Disney XD, but like just TV or shows. Disney Plus, even. Disney Plus. Or I guess it's Sony. But it's Sony, yeah. So, but no, it doesn't. No, Sony doesn't own the cartoons for fucking Spider Man. Marvel still owns the cartoons for Spider Man. Into the Spider Verse isn't a Sony product. It's a Sony product. But they can I, see that's the weird thing. It's like Sony has the movie rights, right? Sony has movie Marvel rights. Marvel still has all the TV exactly. rights. Exactly. So, Into the Spider Verse is a mo- animated movie. Sony has the movie rights, but um, Marvel has all the TV rights. That's why when Legion, the TV show, was going to show up on FX, they had to get permission from Marvel to use X-Men characters. Mm, Okay. I dig. I dig. That's why Deadpool could show up in that Spider-Man cartoon. 
Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And it was kind of a mixture of a bunch of different characters. Like Nova yeah. was in it. And- yeah, oh yeah, I've got that figure too, that Nova figure, because that was like, like one of the first Nova figures that came out. Neil, go on and talk about the special features and all this stuff and Into <laughs> the Spider-Verse for the Blu-ray. Yeah, it, there was a, a bunch of little featurettes about the making of the movie with uh, all the creative team. There, there's a whole one about the cast. And uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller are, are, are prominent in the in the special features as well, talking about it. The whole Stan Lee and Jack uh, and and Jack Kirby. Um, I'm sorry, Steve Ditko. Yeah, uh, Steve Ditko. tribute in one of them, and the special features are just really, really great. I, if they decided to do a live version, live action version of this with the cast that they already have, they totally could, because it seems like a lot of the character designs are based almost on the people they cast as their as their roles. How uh, would, <laughs> it was but, pretty but incredible. How, how would the Green Goblin look live action? Well, yeah, I don't know about that part. And but. how? Would, <laughs> yeah, well, and, and then the Kingpin, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, Liev Schreiber does, looks nothing like him. Right. <laughs> One of the things that he said in, in his little spiel during the special features was that he stuffed toilet paper up his nose to give himself even more of a different sounding voice. Really. Yeah. It, 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 one of the things that I really liked about it was how enthusiastic everybody who worked on this movie was. They they loved doing this. It was because they were told from the get go, go as crazy as possible. You know, there's no there's no such thing as too far. Mm. And they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing to get this thing to be the incredible piece of art that it is. Now, see, and, Jake, d- doesn't that sound like that what they were trying to do with the solo movie? Like when when they, you know what I mean? Like doesn't that sound like what they were? Doesn't that sound like the shit that was infuriating? Like you know, uh, uh, Kathleen Kennedy and uh, uh, what's the, uh, uh, oh Lawrence Kasdan? Lawrence Kasdan, right? Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I, I'm sure just kind of their like flippant like humor and just the you know them trying to do takes that weren't necessarily on the page. Yeah, was just kind of infuriating those guys that are used to like their system and their way of allocating money and their way of you know using film and yeah, I just think I just think they rubbed each other the wrong way. It's which is very unfortunate because Solo is easily the worst Star Wars thing ever released in a movie house and. Yes. It would have been great to see what Lord and Miller could have done with that. I, I really think that would have just been a romp. It, I agree. It really was creative differences that drove that movie into the ground. Yeah. Yeah, you see you see kind of like uh the environment that uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller kind of uh encourage and, and and you see like when when their movie does get completed, um what a great movie it is. Like I'm a huge fan of 21 Jump Street. Like that movie was great. It was funny. 22 Jump Street was great. Um, and uh, they were able to kind of like run free and wild and do what they wanted to do in those movies. And uh, I think it's like when these guys get involved with like a, a big uh, – for, for for Sony though, Spider-Man has kind of become like a Hail Mary for them. Like they, they have to they have <laughs> to they have to kind of do something different uh, with these with these characters. Uh, because they've done it their way for so long, and it and and it, it just kind of like the bottom just kind of dropped out on it. Uh, Raimi did great work, um, in my opinion, uh, with, with Spider-Man initially, and then people kind of lost interest, and then and then Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man Two came along. I, I feel like now that they're uh, just kind of like 
doing these solo projects that aren't connected to the MCU, the animated project, the Venom thing, and they're just letting like Tom Hardy go buck wild and do whatever the fuck he wants to, <laughs> and then they're letting Phil Lord like go crazy and let these actors do like you know Neil like what you're saying here, just go crazy and 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 push mm-hmm. the envelope. It really sounds like that's 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 a fun environment, and that's when you're gonna get some some really fun shit and some great movies. And it allows these people to be creative in their own ways and yeah. be in this semi-chaotic environment where they can just push the envelope and really do something that they personally love. Can you uh, can you imagine? It's, this movie this movie has Nicolas Cage as, as noir <laughs> as noir Spider-Man with John Mulaney as a fucking spider pig. Are you kidding me? Like this is this is, this is it's amazing. It, it's just amazing to me that this movie exists and and with the with the animation style that they that they that they integrated into the film. It, it's just it is an accomplishment. It's amazing. Yeah, I've never seen anything that more felt like a comic book come to life than this movie. I, honestly, I've seen it about half a dozen times, and every single time it gives me goosebumps at moments. I, yeah. I just think it's brilliant. So One good. of the things they did to make it feel more more, more, more like a comic book was to slow it down to 12, per, 12 frames per second instead of the usual 24. Yeah. So each each little pay each little uh animation had a little more lingering time, so it felt almost like you were flipping through a comic book. That's that's brilliant, man. I love it. Yeah, it's super cool. I fucking love yeah, it. Yeah, it's brilliant. The usage of onomatopoeia in the movie is just mm-hmm. mind-blowing, too. And, like, uh, other shows and comic book movies have kind of tried to bring the onomatopoeia to, like, TV or movies. But this is the first time I think it's ever been successful. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the really funny things was uh, when Cage was talking about playing Spider-Man Noir, he, he was saying how he did a take or two and people he looked around the room and people were like eh, i don't know and he's like what you want me to go full cage and said, <laughs> yes and so he did <laughs> that's incredible like he yeah. it's so awesome that he's in that point in his career where he acknowledges that and i feel like that's where johnny depp's in denial mm-hmm. right totally yeah he takes yeah. himself a bit too seriously right yeah yeah Cage knows he's become kind of a ridiculous person, so he's like, yeah. "Fuck it, I'm going to make Mandy." <laughs> I loved Mandy too. Oh too. my god, incredible film! Like, don't make a sequel, right? Right. Yeah, right. let it live on its own because yeah. it was perfect as it was. Just make the next fucking Cage horror film, you know, and do that, but don't make another Mandy. So I want I want to see I, that's when I, I want to see Jordan Peele working with Nicolas Cage. That's the oh team my up, god, right? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. That's the team up I want to see for like the, the like for Jordan Peele's third movie, right? I'm so glad that Jordan Peele said no to Akira. Yeah, yeah. Who's doing that now? Right? Is was it Taika? Is it Taika Waititi? Is he doing? Yeah, it? Yeah, that is right. That is right. Yeah, he shouldn't do it. He shouldn't do it. Nobody should do no, it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't seem that seems almost like having Lord and Miller do solo and then being upset with the results, right? Yeah. Like I, I can't imagine that the people that are really a, a Kira purist want to see a Taika Waititi version of it. I don't, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. No, just I, I mean, just just watch the anime and leave it there. I just I don't know. Oh man, uh, I think I I'm here for a live action version of it. I think if of any of the anime, it's the one that deserves it and actually could be good. We'll see. I I just don't I don't know. I the only time I've watched the the 
You know, I, I think ba- Alita Battle Angel kind of worked in a way because nobody fucking read the manga, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's not. You weren't comparing it to this thing that you, you know, you grew up with. No shit. If anything, it brought attention to the goddamn manga. Yeah, right? yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. The lesser known stuff may be the smarter move to, you know, make some big bucks and to like build your own franchise. What do you, you know, think about not, what do you think about this cowboy bebop, man, with John Cho going to Netflix this series? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I mean it's the whole thing. All the live action anime just have been pretty crappy. So I mean I, mean, I only watch sounds good on paper. I watched that one that was on Netflix, but it was like it was all Japanese. It was like the director was Japanese, the entire cast was Japanese, and it worked. I thought it was fantastic. It really was good. Was so, that Bleach? Was it, I don't know. Was it Bleach? <laughs> oh, I can't remember. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was fucking good. You know what else is fucking good? Is uh, the Street Fighter fucking live action show. No, it was a movie. The Street Fighter movie that fucking came. Not the Jean-Claude Van Damme thing with Raul Julia, but I'm talking about like the, the Street Fighter, like the cheap, low-budget fucking Street oh, Fighter. Oh, yeah. Thing. That's good, That's wasn't all, it? I love that. That fucking was amazing. A. Yeah, they're supposed to be – they're doing a new one, Neil, and they're getting the same – they're getting the same um, – the same people that were involved in that project, like the, the director and the writers and everything, to do this new one. But they're getting like a full blown budget, and they can get like actors and shit like that. Yeah. So yeah, well, that's awesome. That's You're not talking yeah. about like Sonny Chiba movie, are you? No, like, no, no, actually no, no. based off the video game. Yeah, actually, no, not the Sonny Chiba film. Actually, based off the video game, dude. This was on Hulu for a while. I think it's like I think you can stream it somewhere, like Crunchyroll or Funimation or something like that. Now, um, I reviewed it on one of our past episodes a long time ago. I actually watched it on Hulu. It's really fucking good, dude. It's really fucking good. Is it by the same people that did the uh, Power Rangers gritty little short thing? It's. I don't think it's Addy Shankar, man. Okay. Yeah. It's not Addy Shankar, but it's really good. Except Ken's wig is like fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, Ken's wig is shit, man. It's bad. Is it Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li? No, that's no. with Kristen. That's Kristen Kriuk, and she was from Smallville. She played Lana Lang, and that is yeah. not what I'm talking about at all. No, the late great Michael Clark Duncan was in that too. Oh my gosh! Fucking played, ball, played Balrog. He uh, talking about into the Spider Verse. He was the original Kingpin of Daredevil, and with the Ben yeah, Affleck. There you go. Yeah. He, what, who who is he married to? Was it? Who was he dating? At the, was it was Omarosa with him? Yes. Yeah, Omarosa. Yes, I believe that is correct. Oh my gosh! I was watching her on the Surreal Life recently. That season with her and Janice Dickinson. Oh, God. Yeah, they were toxic with each other. Oh, my God. I loved it. It was great TV, though. It was. <laughs> I'm still trying to find any kind of. It's uh, Street version. Fighter Assassin's Fist, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, you can buy it on Prime Video for one ninety nine. Dude, it is. Ooh. Well, hold up. I'm going to Street Fighter's Assassin's Fist. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you could. Technically, they call it technically a TV miniseries, but it's all one thing. It, well, hold on. It was a miniseries, but they put everything all together now. Right. So you can watch the whole thing. Then they did a sequel to it that is not good. It's not <laughs> good. Um, but uh, that original one, Assassin's Fist, I am not fucking kidding you. Yeah, it's low budget. The special effects aren't good, but the fucking story is dope. A F. So yeah, watch it. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, no, you. looking at images, it looks like it, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like that, it's really yeah, good. It's hard to look, you know, not look better than the other one. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was fucking uh, Raul well, Julia's last, last performance. performance. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about that before. Like it's it's sad because you can like see him dying on film, basically. Yeah. Gosh, little yeah. Oh my god, fucking uh, Jean Claude Van Damme is guile. <laughs> God, the whole movie's so crap. When Rod Julia goes to his machine and it's the fucking control board from the actual arcade cabinet. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Punch my time clock. I'm out of here. Did you ever play the video game that was based on the live action version of that? Oh, it was garbage. It was terrible. Yeah, because it was one of the first times where they, like, digitally rendered, like, actors, and it really affected, like, the hit detection, if I remember correctly. Well, I mean, this is post-Mortal Kombat where they did the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, Do yeah. Do you remember fucking Pit Fighter? That was like the first movie I remember, the first video game I remember that did that. I loved Pit Fighter. That was I a great game. fucking love the shit out of Pit Fighter. Pit Fighter is one of those games where I realized that at the time arcade cabinets were so much better. I remember being so hyped to play Pit Fighter at home and then being so fucking disappointed. Do you remember Bad Dudes? Yeah, I remember Bad Dudes too. The that classic was a- Data East game. Data East. Uh, yeah, what was the what was the what was the premise of Bad Dudes? Wasn't it like the president got kidnapped and you just got to go? They hired bad dudes to go rescue the president. <laughs> yeah, it was basically almost like a joke of like Schwarzenegger movies, like a Schwarzenegger movie yeah. mashup, right? Or Schwarzenegger Stallone movie mashup. Have you ever looked at the cover for fucking uh, the first Contra? It's basically they took. Uh, Schwarzenegger from Predator and uh, Sylvester Stallone from Rambo, and they just switched out the faces. Like, you can match them up perfectly. Oh, that's hilarious. Like, that, I, I believe it. I can see yeah. the cover to Contra in my eye. And I honestly, I think I always just thought it was fucking Schwarzenegger, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's what they were trying to do. Like, I definitely made that connection. Why did it, Why did it take so long for them to get to put Schwarzenegger and Rambo in the same movie? Like, why did we have to wait until they're, like, fucking 50? They didn't do an earlier movie? That must have been Stallone and someone else. They were always kind of, like, feuding with one another. Like, you you saw in Last Action Hero that, like, Stallone did Terminator 2, like, on that cardboard cutout. They were always kind of feuding with one another and had jokes in their movies about each other, but they never well, yeah. started in a movie together until I believe it was like, wasn't it Expendables was the first one where they were in together? Yeah, I think you're right. And they did that escape plan bullshit. Yeah, and, yeah. And in, uh, in Demolition Man, uh, Schwarzenegger was the president. Yes, yeah, yeah. They uh, they signed that new bill where they like allowed Schwarzenegger to become president. <laughs> you're right. Um, and, and see, that's the thing. It's like uh, those two, when they were back in their prime in the fucking 80s, 
would have been amazing. Did you know that uh, the only reason Sylvester Stallone did the movie uh, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot is because he heard that that's a movie that Schwarzenegger wanted to do. Schwarzenegger <laughs> lied about it and said he wanted to do that movie. And it word got out to Stallone, and Stallone took the bait and did that movie. And like Schwarzenegger laughed about it because he was like, "Oh my god, there's no way I would do that fucking movie." He's like, "Ha ha ha, that idiot! I totally signed for Kindergarten Cop instead." Exactly, <laughs> exactly, man. That's exactly what happened. It's so weird. Mm. Ha ha ha! I got Jingle all the way. What a moron! <laughs> Jingle all the way did not perform that well. But you know what? I'll be honest with you, Jake. Kind of liked it. Yeah, that's not very good. I, I, I see all I, the hazing it gets. I still like Jingle All the Way. I'm a I'm a supporter. I'm a supporter yeah. of Jingle All the Way. I'm a last action hero apologist, but not so I much of a uh, oh, yeah, no, no last action hero pisses pissed me off at the time. I will watch it now and I will enjoy it. But at the time, it pissed me off because. Back in the day, it was like, let's get that Schwarzenegger blockbuster. And I, and they were always rated R, like Total Recall and Terminator and fucking like all, all, all these movies are rated R. And then we get PG-13 Last Action Hero. And I was like, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> I just thought, I just really always liked the story and just kind of like, I almost ahead of its time, the way it kind of looked outside the box of the blockbuster movie. Yeah, it got fucked Very by Jurassic, Jurassic Park fucking killed that movie <laughs> oh yeah definitely mm-hmm. like i i didn't see the movie until it came out on vhs yeah. yeah what happened to that kid's career what's that kid doing now huh uh, oh gosh i have no idea. i can barely even think what that kid looked like i bet that kid's i bet that kid turned into ted and he's working at the fucking conveyor belt t- making the peanut jokes no, oh, he's the nuts guy with he's the peanut the, emojis. Exactly. <laughs> this job's nuts anyway hey um do you want to take a break Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back with more Good Pop, Bad Pop because we've been rambling on about bullshit for the past nearly two hours. We're still still in Good Pop, Bad Pop. Yeah, they take <laughs> they take too long talking about stuff, and then they go off on little tangents and talk about stupid. I don't care. I don't want to hear that stuff. Jake, good riddance, right, to those people, right? Yeah, bad rubbish. Get out of here. You're bad <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> we'll be back. Listen, Groot, it's simple. If you want to help the Pop Culture Leftovers, go to thepopcultureleftovers.com and do all your shopping from the Amazon link. I am Groot. It doesn't cost you extra, and it helps the leftovers. Got it? I am Groot. Yeah, people can buy hats at Amazon. Are you still hung up on that hats thing? I am Groot. Yeah, okay, I got it. You don't have to buy your hats there. I am Groot. You're impossible. For anyone else who doesn't have a strange or borderline psychotic hatred for hats, please head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon link already. I am Groot. And now you're wearing a hat. Not freaking give up. Hey, we are <laughs> We are back. We're back. We're back and we're on the attack, right, gentlemen? Definitely. What are we attacking? I don't know. We're attacking... <laughs> We're attacking their vagina. <laughs> wow. Wow. That was right. Yeah, that was not. No, 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 Brian. Again, again that's the other podcast. No. Yeah, I know. That's terrible. That's when that's when you need to spray me with the water bottle. Right. <laughs> no. Will you not say that? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that's bad. Bad boy. No. Yeah, there will be no vaginal attacks. This is a <laughs> vaginal attack free zone. Don't worry, everybody. Um, <laughs> your vagina is safe for the next couple of hours. Um, Jake, I went and saw, it's been a while since I went and saw a Riff Tracks Live. Uh, so I went and saw Octoman. Uh, these are the uh, gentlemen who uh, uh, were involved with Mystery Science Theater 3000, Mike Nelson, uh, Kevin Murphy, and Bill Corbett. And they riffed on the 1971 low-budget sci-fi horror Octoman, a movie I have never seen before. <laughs> and um, it's man, it's been like – it's been – I'd say it's been over a year since I've been to a Riff Tracks Live. You know, I've, I've watched some Riff Tracks stuff. I think the last one I saw was Space Mutiny. And I think that was like a year ago. Yeah, you kind of got became a slave to the you know the A list, and it kind of got you away from that. Huh? Yeah, and then I, oh, and I was going to the Ghibli Fest. I've been doing the Ghibli Fest stuff, so uh, I kind of put. Yeah, it, it, man, you know what? This was just a reminder of like I need to keep going to Rift Tracks Live because I I had a great time with this one. Um, it started off with a uh, short. At, they always do a short at the beginning. Like, before they get to the movie, they do kind of like a short. And uh, this short was for a uh, – it was a live-action McGruff, the crime dog. And he was talking about staying away from poisons and drugs and shit. And it was pretty hilarious. So they had, like, a, a live-action McGruff. And he's wearing the trench coat. And at one time, he's like, I'm totally rocking a red rocket under this thing. And it was pretty fucking hilarious. <laughs> Did a great job, but Octoman um, is uh, deep in the Mexican jungle. A legendary creature lurks in a radioactive swamp. Is it a man? Is it an octopus? No, it's Octoman. And then it, it is so low budget and terrible. Um, it's uh, it's a science uh, it's a scientific expedition, and they uh, set out to study this atomic mutant and stop it before it kills people. And uh, it's basically it's a it's a horrible looking suit here, where uh, it's a it's a man dressed up as an octopus, and he uses his tentacles just to go around stabbing people, and it makes no sense why he's able to stab people and uh, with tentacles. It just it's the most bizarre thing ever. Um, and then, uh, it's, it's another thing, like, you've got, like, the monster is, uh, having babies and the scientists keep stealing the babies and doing experiments on the babies, but it's Octoman. So wouldn't it make sense to call it Octomom instead of Octoman? I didn't understand <laughs> that. That was weird. Yeah, that's like some Jurassic Park dinosaur DNA splicing shit going on there, right? Right. It was weird. Uh, this movie also starred uh, Pier Angeli, and this is her last movie. And this is a woman who is obsessed with being a movie star, so she starred in a bunch of just shitty films. And apparently, uh, I looked it up, she she died of an overdose after this film was released. So I guess she didn't watch that uh, McGruff Crime Dog PSA that they had at the beginning of this fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, she Barbiturates ended up killing her. But... Uh, it, the movie was directed by the writer of uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and then it had uh, <laughs> costumes and effects by uh, a very young Rick Baker, who did like the costumes and uh, and all the uh, practical special effects for uh, An American Werewolf in London. He he worked on Men in Black, uh, the 2001 Planet of the Apes movie, and then Harry and the Hendersons. He did the 
he did the Sasquatch, the the Harry in that movie. So I mean, Rick Baker, pretty famous dude. Um, but uh, it, it this was hilarious. I, I thought this it was a great. Uh, I had a great time at this Rift Tracks. Um, just a terrible movie that I would not watch on its own. <laughs> but like you know, these guys from MST3K just do a great job riffing this fucking thing. Just a fantastic job. And um, so I'm going to be there now, uh, in June. Uh, June 6th, and then there's gonna be a replay on June 11th. They're gonna be riffing, uh, Star Raiders, which is a Casper Van Dien movie. <laughs> oh boy. Wow, I think I've actually seen that piece of garbage. <laughs> it, came, it came out in 2017, and it's the newest movie that they've ever riffed. And, uh, the last Casper Van Dien movie that they, I saw that they riffed, uh, was, uh, Starship Troopers, and I had a blast at that one, so I cannot wait to see uh, Star Raiders rift by uh, the Rift Tracks guys. Um, rip, uh, like, so if you want to like see if you have a theater that does this, go to fathomevents.com. And Fathom Events always has some really cool shit going on. They've got May 4th, they're going to show, uh, they're going to start showing the original four Batman films. Um, and not the Adam West, you know. Yeah, Bat- the Tim Burton yeah. on. Yeah, Tim Burton on. So, um, May 4th is Batman, and then May 6th is Batman Returns. On the 12th, it's Batman Forever, and then May 14th, it's Batman and Robin. Uh, and then uh, Fathom Events on June 2nd, they're having uh, Saving Private Ryan come back into the theaters again. I think it's like the 20th anniversary for that. So um, I loved seeing that movie in the theater. I might go back and see it again. I, I, think, I, I love Saving Private Ryan. It's such a great Spielberg film. Yeah, that first uh, opening... D-Day sequence yeah. is still to this day one of the best opening scenes from a movie. Well, shit. I mean, Call of Duty, basically, like, that the video game, like, <laughs> took a page out of that movie, right? Well, it only exists because of the movie, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, May 13th, there's, uh, Riff Tracks is going to be doing a um, Star Trek Deep Space Nine documentary called uh, What We Left Behind, looking back. Wow. Looking back at Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine, they're going to have um, interviews with the cast and creators. They're going to show pr- uh, footage presented in HD for the first time anywhere uh, and brand new animated storyboards uh, showing what could have been and what might still be. So, um, yeah, definitely if you're a, a fan of Star Trek and uh, Deep Space Nine, May 13th, uh, go to fathomevents.com. And uh, see if they're if that's uh, oh uh, fucking uh, later in the year they're gonna have um, uh, the Alien 40th anniversary and then uh, the 30th anniversary for uh, in my opinion the best romance comedy ever filmed when Harry met Sally with uh, Meg Ryan and uh, Billy Crystal I, I fucking love that movie I am unashamed to say that I love when Harry met Sally it is the best rom com fucking ever. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. Yeah. What year was that? 2001, 2002? Oh, when Harry met Sally, that's the early fuck, 90s, right? It's fucking 80s, dude. That's like 87, oh. man. 87, 88, 89. I'm blanking on it. It's Billy Crystal and who's the female? You're lead? thinking of Forget Paris, which came out in like 93. Am I? Am I? That's, okay. uh, that's Billy Crystal and Deborah Winger. Okay. When Harry who's, met who Sally. When Harry Met Sally was Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. And then Carrie, oh. Carrie Fisher shows up in that one, and she's dating uh, Bruno Kirby. 
I love. Oh, I love Bruno Kirby. So do I. So do I. I love Bruno Kirby. I think he's great. So yeah. that's cool. That Deep Space Nine doc sounds really fucking awesome. Deep Space Nine has always been my favorite Star Trek television series, and I've always been incredibly bitter that we haven't gotten the HD restoration that it seems that every other series gets. Mm, so yeah. hopefully it'll bring some attention to that, and we can we can get that moving because man i i love it it's the kind of the first trek series to tell that one long form story and i think it really does nail it from beginning to end yeah i love deep space and i i used to watch it um before i would watch saturday morning cartoons it would be on at like six o'clock in the morning Mm. and i would get up and watch that before i watched my x-men and whatnot yeah deep space nine is really good i it was just uh I, I I don't know, man. For me, it was. I guess it's going back to '87 and getting that Star Trek: The Next Generation. I remember staying up to watch that and and loving it. And so I don't know, but I, I did enjoy Deep Space Nine as well. But um, have either of you been watching the new Twilight Zone? I have not. Neil? No, I have not. I watched. I've watched the first two episodes now. I am going to. There's the third and the fourth are out. This is the uh, CBS All Access show, and uh, this one is uh, uh, done by Jordan Peele. Uh, he's kind of playing the Rod Serling role here, uh, where he introduces the show and everything. And um, I think. Carolyn Serling is still an executive producer on the show, which is cool. Uh, the first one was, uh, it starred Camille Nianjiani. It was the comedian episode. And then the second one was, uh, uh, Terror. Oh, excuse me. Nightmare at 30,000 feet, like, which was originally, uh, William Shatner. Shatner. And then in the Twilight Zone movie, it was John Lithgow. Uh, this takes a different, it's a different spin on it. And, um, and this one started Adam Scott, and hmm. it was he was list a podcast is involved. I'll say that much. Um, I'm going to give the comedian episode with Kumail Nanjiani a taste. It I thought it was good. Um, I didn't think it was great. I thought Kumail Nanjiani was fantastic in it. Uh, Tracy Morgan is also in the in the episode. I liked it. But I, I was thinking to myself, okay, let's compare this to other things that had come out recently. Let's compare this to Black Mirror. Is this on the level of Black Mirror? No, we're not there yet. This is not as good as like some of the best Black Mirror episodes that I've seen. Um, but then I get the second episode, which I was just expecting to have Adam Scott. When I saw that it was Nightmare at uh, uh, 30,000 feet, I was just like, okay, this is going to be uh, Adam Scott looking outside of this plane and seeing something on the wing, right? <laughs> Not not at all what we got in this episode. Um, and uh, I am going to Tupperware that episode. I thought that that was fantastic. I really liked it. I, I thought it, it was kind of projected. At, early on, I was just like, I see where this is going. And then at the end, it just kind of like uh, pulled the rug out from under me and really surprised me. And I, I, I really enjoyed the episode. And, and um, I felt like there's a little bit of... Uh, black mirror in it there's a little bit of tales from the dark side but there's still a lot of twilight zone in these episodes and i i really enjoyed uh, that second episode there's two more i'm gonna get to and i will watch those soon but uh yeah i, I this is a series i'm gonna stick with overall i'm gonna give it a high taste so far so i am enjoying twilight zone on cbs all access how's peel as the host 
not as good as Rod Serling, man. It's it's just he's he's not trying to be Rod Serling. He he's Jordan Peele, but it's just it's right now it just hasn't grabbed me. Yeah, you know, it's fine. I, I'm not you know what I mean. It's nothing to write home about. He, he's just kind of laid back. He doesn't try to do the over serious Rod Sterling thing. He's very serious in this. Yeah. Okay. He okay. does, but it's just, it's, there's something about kind of like, it's kind of like when, like, like, uh, what's his fucking name? When, uh, what's his name from, uh, uh, Goodfellas took over for Robert Stack on Unsolved Mysteries. It just never was the same. You never can, you know what I mean? Nobody beats Robert Stack, you know? Yeah, well, I agree. It's can we might as well just call it a different show if it's not Roberts. It's not unsolved mysteries. Yeah, who is the guy that took over for him? Oh, uh, someone really fucking shitty, right? Some like child celebrity. No, it was a fuck, it was a guy from Goodfellas. Uh, he played uh, the guy that Joe Pesci it? killed in Goodfellas. Is his, Dennis uh, Farina, right? Yeah, Den- yeah, Farino. Yeah, uh, the NYPD blue guy. No, no. No, that's no Dennis Farina. He was in uh, what was it? Um, Looking this up, the Guy Ritchie movie uh, 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 Snatch. Oh, I know exactly who that is now. Okay, he's dead now. I think you were thinking of Dennis Franz. I was. I was. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to think about who I was thinking of too. Was it? Was it Dennis? Was originally it was Dennis Franz. And, uh, what's, what's the guy? What's the guy? The, uh, the redhead. Oh, uh, Caruso? Yeah, David, David Caruso. Caruso. And then David Caruso left the show because he, th- he thought he was hot shit and thought he was going to do movies. And then Ricky Schroeder took over for NYPD Blue, right? Little Silver Spoons kid? Yeah, and then eventually Caruso came back, I believe. Did he? Yeah, I thought the whole movie thing failed, and he basically they did a whole gimmick where he, his character returned. I thought yeah, he thought he was going to be a fucking Clooney from ER and leave fucking <laughs> ER and be like all oh, Mister Clooney. Yeah, you fucked up, Caruso. Oh man, this Dennis Farina was in one of my all-time favorite '80s movies, uh, Midnight Run. You guys familiar with that one? Who's in Midnight Run? Robert De Niro, Robert De Niro, and Charles Grobin, and Robert De Niro is like taking Groban across the United States as like a hostage or I love Charles Groban. Oh man. It, it is such a great fucking movie because Groban is like the straight man. And while De Niro is trying to, you know, do all this crazy stuff. What, ha- what oh, happened? Groban was in. What about Bob? No, that was not what he wasn't in that. He that was, was Dreyfus. That was, it was Richard Dreyfus. I'm thinking of uh, Clifford. A uh, Beethoven. Clifford was, uh, was, uh, Martin short. Yes. And, and, and Groban was in that. <laughs> Groban was the dad in, yeah. uh, in Beethoven, too, though. Yeah, he was. He was the, well, what's Groban doing? What's he been I up to? I don't know. He used to be hilarious on Letterman. I, I, I loved Groban. Yes, I, he's so good. Oh my god. Man. Hey, Jake, have you been watching Dark Side of the Ring? No, I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's the, uh, it's the Vice, uh, wrestling doc. Yeah, I, I saw the, uh, Macho Man one. But I have not seen the um, 
the Montreal Screwjob one and the uh, the other one yet. Okay, yeah, this is uh, Dark Side of the Ring. It's on Viceland, and uh, it's uh, wrestling. It's uh, th- there are six episodes. Uh, I think three have been released now, and uh, it's showing you the dark side of professional wrestling. And yes, you're right. The first one was about the the romance and the relationship between Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth, and the second one was uh, Brett the Hitman Hart, Shawn Michaels, Vince McMahon, and the Montreal Screwjob. Uh, I haven't watched the third episode. Jake, I'm fucking loving this. I am loving this. Really? Yeah, I've heard um, a lot of mixed opinions from a lot of my, my wrestling fan friends. Ah, I heard the Macho yeah. Man one was good, yeah. but the screw job was bad. That's uh, fine. I mean, that's fine. If, if you're deep in, like, if you're a big time wrestling fan that's still deep in the stuff and you know all about the. If you have like your own thoughts about the Montreal screw job and if everybody was in on it or if you felt like everybody was in on it but Brett the Hitman. I mean, it's whatever. It's whatever. I thought it was well, pretty that, fascinating. That's kind of the big problem I'm hearing is I mean, the Montreal screw job stuff, there's really it's kind of bad on a documentary yeah. to present that side to say that it was all a work like that. Mm-hmm. Because it's very much been proven that it's not. I mean, because of Bret Hart's brother dying and the wrongful death lawsuit from Bret Hart against the WWE. One of the claims was that, you know, the reason he was doing this was because he was bitter about the Montreal screw job. And I feel like right then and there, when it's something as serious as his brother's death and it's reaching court, that if it was a fix or it was a work, that's where it's, it's, it's coming out. It's a hundred percent. Yeah. was a screw job in my opinion. There's just no, like disputing that. So I do find it highly suspect of vice to present that argument. And I don't know how many beers they had to give Scott Hall to agree with it and go along with that too. So very bizarre. And I've heard the footage they show isn't even the footage from the actual match. Cause really? they show when Vince gets spit on and when Bret Hart makes the WCW stuff, which is all stuff that never actually was on the the wrestling show that was stuff presented in another documentary that came out 10 years later hmm. that was also about the Montreal screw job so i find uh, some of the tactics that i've heard that they've done in this documentary a little bit suspect and i hate that when documentaries yeah. prey on people's lack of knowledge of a sus- of a subject because i want someone like you brian to watch this and and come away like learning something yeah. and not just kind of cuz you have no way to know whether or not any of this stuff is true or not yeah or that yeah. much proven wrong and so I, I find that a little bit shitty on their part because I, I i mean i was watching i you know i was a big wrestling fan when i was a child and then like by the time like it was you know 97 when this was happening i was not watching wrestling i i was watching what back when like you know, when they were talking about like in the, in the first one, I was watching with Miss Elizabeth and Macho Man and like, you know, when it was, uh, Hogan and, and, uh, Macho Man and they were the mega powers. I was watching all that stuff, but like none of like this, none of that drama was really being leaked out into the public back then, you know? So like I felt, I found that, that episode fascinating. Um, you know, like the whole Lex Luger side of everything and Oh yeah, boy, yeah. they really paint him to be a scumbag. Sure did. I I I, I you know what? Yeah, you, I, for me watching this, I, I would give these first two episodes a Tupperware just because of my lack of knowledge. But I guess if you are kind of like deep into wrestling, um, you you could kind of argue this stuff. But uh, 
you know, I I thought Jim Cornette in that second episode was pretty fucking hilarious, man. So yeah, um, the Jim Cornette Russo stuff seemed needless to present so much of that stuff, but I did enjoy, I do like that. I do yeah. like those two people and seeing kind of mm-hmm. them going at war with each other like that. Yeah, I, I bought uh, uh, Jake the Snake is going to be uh, in uh, Champagne on Monday, so I bought tickets to go see him. Nice. I've heard that's a um, he's really secretive, I guess, about what's going on in those shows. So I'll be excited to hear from you what that's like. Yeah, he uh, there's a there's a meet and greet at six thirty, and then he goes live, uh, and then he gets on stage at seven thirty. So I'm going to get there at around six o'clock, six fifteen, and get in line and. And, uh, hopefully get to meet Jake the Snake, cause he's a wrestler that I grew up watching and I, and I really enjoyed him, so. Does Jake the Snake still carry around a snake everywhere? No, I don't think so. I mean, that was like, uh, I don't, did you listen to him on Rogan when he was on Rogan recently? I did not. Yeah, he was talking about that and like how, like, it was a different snake all the time. Like, the, the snakes would die. Yeah, cause snakes don't have a very long lifespan and they're yeah. not gonna tell all the children, well, Damien's well, dead. They, basically would fly these they would fly these snakes like all over the you know country and put them in these planes and some of these planes were cold and these planes these snakes just didn't have a long life he'd have to get a different snake like every you know few months so yeah that's kind of sad the way you kind of paint that tale is that the actual like using the snake as a prop was yeah. also shortening their lives so mm-hmm. that that is kind of sad yeah that's k- kind of what came out during that joe rogan i uh i watched a movie today uh, i did a double feature today i went and saw little in the morning and then in the afternoon i went and saw a uh, a movie uh independent film called giant little ones uh two popular teen boys best friends since childhood discover their lives families and girlfriends dramatically upended after an unexpected incident occurs on the night of a 17th birthday party. Uh, this movie is written and directed by Keith Behrman, who is uh, responsible for a TV show called The Stagers, which I've never seen. Uh, he's a Canadian director, so I'm guessing this is a Canadian television show that I've never seen. Uh, this movie stars Josh Wiggins, uh, Darren Mann, uh, Taylor Hickson, uh, and Kyle, uh, here's, here's two names you'll recognize. Kyle MacLachlan. You know, from mm-hmm. Dune and then Showgirls and then uh, Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks and then Maria Bello. Uh, she's she was in Permanent Midnight. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Maria Bello. She's got to be like in her 50s. She looks fantastic. Maria Bello. I do not know who that is. Uh, if you saw her, you would You'd be like, ah, I've seen her in something. I know you have. I know you've seen her in something. Maria Bello is in this movie. She plays. Uh, the mother of one of these kids. So these two 17-year-old boys, they're on the swim team. Um, also on the swim team is the... Remember the two bullies from Shazam? Yes. <laughs> they're both in this movie. And it's it's a weird dynamic that they have in this movie because they're on the swim team. And the one bully, uh, both of these bullies, one of them plays a bully in this movie. And he's bullying the other bully from Shazam about being, uh, about being gay and on the swim team. Um... This this movie is, uh, I, you know, like when you read when I read the synopsis there, it, it doesn't give you. This is the fucked up thing. Like it doesn't tell you like what the hook is for this movie. It it really doesn't tell you anything. So like going in, I really didn't know what I was getting into. It's it's called Giant Little Ones, and I'm like, what the fuck? 
what am I, you know, like, what am I getting into? I just, I saw like the rating on, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes and it was a high rating. It was a, it was a, it was a fresh rating. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check this out. You know, I, I like to go into some of these independent films, not really knowing what I'm getting into. You know, I saw shoplifters, not really knowing what the movie was about at all. And walking out of that movie, my mind was blown. I was like, this is a fantastic film. So watching this one, I'm, I'm struggling right now, Jake, if I should tell everybody what the hook is. I'm I'm going to give this movie a Tupperware. I thought it was absolutely fantastic, but I'm struggling right now to let everybody know what the hook is because there are twists in this movie. Oh, they don't so, really advertise the, they the, don't. the hook. It's uh-uh. more of a twist than a hook, huh? It's, um, yeah, I mean, okay, let me just, how do I say this? I, I There is definitely a, um, there's definitely an LGBTQ angle in this one. So, um yeah, and you kind of hinted at that. I feel like with your review already, it's there's a lot going on in this movie. You've got uh, you've got these two, these two boys that have been friends. Yeah, here we go. I want I want people to see this movie. You've got these two boys. They're very popular in the school. They're on the swim team. Uh, they both have girlfriends, and um, you know they're at a party uh, at one of the boys' house. And uh, they're hanging out as as they do, and they're having a great night. Cut to a a bedroom scene where you hear some heavy breathing, and then one person gets out of the bed very quickly and leaves, and the other person's like, "You don't have to go." Blah blah blah. They both had gotten drunk. Uh, it's the boys. They had uh, um, had a sexual experience with one another. And that's kind of like what this movie's about and like how this kind of unfolds. And, um, there are twists and turns in this movie and, um, I thought it was very powerful. I, I, I really, I really like this movie. Um, Kyle McLaughlin plays the parent to, uh, Josh Wiggins character of Frankie and then Maria Bella plays the mother of, uh, of, of Frankie in this movie. I really like this. I loved Love Simon. I felt like Love Simon that came out with Nick Robinson last year was kind of like if John Hughes made a movie about a boy coming out. And this was like, this is definitely not that. This is a completely different movie. But, um, I really, I think people should watch this one. If you can't see this one in the theater, uh, then definitely like, uh, rent it or, or stream it somewhere, but it's called Giant Little Ones. I give it a, I give it a Tupperware. Um, oh, the, there's a the girl in this one. I, I think she's the same girl from uh, Deadly Class. One of the one of the girl actors in this one is from Deadly Class, the sci-fi series. What's her fucking name? I'm looking it up now. Yeah, you get this is me. Uh, this is you're, you're listening to me <laughs> going to IMDb and looking up. Yeah, Taylor Hickson. And she was, is she in this movie? Please tell me she was in, yeah, Giant Little Ones. Taylor Hickson was in this movie and she plays the sister of one of these boys and she's fantastic in this movie. Watch it. Guys, I'm telling you, Giant Little Ones, I thought it was really good. Give it a shot. Watch it. If you can find it somewhere, watch it. It's a Tupperware in my opinion. I don't think a lot of people are talking about this one, but I thought it was very good. She's also in Deadpool. Who did she play in Deadpool? Megan Orlovsky, the the girl who hires him to get the pizza guy. Oh no shit! 
Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a deep cut there. Yeah. I, IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jake, Mar- Maria Bello was uh, Johnny Depp's wife in Secret Window, and she was Viggo Mortensen's wife in A History of Violence. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. She's good. And, and man, she's... She's got to be like in her fifties, man. She looks fantastic, man. She's really she. She looks. She looks. She looks like she did twenty years ago. It's amazing. So, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Jake, uh, what do you got for good pop, bad pop? Um, I wanted to talk about a game I've been playing a shit ton of this week. Um, man, this game has really blown me away. This is Cuphead. I'm sure you guys have heard about this, right? Yeah, it was a, an Xbox exclusive for the longest time, and now it's on the Switch. Correct, which, correct. Cuphead came out for the Xbox how much um, is two a years Switch? ago. How much is a Switch now, Jake? A Switch is still 300 bucks. Are they going to drop the price on this? Because if they do, I'm thinking I'm going to get it with that uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. I don't know. I feel like the sales have been so strong for the system that they're probably going to go one more Christmas at the three. God damn it. You know, that's the thing, man. And and I'm seeing some of these like games that you can like these uh, 2D uh, side scrollers that they're releasing on the switch that are getting just rave reviews that you can just like download for like 10 or 20 bucks or whatever the fuck it is. And man, I dude, I'm really thinking about and I know I don't play a lot of video games. But man, this cuphead, this cuphead looks really good. I, I always thought it looked amazing for Xbox. And then with uh, the Marvel Ultimate Alliance, dude, I'm, I'm thinking about like if they drop the price of a Switch down to 200 bucks, I'm picking the system up, man. Yeah, it's a must buy for 200 bucks. So yeah, you got to hear about Cuphead. It's just absolutely insane. Um, this game was made by a studio called Studio MDHR, um, which is basically just two brothers. It's uh, Chad and Jarrett Moldenhauer. Oh, those and, guys. Um, it, yeah, these guys just had a dream, man. They just wanted to make a video game. They'd never made a video game. And they spent about four years making this video game. Mm-hmm. It was their very first video game. And it's just a smash hit. And I don't know if you guys have seen video of this thing in motion, but it looks yeah. like nothing you've ever seen before. It looks, it, like a ni- s- it looks like a 1930s cartoon come to life. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, they don't cheat it either. It's very much an homage to like the old 1930s, like Fleischer and Walt Disney animation stuff. Yeah. And they don't cheat it, man. They It's all hand-drawn animation. And that's what took four years to make this game. It's not, they didn't do any computer work on the animation. It was all pencil to paper and then scanned into the freaking game. And it, wow. it you, until you see it, you can't believe it. Like in motion, it is just absolutely incredible. And I mean, they go all the way with it too, where it has a 1930s big band jazz score for the entire game, which is just, I don't I didn't even know video games could have scores this incredible. This is probably the best scored video game I, I've ever heard. It's just absolutely amazing. And there's solos like a xylophone solo or a trombone solo or a piano solo. And the game actually mixes those solos up. So you can play the same level like six times and hear a different solo during the same part of the game. So it's just unbelievable. And the game itself is basically a really pretty Contra. Um, it plays just like Contra. It is a straight-up run and gun. I mean, you are Cuphead, basically an analog of, like, Mickey Mouse, except you have a cup on your head, and you shoot your little pistol gun, and you just run through the levels, and just like Contra, try not to get hit three times I heard and die. I heard it's hard as fuck, dude. It is balls-ass fucking hard. and But it is not 
unachievable hard, which is I've what heard makes it's it like, so great. I've heard it's easier with two players. I heard single player is hard as fuck. Yeah, I don't know. It, it goes back and forth. With two players, you're, you're obviously shooting more. You can cover more area. There's a little trick you can do to kind of bring your guy back to life if he dies, if you mm-hmm. have enough skill to do that. So it definitely makes it... I, I Some levels, you can see where it'd be easier with two players. And on some levels, it's almost one more thing that gets in the way. And but yeah, this game is just, it's just too much. I, I cannot wait to just beat the shit out of this game. But like you said, it's hard as shit. Yeah. But it's not so hard that you feel defeated by it. Like you, it reminds me a lot of like odd world and even like the old Contra stuff where every time you play it, you get just a little bit farther and you figure out one more thing and it's just enough encouragement to go, okay, I got it this time. And then you make it to the next part and, you know, die and then figure out what you could do wrong. And it's just such a satisfying game. And then it's also intermixed with a lot of it is just like Contra, but it also has very much like Gradius and like life force space shooting levels too, just as well. Hey, remember, the, remember, we were talking about Contra earlier and how, like, the cover art was, like, uh, Schwarzenegger and Stallone? Yeah. You know, the the fucking, the villains in that were just, like, ripped off of fucking, like, the Alien movies, like the Ridley Scott movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can you can see that completely, like, when you get to the last level and you're yeah. in the hive. And there's, like, basically face huggers popping out of the yeah. fucking cocoons that you're shooting and shit. What a fucking ripoff. Anyway, Cuphead. Yeah, it, it, I've seen live, like uh, the videos and shit like on YouTube of Cuphead and it looks gorgeous, dude. Yeah, it's just unfucking believable It's almost like every level, at least once I die, just based on how gorgeous it is. It is distractingly <laughs> gorgeous. Like, because mm-hmm. you get to the bosses and the bosses are larger than life, fully drawn, animated fucking like potatoes and carrots and pirates and moons and and just the animations that they do and the way they twist and contort as you're fighting them is <sighs> so distracting the first time you play it that when you, you just you when you were listing off like what the enemies were i thought you were going to go into like the list that the leprechaun goes into when he's talking about his lucky charms like four leaf, <laughs> four leaf clothes, purple horseshoes purple horseshoes stars yellow moons i was like whoa dude I mean, you're making me hungry for some sugary cereal sorry yeah, it, it's so cool <laughs> and i mean it's 30s and looking style but mm-hmm. just in, in almost every way too like there's a heavy emphasis on cigarettes and smoking in this game because that was you know yeah. not that big of a deal back in the 1930s so you ever watch those cigarettes old, and ashtrays everywhere you ever watch those old game shows where everybody's smoking oh it's crazy like the old match game they're yeah. all like the contestants are smoking yeah and well fuck their sponsors were fucking like doral cigarettes you know what i mean tonight's episode <laughs> Yeah, brought to you by Doral Cigarettes, you know? Like, yeah, hey, smoke up, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, I was addicted to, like, Game Show Network for a while. So and I was, was uh, blown yeah. away for those black and white smoking cartoons. But, yeah, it, it's really cool. As cute as it looks on the surface, it it still gets very dark, very much like a Fleischer, you know, 1930s cartoon. Yeah. The plot of the game itself is that Cuphead and his friend Mugman go gambling and they're winning every time, but the casino happens to be owned by the devil and the devil makes a deal with them that if they roll the dice one more time and win, they can have everything the devil owns. But if they lose, the devil gets their soul. And of course they lose. And the devil says, listen, I'll let you keep your souls if you go and collect all the souls from all the other people that have dodged out on me that owe me souls. So the mission of this game as Cuphead is to go and collect debts for the devil himself. So you're Spawn. 
<laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so, and I, I just love that. I love yeah. when things are, you know, cute and shiny on the surface, but then when you start to peel back the layers of the story and mythology, there's all this dark and gray going yeah. on underneath. And this yeah. game has that in spades, so I really appreciate that. And yeah, this isn't, I didn't rate this yet, but it is an absolute Tupperware. Oh, I, awesome. I can't imagine anything being better this year than this game to me. It's just such a lost art too. Like I, I never understood why people stopped making games like Contra. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like those uh, 2d side scrollers like that, the shooting games like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like why did we stop doing that for 15 years? I oh, mean, I know the 3d took over and the first person that's took what over, happened. but that's what I, well, Nintendo changed the game when they came out with super Mario 64, dude. Yeah, yeah, and then after that, you know, the Wolfenstein and the Doom and the Goldeneye and everything. Yeah. You're right, you're right. No, yeah, they, they, one, you're, that the fucking Wolfenstein and the Doom came out even before the fucking uh, the Mario. Yeah, and yeah. it's just so less, less creative, right? There, I mean, people have done creative stuff with that genre, but it just seems so much harder to like do something outside the box when it comes to a first person shooter. It's, it's like, the, everybody wants the open world, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and there's just something to say about a game that just has that perfect timing, that perfect hit detection. Yeah. The game never feels cheap. When you die, you know it was your dumbass fault. <laughs> so I, I just, I am just complete. I've never been as smitten by a game like this since like fucking Nintendo 64 era, honestly. So how would the graphics compare to like the uh, the new Xbox One? Um, you know, I, I have not seen the Xbox One version of Cuphead, but yeah. I got to imagine it runs about the same on both. Okay, okay, very C- cool. You can also get this game on PC. Um, this game was just nineteen ninety nine, which is, I mean, it's probably the best 20 bucks I've spent in years. Wow. So, I mean, it's just unbelievable that, like, I could easily see paying eighty nine ninety nine back in the day for this if it was, you know, Super Nintendo or yeah. whatever. And being completely fine with that. Well, I mean, shit, to- man. I fucking remember when Strider came out for Genesis and it was 60 bucks and people were like, whoa. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. Final Fantasy games were like 90 fucking bucks when they came out on Super Nintendo and shit. Yeah. And yeah, it's crazy. But just to have a game of this caliber, uh, you know, with so much put into it is just crazy. And like I said, it's just such a cool success story. Um, if you look up on YouTube, the making of Cuphead. There's a half an hour documentary about the making of the game, and it's it's really um, charming. The brothers themselves, like everyone in this company that made this game, is like part of this family. Like one of the wives is like the producer, and another guy is like oh, yeah. doing some of the coloring work. That's and so the actual cool. guy that composed the music was a lifelong friend of the guys that had grown up to be a jazz a jazz conductor. Oh, and so wow. they brought him into the scene, and it's just such a really cool family affair. Um, Man, I'm really nervous for these guys and what they do for their uh, follow-up game because they say they're making another game, and this is, like, really hard shoes to follow, I think. That's awesome. I'm so glad that they're making another game. There was another company that came out years ago that made an Xbox game. I don't know if they made anything else, but they made a video game uh, for the original Xbox called uh, Metal Arms Glitch in the System. Have you ever played that? I have played... um Metal Arms games before. I don't think I played that one. No, not this is not um Oh, I'm like, thinking of Metal Slug. Okay, this was Metal Arms and you were like a little you were a robot man and you went around and you shot people and it was kinda like a I don't know, the closest thing I can it's kinda like a 
cartoony version of Halo or something, and you were a robot, and you went around, and you shot different aliens and robots and stuff, and it was... I love metal arms glitch in the system, but it was like a company like kind of like what you're saying, where it was just like kind of like an in-house thing, and it was such a fantastic game. I, I played the fuck out of metal arms. Look, yeah, look up metal arms, people. Such a great game. But yeah, um, it's really interesting too. Just on a, a quick side note, how much Nintendo and Microsoft are kind of getting into bed with each other now, because Cuphead was arguably one of the biggest Xbox yeah. exclusive titles. Yeah. And um, Xbox actually gave permission for Cuphead to, you know, come out on the Switch. That's cool. And there's been lots of rumors that Xbox is going to move more to a streaming platform service and make a lot of their wares also available on the Switch, like, right as they come out. That's cool, man. That's fucking cool, dude. I like that. That's very cool. Yeah, because that's one of those things where uh, Cuphead, it looked gorgeous to me, but I was not going to buy a an xbox one but like if they drop the price of the switch i think with like now with cuphead and now with like that marvel ultimate alliance because that's a game i will revisit on like even like like my marvel ultimate alliance on playstation 3 i will boot that fucker up like you know once or twice or whatever uh you know a year and, and go back and play that because i i love those games so much yeah, you know, I, they they learned a valuable lesson with those games where if you if you really pack a nice story into those, it kind of eclipses being just a button smasher. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, the was it the first one where like they had um, uh, the villain arcade? Yeah, I loved kind of the oh! plot that they did with arcade. <laughs> it was so awesome, so fucking good. Yeah, Brian um, Michael Bendis did work for both those games. Incredible. Yeah, and he's he's still. He's still at the top of his game, in my opinion. Even yeah, I was the same as you, though, Brian. I was aware of Cuphead before it came out on the yeah. Switch, but it was, I kind of pretended like I didn't care about it because I also was not going to buy a right. three hundred dollar or two hundred dollar Xbox just for one side scrolling game. Yeah. So, see, I bought an Xbox three hundred and sixty just so I could play Halo, you know. So, and but I, I was not about the. I, I was done with that. I was all done with that. Hey, uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, Cuphead, man. Fucking awesome. Very cool. Glad you got a chance to play that. I, I've been, I want to play it. Um, eventually I will. Uh, Child's Play trailer number two came out, and I do want to talk about, uh, the second trailer for Child's Play. If you remember, I was not a big fan of the first, uh, trailer. I'm a huge fan of the casting so far in this movie. I, you know, I love, uh, uh Aubrey Plaza. I'm a big fan of hers. Um, Brian Tyree Henry, I think he's fantastic. Love him in Atlanta. He had a great 2018. Uh, you know, he did Widows and, uh, uh what was the other movie that he, he, he was in? Uh, he was in Spider-Verse. Uh, Spider-Verse, if Bill Street could talk. I mean, this guy is, uh, up and comer. Um, and he's also going to be in this new Child's Play reboot. And, um, I, I was not a big fan of that first trailer, to be quite honest with you, Jake. Um, what did you think about? No, it wasn't that great. What did you think about the second trailer? I actually was very pleasantly surprised by the second trailer. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it a high taste. It. I don't know. I just I, I got a lot more feel for the tone of this movie from this trailer than I did the first one, and it's kind of a tone I like. I I kind of like the horror movie where the kids are more in the knowledge than all the grown ups, and I think that can lead to some good, interesting fun. And I am actually now kind of looking forward to this movie because of this trailer. I thought it was very well cut. 
I like what you're saying as far as like the kids being involved and stuff like that. I mean, I feel like they're taking a page out of the new it. They're taking a page out of Stranger Things. Um, and that makes sense to me. But, um, I mean, the, the big change that we are getting here is that, um, the killer doll Chucky is not possessed by a serial killer, but it's been kind of like, uh, this, this, this new doll has been, uh, programmed, uh, hacked by a, uh, by an angry exploitee from, uh, this toy company. And, um, basically like this doll now has no, uh, limits as far as like, uh, violence. And, um, it's now, like evil Alexa or whatever. <laughs> yes. And it's, you know, you've got like personal robots and, and things like that, which are, which are a huge hit in Japan and, uh, and stuff like that. And we're starting to get more of it here in the U.S. with these personal robots with like Alexa, like you said. But, um, I don't, I, dude, I, we got this new Chucky doll, which has Alexa, shut the fuck up. She, sorry, she, she started yammering on over there. Um, you got this new Chucky doll with this uh, built-in Wi-Fi. And I, you know what, I'm honestly, I'm going to toss this trailer. I, I fucking thought, I, I am not sold on this concept where it's this, it's a doll that has this built-in Wi-Fi that can control drones and uh control cars and all this stuff. I, I'm not sold on this. Even though I think that Mark Hamill's voice sounded amazing in this trailer, I'm gonna toss this. I I am not uh I'm not sold on this yet. I hope it proves me wrong. I really do. I just I just I am not sold on this so far. Even with Mark Hamill involved in this, I am not sold. Neil, what did you think about this one? Um, as far as trailers go, I'm gonna I'm gonna also toss it because it does not get me excited for this movie at all. Um, I, I think some of the ideas of, of playing around with with technology and, and whatnot are are interesting ideas, but I, I don't care. Is it for about no, this it, at all? Should this movie be called Child's Play? Can, I mean, I feel like they're taking elements of Stranger Things um, and uh, Black Mirror. And then throwing it into a movie uh, uh, with a Chucky doll. The doll is called Buddy with an eye at the end. And they've got the whole uh, Wi-Fi hmm. signal above the eye, the dot in the eye. And it's all Wi-Fi. I mean, and I love Mark Hamill. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I think Mark Hamill and I think the voice at the end of it, like I, I it, it was great. But God damn it. Like I feel like at the end of the day, we're going to like this movie, you kind of relies on some cool looking kills. And uh, but but at the end of the day, we're just going to get Chucky controlling smart devices. You know, like what are we going to have at the end of the movie? Like a like a bunch of fucking Roombas attacking the family. <laughs> DJ Roombas. <laughs> but the, it's, we saw we saw in the trailer like Chucky controlling cars and making them drive, probably locking doors in the car and driving him into walls. And then, of course, drones. How, how, we're always seeing drones in these movies. 
And um, I think drones are cool when they're actually used to, like, film stuff, like when you have a camera filming, like, a drone shot. But as far as, like, drones being, like, a part of the story now, it's getting really old for me. That was one of the things that I hated about the new Blair Witch movie is, like, the drones in that movie. Was, <laughs> I hated the drones yeah. in the Blair Witch movie, too. I, Jake, I, I mean, I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited for this now. I, I stand by my high tasted. I kind of do like the uh, ghost in the machine kind of idea and pulling from that for the uh, kills and the terror. You know, I, we've seen, what, umpteen Chucky movies now. I mean, so there's only so many ways you can have a doll kill a person. So I, I think this is a little bit much needed boost to this franchise ah, just make make it a fucking uh 40 minute black mirror episode and don't call it child's play and don't include a buddy doll that's what i'm saying i will watch this movie um with with this cast as long as it's not it just shouldn't be child's play i i guess it, it works because it, the title works with it child's play and that's what everything's going to these days is uh the smart devices and the smart toys and stuff like that but man it's just not in the spirit of child's play i guess it's just it's a reimagining of child's play for a modern audience fuck you I don't know. I just think it needs that. I mean, I, for one, would never even consider watching the seventh Jennifer Tilly Child's play movie. So, I mean, this is I'm going to watch this. Dude, I'm not going to I'm not going to fucking sit here and say that this movie's not going to make bank. This movie is going to whatever this movie costs, it's going to make double, if not triple. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think that if this movie's uh, it, oh, Brian, I'm, I was going to state the obvious. If this movie's not good, it, the, the second week drop off as far as the box office is going to be astronomical. Yeah. They, wow. Thanks, Nostradamus. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> I know. I know. It's got, the movie's got to get good buzz for people to go back. I get that. But I, that's the thing. It's like uh, for me watching this trailer, I thought like. You know, like, I feel like the, the thing that's gonna make this movie even interesting for me is the, the, the kills, the, how he kills things in this movie. It's the concept that I can't get behind. Uh, buddy, the buddy doll being a wife, controlling wi-fi devices. God damn it. Fuck off. I'm sorry. I, I, I it, it's, it doesn't work for me in a child's play movie. I don't know. Yep, yeah, I hear you. I, I think I've I've adapted. I'm fine with this. Neil. Yeah, I, I have no connection to the franchise whatsoever. I don't I don't think I've seen any of them before. Uh, and this is not selling me on this version of it at all. I, I just don't care about this at all. Child's Play for me was one of those movies when I watched it as a kid. You know, like I it was one of those movies like when my parents went to bed and fell asleep, like I would wait. Uh, when they were asleep and I'd wake up and, and go to the TV, turn it on, cause I knew it was showing on HBO or Cinemax or something. And, um, I remember the first time I watched Child's Play just fucking cracking up at the fact like, uh, Chucky, Chucky gets shot in that movie and he's like, you know what? When I got shot, I didn't think it would hurt. I, I'm not quoting this verbatim, but he's like, that fucking hurt. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm cracking up at just like this, this doll, and, um, you know, it was kind of like, it was like Freddy Krueger in a fucking doll and, um, in a, my buddy doll, you know, Jake, you, you, you get that reference to my buddy. And oh yeah, that's exactly what, 
Man, I want this movie to be great because I love the cast. Mark Hamill, Brian Tyree Henry, Aubrey Plaza. I think it's a fantastic cast. And you did get that shot of like the four boys that were like, they're, they're gonna fight him. You know, they're, they're the ones that are gonna fight him. And I, I got like a Stranger Things vibe from this. And, and I hope this movie does work. Maybe it's just, maybe I'm an old curmudgeon and I can't get behind like this new technology. You know what I mean? The technology, um, aspect of this whole thing. I was more of a fan of like, uh, um, this, uh, this, uh, serial killer's spirit being, uh, trapped inside of a doll. So. Yeah. And I get that. And I, you know, I get the argument when you start to change something and reimagine it so much. Yeah. Why don't you just re-franchise that thing in the first place? Like it's a solid argument. I get it. I hope you're right. I hope you're right though. I hope this is a great movie. I hope it it gets people excited about child's play again. Cause I know, I think sci-fi is doing a series like the original creators and the original people that were involved in the original child's play are going to be doing a child's play series on sci-fi. So you're going to have two separate different child's play. You got the, the robot one and then you've got like the original one spinning off into a TV show. I hope both are successful. I really do. Um, but we'll, we'll see, man. And, uh, but, uh, this, this did not, get me excited. Dude, when I saw fucking Chucky controlling drones and cars, I was like, what the fuck off? <laughs> but I, I do I do Tupperware the fuck out of Mark Hamill's voice at the end of that trailer. I do. I He sounded great. I was worried that it was going to be kind of like him just doing like another uh, version of the Joker. But it sounded like it almost sounded childish and playful, but at the same time, very sinister. And I, and I, I, I think he's channeling something very cool here. His voice work has always been yeah. fucking top notch. I mean, his, uh, I, I've been rewatching Metalocalypse and his voice work on that show is amazing as well. It's completely different from the Joker and anything else he's done. Dude, he, he fucking, he played skips on regular show. And he was great as Skips. I love that <laughs> character. Um, uh, I fuck. I love regular show. So JG Quintel, what a great fucking show. If you've never watched regular show, watch it, people. It's so it, it's such a cute fucking animated show. It's so good. Hey, uh, Neil, I know you got one more thing to talk about. Did you want to talk about it? Sure. Uh, so just before we record, when I watched the uh, Screen Junkies cram it for the MCU. I don't. Do you guys watch any Screen Junkies videos or anything on YouTube? Uh. Uh-uh. Okay. Well, I, I've been watching them for years now. Uh, Dan Merle, who's basically in charge of the company now, he 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 does a really good job with uh, numbers and uh, and box office projections and all that kind of stuff. You know who else so, does really good with numbers? The Count from Sesame Street. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go yes. ahead. You're, you're quite correct in that. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a little different setup. Uh, instead of going through the MCU movie by movie, mm-hmm. it was he went character by character to kind of just show their arc over the whole 22 movies that have come out, and it was it was a really entertaining. Um, watch was about half an hour or so, and it was it was a nice little refresher course uh, in case you don't want to sit through the fifty nine hours of the movies. Fifty nine so, yeah. hours? 
something like that. There's a ridiculous amount of time, 56 hours maybe. Wow, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was a really good overview of the entire MCU and it went into characters' motivations and you know the stuff that they've dealt with this whole time. And it was just a nice little refresher. I, I top wore it. It was it was good. Very cool. Yeah. So yeah, check that out. Uh, nice. You know, that's something that's going to be very valuable. I think going into uh, Endgame. You know, if you if you because I, I mean, guys, we are as far as like this movie coming out, we're in the Endgame now. I don't. Oh gosh. You're not going to have time to go back really and watch all these movies. Uh, so yeah, if you do need a refresher course, uh, Screen Junkies. What was it called? Uh, Screen Junkies is the channel um cram it is the specific show and it's the mcu there you go cram it the mcu uh new hobbs shaw trailer came out and uh, uh, tra- uh trailer number two neil uh, you sent me a message earlier today on facebook saying hey brent have you watched the new hobbs shaw trailer i knew it came out uh, i had not watched it as uh, some of our listeners may know, I've only seen the first, uh, I think I, I think I, I've watched the Fast and Furious movies up until Tokyo Drift. That was, <laughs> and I believe that was the third movie? Sure. Mm, yes. Yes. So it, it was too fast, too furious, and then Tokyo Drift. Yes. I, I dropped off after, after, uh, Tokyo Drift. And so, you know, I'm not familiar with these characters in, uh, the Fast and Furious films. So, uh, I was even like a week late to watch the first trailer for this one, which I thought that that trailer looked like a hell of a lot of fun. Like, it, it's really playing into like what, um, The Rock does in action films and really playing into like Statham as an action figure, but then also kind of like, I guess, playing into like the, the animosity that these two characters have within that franchise. But now they're basically like team members in this movie. And um, me as an outsider watching this trailer and then the villain being, of course, Idris Elba, <laughs> I, I, I fucking I, – I, I don't know if you guys heard me when I was – I was actually watching yes. – I was watching the trailer um, <laughs> uh, before we started recording. And, and I don't know if you heard me laughing at the part where uh, um, it was uh, Jason Statham and the access kept getting denied. <laughs> oh, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was cracking up. Um this movie looks like it's going to be just just uh it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I I I Tupperware this trailer. I thought it was fantastic and and this is this is somebody who has no experience. No, I have no experience with either of these characters and and I think like this is a this is one of the must-watch action movies of of this summer. And I was very happy to see what's Vanessa Kirby is in this movie. I really enjoyed her in uh last summer's uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, and it's nice to see her kind of like stepping up in this movie and being kind of like an action star. I think that there's 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 room for more than just Scarlett Johansson to be that female action star. I I, I think that you know, it's nice seeing Rebecca Ferguson 
being in the Mission Impossible movies. It's nice to see Vanessa Kirby kind of stepping up and being an action star. I want to see more female action stars other than just fucking like uh, Ronda Rousey doing whatever the fuck she's <laughs> doing in films. And, uh, and and Scarlett Johansson. I want to see some more names for uh, for female action stars uh, kind of like rise up in the ranks here. And so I was very pleased to see Vanessa Kirby in this movie. I, I give this trailer a Tupperware. I thought it was fantastic. Um, Neil, what are you, what are you thinking about this one? <laughs> uh, so I, I, my experience with Fast and the Furious is that I saw the first one that came out, and I did not like it. Uh, I thought it was stupid and dumb. And then when the the newest one came out, number eight, uh, I, I decided to just say fuck it and and watch all of them and. Around number five, it starts getting really ridiculous and fun, and they lean into that, and, and they embrace the fact that this is no longer about street racing. This is about <laughs> just being the most over-the-top action you could possibly imagine, and it totally works. And these two characters are, are great in, in the main Fast and the Furious thing, and this looks like it's going to be so much fucking fun. I'm so into it. I top war all the way. I am now looking forward to this movie almost as much as Spider-Man. I am so here for this. This is, oh, I watched the trailer like four times in a row just because <laughs> it, it got me so excited. Jay, oh, yeah, I mean, like, this is like, like, uh, back in the day, what did we have? We had, like, uh, Tango and Cash. Now we've got, <laughs> now we've got, uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Jake, I know that you weren't, you didn't hate, but you didn't love the first trailer. Where are you with the second trailer? Have, have you, um, I like this trailer less than the first one. Oh, for sure. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> Hold on. Talk to me. What's going on? I don't know. I, I just, I almost, just as a trailer, I just think this is a badly cut trailer. Like, I'm excited for this movie. I think it looks great. I think the chemistry between the, the two actors looks fantastic. I don't know. I don't need a four minute trailer, though, ever. Like, this is one of the longest fucking trailers I've seen in, in a long time. And I, I don't know. I just didn't think it was cut very well. I think, they should have shown this to someone and they should have cut like 90 seconds out of it and just made this a little bit better and faster paced. And I don't know. We don't need to see this much of the movie kind of thing. Okay. This this trailer felt very dated to me. It felt like 10 years old. Well, uh, okay. So, uh, all right. And and, and maybe this is, uh, maybe this is just me, but I, I kind I rate the trailer, not by the, the length of the trailer, but like, but uh, how the trailer gets me excited to see the movie. Like, did this trailer do its job as far as, like, selling me a ticket to go see this movie? And for you, is it one of those things where, like, you're going to see it because you're invested in the uh, Fast and Furious franchise? You like Dwayne Johnson. You like Jason Statham. You want to see these characters together and the dynamic be these, between these characters or because like for me like I'm I'm going in fresh with with these with these two actors uh being on the screen at the same time never seen these guys interact in in any film because I haven't watched those Fast and Furious movies mm-hmm. together and the animosity between the characters and then them now being forced to work together in this movie to start to to stop Idris Elba the villain um 
So for me, like this, for me, as far as like watching this trailer, it sold the ticket. Like this trailer, the the last trailer and this trailer combined sold the ticket for Hobbs and Shaw. Like it did its job. I'm buying a ticket because of this trailer. Yeah, I hear where you're coming from. You're like half right with how I feel about it. And I, I get that how that how that works for you and how you're rating it that way yeah but um i doesn't feel like a burden to see this movie like don't get me wrong i am excited for this movie and i think it's a great idea and you know i didn't hate like hate the first trailer i i just it gets with these kind of action comedy movies i feel like less is more and i i was just very shocked to see such an extensive trailer after what we saw for the for the first trailer for this movie. I'm curious. I'm curious about, okay, no, go ahead. Finish your thoughts. I was just going to, to me, I I am because I was already sold on seeing this movie and was kind of already, I'm going to go see this. I I did just kind of look at the trailer as a pure trailer art form. And I just think these are badly cut trailers. Okay. Uh, how did you feel about, uh, and maybe you haven't seen these. I, I hate to assume, but, uh, um, as far as like the Dave Batista movies that are coming out, how did you feel about like the Stuber trailer or um, he's got uh, My Spy coming out? How did you feel about those trailers? Uh, they were okay. And neither of them are Tupperware trailers for me. Okay. But they were decent enough. Sure. Okay. No, I, I, I like those true. trailers better, and I, I think you kind of are onto something. I think once I'm already all in on seeing this movie, I do kind of shut down on, um, you know, wanting to see lots and lots of trailers. But I do think I am being objective with. Okay, I, is it is I, it I, is it the uh, fact? I was, I was okay. Yeah, I, I want you to finish that. Is it the fact that you're like you watch something in this trailer and you and mentally say to yourself, "Man." I really would have enjoyed seeing that more for the first time in the theater. Yeah, it is a little bit like that. And I feel like they're showing too many different action sequences. And I mean, I just don't need to like see a scene start in a movie and then already be thinking of the action scene that's going to happen. Okay. Like I, I think they could have been more solo focused on two or three action set pieces instead of, I feel like between these two trailers, they've like showed us like seven to eight of the big action set pieces. And I'm not, I don't know. I'm just not the biggest fan of that for me. I do. I do think that there is something to be said about how long this trailer is. Like trailers are not supposed to be this long. I was kind of, I, I, when I, when I did see the length of this trailer, um, you know, there's one site, the site that I went to, it was at three minutes and 48 seconds long. And so I was like, holy shit, that's a long fucking trailer. I'm used to maybe a two minute and 20 second trailer. This is, uh, this is a little long for me, but it did, I mean, this solidified the fact that I want to see this movie. Like I was, it solidified it. Yeah, like, it kind of makes no, it kind of makes no sense to me. Like I get that's awesome. And what they did worked on you, Brian. Yeah. But it seems like a weird franchise to pull that trick on. Like this isn't a struggling franchise. Oh, I know. Yeah, I mean, they've already greenlit it for three more movies. We're going to get up to, like, 10 or 11, correct? <laughs> yeah, people – it is not waning down and less people are seeing Fast and the Furious 9 or whatever. Oh, no, it. but people have stopped seeing Dwayne Johnson movies, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, so I'm just I – I don't really understand the marketing at sure, all for this sure. shit. Like, you could – 
achieve everything they've achieved and i feel like they could achieve it for you as well in two minutes or less right no that makes sense that makes sense but i i think like for for the people that i think that it worked for people like me i i really do i feel like the people like me that haven't watched any of these movies like i'm just seeing like a movie called hobbs and shaw that stars dwayne johnson and uh jason statham and now I have basically like mentally bought a ticket to this movie where they they know that they have you by the balls already. Yeah, and that's smart. I mean, if, if that's the case and it is working on more people than you, then, you know, I, I get it. But, oh, my gosh, I, I am like afraid of seeing this trailer show up when I go see a movie. <laughs> oh, no, I want to see this on the big screen. I think the action set pieces look really good, too. Like, that's one of the things that I think a, a lot of uh, action movies are lacking these days. And, you know, like, uh, the, I mean, by that account, like, should they have shown so much of the action set pieces in the new John Wick 3 trailer? I mean, should they have shown... I mean, we got a lot of action set pieces in that last jo- that that last John Wick three trailer. Yeah, I, I'm not as upset about that. I don't know. You know, it's not as much of a mega franchise. I mean, I know it is John Wick three, and it's sure. by no means yeah. a failure. But right. I feel like that movie does need to kind of push the boundaries on what they're showing the audience to, to keep growing. Like sure. they're they're not ready to just go static and not gain any more viewers. Right. No, Not that the fast, you know, franchise is either, but I don't know. It just it just felt very bizarre. It felt very old timey. This trailer. I'm not, I'm not trying to prove you wrong. I think you're you're making some fantastic points here. I just think for like me, um, I don't know. I'd, like, I'd be curious to hear what other people think about this. Like it was like Jake when I when I when I looked up the trailer on YouTube and I looked up, I typed in uh, Hobbs and Shaw trailer number two and it pulled up and it said it was three minutes and forty eight seconds long. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> this is nearly a four minute trailer. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I felt like I was watching a short film. Like right. get out of here. That's fuck trailers. Like that. <laughs> God, I've uh, I've jerked off the porn I was in last time. The three minutes and forty eight seconds. Yeah, dude. Sure. <laughs> I get it, man. I get it. You're making some good points. I totally get it. But it sold the ticket for me. It really did. And um, I'm yeah. So I mean, I don't know. When I with trailers for me, less is almost always more. There's very rare occurrences where that's not the case. And I mean, it's kind of what's going on right now with my love affair for like kind of the in-game promotion. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I totally get what you mean, Jake, about less is more. I, I I'm usually a proponent of that, but. For this movie, I don't. I don't care. I I want to see all I can see whenever I can fucking see it. <laughs> I'm yeah. so excited for this. And Brian, I would recommend watching. Yeah, uh, Fast and the Furious five through eight. I need to. Uh, I need to get on those. Those four are super fun and ridiculous and over the top. Okay. And they okay. know exactly what they are. They know what they're trying to accomplish. And I mean, that sold me on the franchise. So we, watching those. Didn't we have Kurt Russell in the last one? He's been in three of them, I believe. No shit. Two or three. Yeah. Two or three, yeah. Two or three wow. of them, yeah. Okay. All right. Don't get too oversold on Kurt Russell being in these. He's, he's pretty underused as great yeah, as he's, these movies he's are. Yeah, he's barely in them. Okay. Well, you know what? Uh, 
I will, uh, I will make that a priority going forward. I will knock these movies out. I need, eh, knock them out. I sound like I'm doing a fucking chore. Like it's like, like I'm doing, like I'm doing laundry like at moment. Like me going to see Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> oh, uh, watching the Fast and Furious is like mowing the lawn. Yeah. No, I, it's like I, a fucking root canal. Right. <laughs> it's like it's like working next to Ted at the peanut factory. <laughs> oh, so nutty, Jake. Oh. Can I tell you this right now? I love doing the sure. show. I love doing the show with you, man. Oh yeah, this show is fantastic. Seriously, it's uh, yeah, getting a real moment here, people. Real moment here. I love I love doing the show with Jake, and uh, I love the fact that uh, I've. Neil, I love the fact that this show, like you listened one day and uh, now you're on the show and I've met you two times now. Yeah. Yeah, in person. Yeah, we've gotten very drunk together a we've couple of times. Very drunk together. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, I love the fact that at the last C2E2, I, uh, I was drinking and I turned around and I, <laughs> I see you bopping your head. <laughs> and it was the funniest thing I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Neil, you were pretty gone by the time I got to C2E2 already. What? Weren't you? You were like four beers in by the time I pulled into C2E2. Oh, yeah. Friday? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I went hard right away. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, uh, it's like when you show up to the party late and everyone's drunk already. <laughs> oh, that's the worst, isn't it? Yeah, dude. So you got to play catch up. If, yeah, either catch up or let's say fuck it and go home. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, I made, I made my fucking appearance. Now I got I to go home. <laughs> All right, let's jump into the uh, pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. You know what? I, I, you know, I was wanting to like skip some of these stories based on time, but I'm not. I mean, this is this is a big deal. This news came from THR. FX is still going to move forward with Why the Last Man, but not with the original showrunners. Uh, Ada Crowall and Michael Green on Monday announced their exit in a statement on Twitter. Uh, THR has confirmed that the project is still a go at the network with the same cast in place, but now they're looking to replace the duo who had uh, shepherded the development and piloting of the series uh, being just dubbed as Y, so they're just calling the series Y. But anyway, sources say that the exit came over creative differences with the network over the course of the show. Guys, this is the – here's the thing. I love Michael Green. I think Michael Green is brilliant. I loved Michael Green. Um, uh, the first season of American Gods was fucking amazing, and that was a uh, – that was a uh, Michael Green and Brian Fuller were on that. Here's the thing. Brian Fuller and Michael Green left American Gods after the first season, and then Fuller – went on to to work on Star Trek Discovery and he left that show. These guys I, I think they're I think they're fucking great. But what is the deal with them leaving shows and what is the deal with creative differences with everybody out there? What the fuck is going on here, guys? Like I was excited for Why the Last Man and I know that we get a lot of these, you know, shows where like, uh, it's like either post-apocalyptic or, or something. Like Why the Last Man is a Brian K. Vaughn comic book being adapted into a TV show now. Is it once originally supposed to be a movie? They were going to do like a movie or a trilogy or something and then, uh, 
that. It's been it's been in development for years. They finally settled on an, an FX series. And here's the thing. Now Michael Green leaves the show. I don't have a lot of confidence in this anymore now. Yeah, no. That kind of thing's so scary. Um, you know, you got to imagine that half the reason this thing was even at the table was because of the uh, two former showrunners. You know, usually the, the showrunners are the biggest people, like, kind of being the cheerleaders for the project and pushing the project. So, yeah, yeah I don't blame you for being scared. Um, I always did think that this story would be better suited told as a television series. So I was happy when the, yes. the movie idea kind of went away and the TV idea started coming. But I didn't really – I don't really want it under these circumstances. Um, I don't want it just to want it. I, I would want someone that was you know, creative and into the project to, to take over this thing. Um, I got to say, Why the Last Man seems like a great project for like a Noah Hawley. Uh, well, Br- Brian K. Vaughn is involved in this. It's not like Brian K. Vaughn is not involved in this project at all. He's 100% involved. Jake, you bringing up Noah Hawley, that is beautiful. That's perfect. Like, especially with like Noah Hawley, we don't know. Like, he's finishing Legion. He's already completed this movie, uh, this new movie with Natalie Portman that's coming out. Yeah. Natalie Portman, John Hamm movie. Uh, what do you think that movie's about, man? I have no idea. There's a lot of weird buzz around it, but it I mean, it's like, Noah Hawley and those are two huge stars. So I'm, I'm kind of excited. You've got Natalie Portman. She goes up into a space mission. She sees something out in space. And I feel like once she gets back to earth, it feels like for me, I, I dude, I don't know. Like, I guess I could look it up and like try to find out like what this movie's about with Natalie Portman. It feels like to me, like she kind of like, has these out of body experiences like once she gets back to earth but i have no clue it i don't know uh natalie this is, uh, Lu- lucy in the sky lucy in the sky exactly which is like based which that comes from lucy in the sky with diamonds which is a beatles song but yeah, yeah the uh the imdb blurb says uh the story of an astronaut who upon returning to earth from a life-changing mission in space begins to slowly unravel and lose touch with reality yeah it felt like to me like she was having like an out-of-body kind of like experience when she gets back like she could almost like let's like her spirit could i don't know like it felt like to me like her spirit could leave her body i don't know but man that's isn't, isn't it cameron involved somehow in this shit too i thought james cameron yeah, in, in Holly's movie. I don't know. He might be. Uh, John Cameron is a producer on it. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I remember seeing Cameron somewhere and just thinking, <clears throat> I hate when they pedal stuff like that. I, I thought it was Kurt Cameron, personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a Christian allegory. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. This Why the Last Man, it's a cool, like, Why the Last Man, it's, uh, you know, all the... All the all, every male on the planet is uh, is gone except for uh, uh, except for uh, uh, Y and then this monkey, right? I mean, that's I mean, yeah, that's basically the short of it, right? And and you know, like I, I I get it. I don't know creative differences with FX. Like, what's going on here, Jake? Like, like FX is like the same. It's a, it's it's the same fucking uh, network. That worked with Holly. That worked with uh, fucking uh, Stephen Knight, who did uh, Taboo for crying out loud. Creative differences. This this feels like it's made for FX. 
Yeah, creative differences is just such a world of vague. Yeah. Like, and that's one of the reasons I hate the buzzword. Like, it could be fucking anything. Yeah. It could be an argument over episode lengths, um, lead actor castings, right? You know, title font. I mean, who, who the fuck knows? It could be something so minor, or it could possibly be something really major that made her, you know, broke doing this project budget. with these two people. Budget it, could be budget, yeah. man. Yeah, they could have said, you know, we're going to need $20 million yep. to do an entire first season. And yeah. then FX says, well, here's seven, and that's all you get. And they say, that's too much stress, fuck it. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. There's, I mean, that's what sucks about the whole creative differences is right. that you can fill a piece of paper with what happened there. You just really can't narrow it down. I don't know. I, I my, uh, my excitement level has basically dipped – to ne- I, I'm in negative right now. I, I even though Brian K. Vaughn's still involved in this, like it would take a big name to get involved into this project for me to get excited about this again. Like yeah, when you're saying that you got you got Michael Green involved in this project, like I'm I'm all in. This guy Michael Green, I think, is fantastic. I you know like this is this is the kind of guy that you want on your show. Um, he him leaving this is this is a bad sign. Yeah, I, I I have to agree. I, I was excited, and I'm kind of at the zero now. Unless they give us a name that we recognize as a positive creative force, I'm just kind of like, eh. Fucking Diane Lane and Timothy Hutton are involved in this. Oh, my God. See, the cast is staying. The cast is sticking around. And Imogen Poots, too, who is in Green Room. Oh, my God. Green Room, fantastic film. So good. So good. Fucking Anton Yelkin. God damn it. Oh, my God. God damn it. What a talent. What a talent rip from him. Um, I got news from that hashtag show, and this is about uh, uh, Coming to America 2. Paramount at CinemaCon, uh, they were showing all their new movies that were coming out uh, for the next year, and one of those movies uh, is Coming to America 2, and... Uh, this is news from that hashtag show. The sequel reportedly centers on Akeem finding out he has a long-lost son and must retrieve him so he can take his rightful place as heir to the throne. Eddie Murphy is no stranger to playing multiple roles in his movies, and Coming to America 2 will be no different. According to his source, Murphy is set to debut his latest character, General Izzy, in the upcoming, up, upcoming sequel to the 1988 comedy classic, General Izzy is the warlike ruler of Nexdoria, and that is fucking terrible. Oh my god! <laughs> Next, yeah, I, t- I pre-tossed this movie. The warlike ruler of Nexdoria, an adjacent nation suffering from extreme poverty, he wants to gain power in Zamunda and will do almost anything to achieve it. General Izzy will likely be a threatening yet very funny foil to. Murphy's Prince Akeem and giving the current global political climate coming to America too will be Eddie Murphy's chance to say what he wants to say. Uh, this is getting released sometime in 2020. It is happening. We do have Arsenio coming, Arsenio Hall coming back. Of course, Eddie Murphy's coming back to play Prince Akeem. Uh, next Doria fucking like what? Uh, why not? It just introduced uh, the metal unobtainium into this fucking. <laughs> this is what the fuck next Doria, Jake. Yeah, it's not even funny. I. <sighs> yeah, this movie is thirty years too late. Um, man, I talked about Matrix Effect earlier, but oof. Like, 
I love coming to America. Me I hate too. to see it fucking tarnished. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you know, best case, this is a good example as to why they should never make Beetlejuice 2. Well, yeah, we talked about that um, last week. It's not going to happen. Beetlejuice, oh, it's not on the slate to happen, so... Yeah. As much as I fucking love uh, Michael Keaton, and I'd love to see him reprise the role, it's just not going to... You know, just... Jake, should we just watch the Beetlejuice cartoon? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just do that. Yeah. yeah. I I agree. It's not like Keaton's washed up by any means, but Burton arguably has. Kath, wasn't Catherine O'Hare just fantastic in Beetlejuice? Oh, she's my favorite. She's my favorite part of so that movie. Good. She's my favorite part of any movie she's in. So yeah. you need to watch Shit's Creek, man, with her and Eugene Levy. They are oh, so good together. So good. It's like it's like SCTV alumni just coming back together and like bringing their kids into it because like Eugene Levy's got like his son involved. Mm. He's got his daughter involved. And it's just, it's such a fantastic show, man. I think you can watch. I do. You need to, you need to remind me of that. I watch Best in Show like once a year. Yes. Still. Best in Show is great. You would love, um, Schitt's Creek. All, I think like the Chris first. Elliot. Oh, Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott's great. I, I love Chris Elliott too. It's, it, what's weird about it is it's on the pop network is where it premieres, but you can watch, I think the first four seasons on Netflix. They are available on Netflix. So, okay, and that's still ongoing. It's, it, the last se- they've they've announced the last season, so we are getting the last season of Shit's Creek. Okay, yeah, I've, I've actually just recently in the last few months seen a few articles kind of raving about how it's one of the best comedies airing today. Yeah, I uh, and I was just kind of surprised by that. I would tweet about Shit's Creek on Twitter quite a bit, and I tagged Eugene Levy's son in a few of those tweets. And uh, it's always nice when he hearts those tweets because I really do appreciate what he does on that show, and I think that uh, I think that he's uh, he's got great comedic timing, just like it runs in the family. So yeah, you've been beating the drum of this show since the first season. Yeah. I, I remember it's great. It's great. Shit's Creek, and it's spelled S C H I T T. Shit's Creek. Watch it, people. It's on fucking Netflix. Give it a thumbs up, you fucking lazy sons of bitches. Um, so good. It's really. You, how, how many are you through? Um, all the seasons, Neil? Are no, you I, I'm only on season two. Okay. It's one of those shows that like I just don't think to watch for some reason but yeah. whenever i do I, I i watch four in a row yeah because it's just so goddamn good it's really good uh i got news here from dark horizons uh mgm is reportedly planning the action film yasuki a true story inspired tale about the only recorded african samurai in feudal japan um a native portuguese mozambique yasuki was taken captive and brought to 16th century Japan as a slave to Jesuit missionaries. The first black man to set foot in Japan, his arrival arouses the interest of ruthless warlord Oda Nubunga, Nubunanga, excuse me, who seeks to unite the fractured country under his banner. The film will focus on the complex relationship between the two men as Yasuki earns Nubunaga's uh, friendship, respect, and ultimately the title of samurai. Uh... I don't know about you guys, but like the reason I wanted to bring this to everybody's attention is I love samurai movies. Like any samurai movie, I can 
fucking get my hands on. I, I want to watch it. I love uh, 47 Ronin with Keanu Reeves for crying out loud. <laughs> I, I like that movie. Uh, the Last Samurai, which like say what you will about Tom Cruise, but The Last Samurai I think was dope as fuck. And I, I understand it's basically dances with wolves with swords, but I don't give a fuck. I, you know, Ip Man 2 was Rocky 4 with martial arts, and I love that movie. So uh, I'm looking forward to this movie. It's called Yuzuki. It's coming from MGM. And uh, an African-American samurai, uh, excuse me, African samurai. I can't wait to see this fucking movie. I think this is, uh, is going to be a cool story to tell. Yeah, that does sound really cool. I'm... And I agree with you. Who cares if it's a fucking, you know, a, a good idea and a good trope is, is just that. There's there's a reason why we remake the same kind of thing over and over again sometimes. Right. Yeah. Neil, looking forward to this? Or are you like, whatever? Yeah, I, I, I love samurai stuff. I did not like The Last Samurai, but I, in general I do like samurai stories. And this seems like a unique way of telling one that um, hasn't been told before. Yeah. Sorry. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. He is up here wanting to rub his fucking face on my computer and the mic. How you doing, he he? <laughs> you know, what? I, one of these episodes, I'm just going to have an episode. It's just going to be me and he he. And uh, it's going <laughs> to be hilarious. Yeah, me and my cat. And it's just going to be me and him knocking shit over, doing what he, <laughs> doing what he loves to do most. Right, buddy? Me and you just <laughs> knocking shit over. Just fucking some shit up. I'm gonna line up some bottles. We're gonna knock them over. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, th- I'm gonna give you a keyboard to lay down on and fucking, there you go. Now he's eating some food. There you go, buddy. Um, hey, Halo has its master chief in the Showtime series, according to THR. Jake, they've cast their master chief. Did you see this news? I did. Pablo Schreiber. I'm a big fan of Pablo Schreiber. Uh, he was, uh, he's, uh, Mad Sweeney in American Gods. <laughs> He was also, um, uh, of course, he was uh, in Orange is the New Black, but he was also the villain in Skyscraper with uh, oh, with Dwayne Johnson. And he was clean sh- clean shaven in that movie. And I, I almost didn't recognize him at first, but he is, uh, the show will revolve around Master Chief. He's going to be playing Master Chief, the helmeted super soldier at the center of the game uh, series. He will star as the Spartan Commando, Earth's most advanced warrior in the 26th century and the only hope of salvation for a civilization pushed to the brink of destruction by the covenant an unstoppable alliance of alien worlds committed to the destruction of humanity I don't know I love I fucking love Pablo Schreiber but it's the bullshit that's kind of surrounding this show they had uh you know like they lost their showrunner they lost like the guy that was behind the show and it was uh who was it it was the uh director for the first planet of the apes movie the 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 new reboot the rise of the planet of the apes not matt reeves but the first guy yeah the first guy gareth edwards no no it, I want to say Peyton Reed, but it's not Peyton Reed. It's like Rise. Let me look up Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Of Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Here we go. Rupert Wyatt. Rupert fucking Wyatt. He left the show. <laughs> he was the guy that was originally going to be the director for that, and he has now left. Um and uh, but we also know like uh, Schreiber is going to be in this one. He's going to be the Master Chief. Uh, Australian newcomer Yiren Ha is going to be playing a newly created character in the Halo universe, uh, Quan Ah, 
And Quan Ai is described as a shrewd, audacious 16-year-old from the outer colonies who meets Master Chief at a fateful time for them both. Ah was discovered during a worldwide casting search and is known for her stage work down under. And um, so, yeah, this is, I don't know, like, uh, I, 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 I was, uh, I was really looking forward to the show when it was announced that Rupert Wyatt was going to be involved. It sounds like it's like the word has not come out of why, why, why Rupert Wyatt left. I think it was due to budgetary reasons. Um, I'm not sure. Jake, I, I feel like if they did this right, if Halo put the money into this one and they did it right, like this could be their show to get, like I'm talking about like some big subscribers. They could pull like a lot of subscribers over to the service. I'm not saying, I hate to say like, oh, this is going to be their Game of Thrones. No, you're, you're, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. You're, you're given that if it's good. Carl. Yeah, exactly. You're not saying it will be good. Right. But if, yeah. by some miracle of a chance, right. <laughs> it is a good show, it would serve the purpose of bringing a lot of show t- Showtime subscribers over. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, they you got, know, they I'm got, not they, gonna lie. they got Kyle okay. Killen involved as a producer on the, he's gonna be a showrunner. Kyle Killen and, uh, uh, Kyle Killen did that show Awake. I like Kyle Killen. I think mm. Kyle Killen's good. Stephen Kane did The Last Ship. I know a lot of people like that show. I didn't really, I, on TNT, I didn't really care for it, but, um, you know. Yeah, you know, I saw the article a couple of days ago about the casting, and I'm like, okay. You know, I clicked on it, and yeah. I saw the announcement, and I was like, well, I'll, I'll look up who this guy is so I'll know on the show. And, yeah, I have never seen a single thing this actor has been in. Like his entire IMDb list, uh, I've not seen a single one of those movies. You're missing out, man. I, I think uh, he's uh, he's uh, the half brother of Lee Schreiber, and uh, I think like what for me, what sells me on this guy is uh, his role as Mad Sweeney in American Gods. I think like that's been the best. I haven't watched Orange Is the New Black, so I can't really comment to that. Um, he was he was great in The Wire season two. Yes, I've heard he's yeah he's in The Wire. So yeah. good. Yeah. So yeah. So I just I you know I I'm interested in seeing a Halo TV show or at least interested in seeing kind of the artistic direction it's going to take when we can kind of see our first glimpses of it. And so I kind of have to freeze the whole idea until I, then. Honestly, no, I agree. It's just, it's one of those things where like I feel like uh, they need to come out really strong with that first teaser trailer for this show. And for me, what they need to show in that teaser trailer is they need to show, and I know I've said this before, they do need to show a real warthog that they've built. Mm-hmm. They also need to have a kind of like dynamic of badass characters, both male and female, and I think that they should pull from aliens and... Starship Troopers as... Yeah, you know, I, I'm i not one to say this, but I think it should be unquestionably R, too. Yes. This oh, should yeah. be a mature show. It should and be. anything but is going to be kind of dropping the ball. And you know me, I'm usually not the proponent of that, but I don't think there's any way, any other way to go with Halo. But they need to have badass Marines. They need to have kind of like, 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 like the way that the Marines acted in, you know, like the Space Marines and fucking Starship Troopers and, uh, the, you know, uh, the way that, uh, Bill Paxton and those, 
those Marines acted in Aliens and like even like in Predator with Schwarzenegger, you know, where he had fucking Jesse Ventura and all those guys that they need to have that kind of like badass camaraderie where it just oozes testosterone. And, uh, yeah. you know, have some female cast members in it. This would be a perfect show for Ronda Rousey to get involved in. This would be a perfect show for them to fucking cast, uh, like I was saying earlier, cast, uh, what's his face, um, from, uh, Arrow, you know, and, uh, Charlie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Amel? Yeah, Stephen Amell, Charlie Cox, these guys. Cast them in there as space marines, badass space marines dropping F-bombs and being badasses, uh, you know. Cast Ronda Rousey in there as a badass, you know, like get, get, get some really, uh, you know, that's, that's what you need. You need that badass marine camaraderie in this series and, and then throw them into these, these iconic, uh, halo vehicles. Sell us on that. Sell us on that show. Um, that's what Ronda Rousey is currently on a acting hiatus. Ah, all right. Fair enough. If she ever did act. Right. Yeah. In the first place. But. Yeah. She, <laughs> good point. <laughs> I, she was terrible. I'm sorry. She was terrible in Mile 22, and she was not good in Expendables 3. All right. She was garbage in Entourage, and she played her fucking self. Jesus. <laughs> terrible. She was, uh, she was fine in Fast and the Furious 7. She was okay in that. Was she? Because she didn't do much. She didn't so, talk, really. Exactly. Yeah. She didn't open her mouth. She just kicked some ass and was done. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way you use her. Yeah, she got really weird on Twitter. She announced that she was, like, taking a break from everything because she was focusing on having children. Yeah. And then people started talking about that. And then she blew up on everyone for talking about her body. Wow. And it's like, well, you're the one who made the big announcement, Rhonda. So she made That's what people do is talk that. about it. Say again, Neil. She should. She may have taken too many shots to the head. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure. So she's a different one. Uh, you know, it's like, well, they're not going to get Gina Carano because she's going to be in the Mandalorian. So, yeah, I'm just trying yeah. to think of some like badass women that could, that they could get in this show. Like, because you're not going to get Gina Rodriguez. Like, she's she's doing movies and shit. So, Zossie you, mean, you mean Michelle Rodriguez? Or Gina uh, Rodriguez. I was thinking Gina. It wasn't Gina Rodriguez in that. Uh, she's like the the, was it, the the Virgin girl. Yeah, Jane the Virgin. Yeah. Jane. Oh, okay. I got you. And she was also in. Uh, wasn't she in uh, Annihilation? And then the new uh, action movie where she went up against like the drug cartel that I reviewed on the show that I can't remember <laughs> the name of because <laughs> that was that, it was that unmemorable. <laughs> Sounds right. Yeah. Sounds like that movie. Hee, what are you looking at me for? Dude, my cat well, she's is. She's in Big Mouth, too. Oh, yeah. She was in Big Mouth. Oh, my God. I love Big Mouth. So good. So good. Jenny Slate is really good in that show. Isn't she? Yeah. And I know everybody. Nick Kroll's great. I get it. Jason Mansukis uh, I mean, is great. But Jenny Slate, she's really good in that fucking show. Oh, I'm so excited to see J- Jason Manzoukas and John Wick three. Oh Can God, I... yeah! Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? We got we got our first Jason Manzoukas image for John Wick three. <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> I know he was even going to be in it because I, I listen to How Did This Get Made all the time, and, yeah. and he is so funny. Yeah, him and Paul Shear are just great. Yeah, 
there. Yeah, that's a great podcast. You know, that, uh, that scene in John Wick 3 where the ninjas are on the motorcycles <laughs> with the fucking samurai swords and they're going after John Wick, man, that's going to be awesome. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's going to be incredible. I hope I enjoy John Wick 3. I, I did not really much enjoy John Wick 2. Ah, you gave it a high taste, as I remember. Every time, yeah. every time you give something a high taste, it like later on down the road, it's almost like you say you tossed it. It's crazy, yeah, Jake. That might be true. I mean, I <laughs> the further away you get from shit, the more you hate it. It's fucked up. Same thing happened with Stranger Things too. Like it was like, yeah. no, I hated Stranger <laughs> no, Things. No, you, did, you did. You did not give that <laughs> show a toss. It. Once I realized back, the reaction, I, I was know from hating Stranger Things. No, I you. The, ramped it up. The more the more that you realize that people like season, well, the more that you heard people say things that they liked about season two, the more you wanted to hate it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely disliked Stranger Things you two feed as in, I was watching. You it. feed into that shit that Yoda warns you about. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yoda said no, I, I Yoda. Would really commit to once I realized my dislike for Stranger Things two yeah. was upsetting people, I yeah. definitely ramped it up. Yes, no you did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. No denying that, but I I, I yeah, oof. Stranger Things too. I don't uh, even want to talk about it. Oh, it's a Tupperware, baby. Shit. Man, low bar for you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Tupperware, baby. Fucking greatest hits already on season two. Oh, get out of here. Get out get out of town. And then like I think I think you gave John Wick uh two a taste it a high tasted, excuse me, and now from the sounds of it, you're low tasting it slash tossing it. I, I definitely don't toss it. I, I like, I appreciate the stunts and the choreography and everything. But yeah. what made John Wick one so good was it kind of had it all. It had a ah. very engaging story and, and the, the, the fucking the the the, uh, the dynamic that they set up between John Wick and Common in that movie. That scene where they 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 are walking and they're shooting at each other and everybody's so oblivious good. to the fact that they're shooting at each other. And the way that that movie ends with uh, John Wick being excommunicado and now he's going to be man, that movie was just fantastic. And the the the, the filming locations that they had and. Uh, uh, for that movie, just just gorgeous, man. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I'll give you some credit with your, I guess, with your Stranger Things gripes, I guess. But the John Wick two, uh, the, the the lack of love for John Wick two, I will never understand. I think it's I think John Wick two is a, a fantastic sequel. I'm worried better than the first. I didn't say it was better than the first, but the first one had. Um, I think the first one had that uh, that that motivation as far as like um, us rooting for the character as far as like that when that when the dog died when that dog died it was like man it didn't matter like I just wanted vengeance I didn't care about his wife like I wanted vengeance yeah. for that fucking dog you know what I, mean? I agree yeah. I agree you instantly yeah. relate to the dog but I think like we're season- stranger I'm worried about see uh, uh, the the John Wick three Parabellum because. Common's not coming back. I was really hoping to get more common. And maybe they're holding that out for John Wick 4. But like, I was hoping to get more common. Common's not gonna be in this one. Which is unfortunate. Isn't there some other movie that's gonna take place in this universe too? Uh, they're doing a TV show that takes place. Oh, okay. It's called The the Continental, which I haven't heard anything more, any more news about The Continental, which Continental is the name of the hotel that John Wick goes to when he's in America, which 
It's a completely different hotel, though, when he's, like, in Europe. So They're probably playing it by ear. With the third movie yeah. coming out so soon, there's probably no reason to commit a bunch of money in time. I hope they, unless- do, I hope they do a Stranger Things crossover with John Wick. <laughs> yeah, I would rather that. That sounds better than Stranger Things too. <laughs> oh, have you shit. seen Have you seen the new trailer for the new Le- uh, Luke Besson movie, uh, Anna? Have you seen that? Yeah, trailer? yeah, Mm-mm. yeah. That played before uh, La the La Llorona today for what, me. Man, that's uh, kind of a. It's kind of like a. Uh, they give you like a one scene, like a, like a full scene. It feels like, but then it's intermingled with a bunch of like uh, other kind of like mm. random action shots throughout the movie. Um, I know Luke Besson is going through, isn't he going through like a, kind of like a sexual harassment suit right now? Yeah, I was, my next comment was people still give Luke Besson money? Well, Luke Besson, yeah, he raised money for Valerian. I don't know I, about. I think he, like he's got legal trouble. Yeah, there, but he's totally denying it yeah. and, um, his wife, I think, is on his side. From what I remember reading. Stand by your man. <laughs> and He's accused of rape and sexual misconduct by ten women. Ten yeah. women. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. He's probably done after this movie. This movie better blow the fuck up for him. Cillian Murphy and Luke Evans. Two people I'm is okay it, with. Is it Cillian Murphy or is it Killian. Killian Murphy? Oh, my bad. It's Killian, Killian. right? Yeah. Oh, my yep. God. Are you, are you, hey, Neil, Jake, are you excited for this very uh, secretive uh, Christopher Nolan movie? Um, I'm on the fence. Dude, I don't know. Christopher Nolan movies, like, the more secretive they are, the more. The more I'm excited for, for some reason, <laughs> like like <laughs> like Dunkirk, like that fucking like that, that, like that fucking like ten fifteen second teaser for that fucking movie had me like excited, and now now I I know nothing about this new movie that he's coming out with, and I can't wait to see. It. What about have you seen the have you have you heard about Gemini Man? I have not. No. Gemini Man and the new Will Smith movie that's coming out. Uh, I think it's a Paramount movie. Um, I think, uh, was it, who owned, somebody, somebody else owned the rights to Gemini Man, then it went to Paramount. It's a new Will Smith movie. It's Will Smith and he plays, it's either a hitman or like, uh, I don't know, he's some sort of like an assassin or something like that. But there's a time travel element to this where, uh, uh, Will Smith, like an older Will Smith, the Will Smith that we have now, encounters himself from like 20 30 years ago so he's gonna look like will smith that we remember from like the fresh prince and he encounters <laughs> himself from the past and uh i guess some footage was shown at CinemaCon. i don't know i heard i heard really good things about gemini man like the trailer the footage that they showed at CinemaCon. like they were saying like it looks like will smith from like you know Independence Day or fucking Fresh Prince. It looks like it's cra- you know like what Marvel's doing with like the you know like like in Civil War with like young Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Nick Fury yeah. in uh, I, I don't know man I, I, Michael Douglas. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a smart move. I think this is a um, it's interesting take an actor and pit him across from his at his peak moment self. Yeah. I, I, I think by this Ang Lee. Is, oh wow. 
Yeah, directed by Ang Lee. Exactly. Yeah. I guess I'm already excited for this. <laughs> yeah, fucking. I don't know, man. Gemini Man seems like a. When's that coming out, Neil? October uh, 11th. Yeah, thanks, Neil. Also got Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Clive Owen and Benedict uh, Wong. Jesus Christ, that cast! Holy yeah, shit. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. You know, I I really hope Birds of Prey is good for her. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the one. I, like, I don't care about like how that works out for. Well, and then even what's what's the other girl's name? I liked her. I liked her in. Uh, uh, it starts with an S. Uh, Journey Smollett. Smith. No. Yeah, Journey Smullet. Is that her name? <laughs> I'm going to guess no. Uh, Journey Smollett ba- Bell. Boom, Jake. Take that there and shut go. up your fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't have high hope for Birds of Prey. I mean, DC already had one good movie this decade, so. <laughs> uh, Jake is a huge fan of Batman v Superman. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Only if it's the extended cut. Oh, oh yeah, it's got to be that extended cut. That makes everything all come together. It changes the whole fucking dynamic changes of the, the whole entire dyna- fucking movie. The whole movie, now it's amazing. I scared Hee Hee. Hee Hee jumped off the table. Yeah, sorry sorry about yelling there, Hee Hee. Uh, I blame Zack Snyder. <laughs> for, for, for scaring my cat? Yes. <laughs> All right. Tell you what, we're gonna take a quick. We're gonna take no. We're gonna take a quick break, uh, and then we're gonna come back and do uh, Marvel news. How's it? How's that is that, is right that does that does that work for you, gentlemen? Yeah, that's great. I need right. smoke. All right. Okay, we'll do that. Guys, what? <laughs> Inside joke, people. Uh, when, yeah, when we when we take a break and we when we came back, like like Neil came comes back and just says what? <laughs> and that's, that's like Neil like saying hi. <laughs> anyway, hey guys, it's time for Marvel news. Marvel news. Uh, there's a there's a bunch of Marvel. Hey, you know what's coming out next week, guys? Um, no idea. Oh no. my god! Only the biggest movie of the year, <laughs> in my opinion, Avengers Endgame. Jake, I cannot wait to talk about this movie. We're going to see it yeah. 
in in like uh, five five days. Oh my god! I got yeah, it. man, yeah. I'm excited. I got my Thursday ticket. I'm fucking pumped. I've got my Thursday ticket. I've got my Friday ticket, and I've got a I've got a Saturday ticket. I plan on seeing it uh, Thursday, Friday. I'm I plan on seeing it two times, and then on Saturday I'm seeing it in IMAX 3D. So I'm uh, probably gonna watch it four times before we record our episode. So I cannot wait. Uh, Kevin Feige talked with Variety concerning Deadpool and if they'll change it. And he said, quote, when we purchased, uh, when we were purchased, Bob Iger said to us, if it's not broke, don't fix it. There's no question that Deadpool is working. So why would we change it? God nice. Yeah. I, uh, we kind of saw this coming. We kind of did, kind of didn't. We didn't know, like, what Disney was planning on doing. I, I think, like, I think with this statement, though, Jake, I think it says that Deadpool is going to be his own entity. They're going to keep Deadpool its own entity, which also makes me wonder, like, what they're going to start, what they're going to do with Colossus going forward. Is oh, Colossus yeah. going to be- I, I kind of like the idea of Deadpool being in his own reality and bringing in other characters, but it being disconnected from where they're actually oh, from. I, I, I think that works. I don't need to see Negasonic Teenage Warhead be involved in a fucking MCU film. By any means, you know, <laughs> but like I do want to see, you know, I would like to see Colossus involved in a in an X-Men film later on down the road. But, you know, if it's at the expense of a Deadpool movie, then no, I you know, I don't know. Well, and from what they've said about the X-Men not showing up for a while anyway, I mean, by that point, they may be ready to recast Colossus and have a completely separate thing at that point anyway. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I, yeah. Again? <laughs> Bring back, what's his name? Uh, Cudmore. Daniel Cudmore. Daniel Cudmore. <laughs> Good old you Daniel know, just Cudmore. for shits and giggles, like three weeks ago, I yeah. went to Daniel Cudmore's Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> just to see if he was, you know, still active and still saying stuff. And to this day, at least as of three weeks ago, he still retweets anyone that says he should still be Colossus. Really? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, fucking Cudmore. Poor guy. Oh, poor Cudmore. Remember I yeah. I called him Daniel Cudless? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, it's hard to forget. That was hilarious. Oh, I feel Shut. bad about that. I was kind of a dick to him. <laughs> yeah, well, it happens. Mm. Well, yeah, we were, we kind of got in like I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to call it like a full fledged Twitter war with Daniel Cudmore, but you know, some of the leftover army were giving him shit online, and he was responding, and so we kind of went with it. And then there was one point in time where he got kind of got butt hurt at something I said, and I said, for a guy who plays Colossus, I think he would have had thicker skin (laughs) (laughs) maybe he's not right for the role after all (laughs) anyway hey let's uh you know what let's move on into dc news for this week last night batman destroyed my vagina and now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. 
All right, here's the deal. We got a story here from Variety, and they're saying John Cena eyed for Suicide Squad sequel. So uh, sources tell Variety that Cena is in talks to join Idris Elba and Margot Robbie in Warner Brothers' follow-up to 2016 Suicide Squad. Robbie is returning as Harley Quinn, and Jai, Cart- Jai Courtney is back as Captain Boomerang. Uh, Variety first reported that the studio decided to have Elba play a brand-new character instead of taking on Deadshot, a character portrayed by Will Smith in the first film. It's currently unknown who Cena and Elba will be playing. Um, I wanted to take a look at the uh, characters that were provided uh, by Collider. Um, they had uh, Ratcatcher, uh, King Shark, Polka Dot Man, and Peacemaker as the new characters that uh, James Gunn had decided on for the uh, the Suicide Squad, which is going to be the sequel. I personally think, and I'm not the first to say this, but I personally think that uh, John Cena is going to be playing Peacemaker, a.k.a. Christopher Smith, an agent of peace whose motives are driven by an extremist form of pacifism that makes him love peace so much he would kill for it. So basically, he wants so much peace, he wants it so badly, he would kill people to have peace. I And this, what... And I've heard other people come out and say that they believe that he's going to be playing Peacemaker. And I think, like, this is kind of like, it's like if you took the character of Captain America, but, like, gave him, like, a, I don't know. If you gave him, like, if you made Captain America, give him a dark side, right? Like, Captain America, you know, stands for all good things. So make Captain America, like, a Nazi. Right, exactly. So here's the thing, though. Here's the thing about this. And I've heard other people say, like, oh, you know, he's going to be Peacemaker. Um, this was a role that Gunn said that he wanted. That, well, sources say that Gunn wanted for Dave Batista. But I think that this makes sense for John Cena because there, John Cena has been quoted in the past as saying that if Chris Evans leaves the role of Captain America, he'd be happy to take on that role. And I think, I think Peacemaker makes sense for John Cena. I, I agree. I, it does make sense for John Cena. He can kind of bring that intent. Like he has that like violent side and that compassionate yes. side yes. Like at the same time. Look at his role in blockers with the way he protected his <laughs> daughter, you know? Yeah, exactly. He seems like a very loving person, but he seems like a person that could easily get very violent. Yes. And I think that perfectly describes kind of the whole the peacemaker thing. And I, you know, the Batista thing was interesting. But now that kind of everything's smoothed out with, you know, Disney and James Gunn, that kind of makes less sense. Right. It felt more like Batista just wanted to leave Marvel because of the gun situation and Gunn would have a home for him. But now that none of that's really going on, I kind of you know, expected Batista not to probably get a role in this movie. Yeah, not in this movie, but on the flip side, after his trilogy's completed at Marvel, is he, I, I think he's done at that point. I think it's like, he got the win, he got, he got Disney to take him back, he got the win, he got to complete his trilogy. I personally think he's done at that point, and I and I don't know if he'll go forward with doing anything more for DC or if he's just going to do more of kind of like the you know like uh, I know he's going to direct more movies, but you know I think it's interesting like this Brightburn movie. I know he didn't direct it, 
but uh, I think it's a, it's an interesting project that he's involved in. Um, but yeah, I, I think yeah. him and Batista will definitely work together sure. again too. Well, who, uh, first off, who's Rooker going to play in this Suicide Squad? We know <laughs> Rooker's going to be involved in this, correct? Yeah, definitely, and that makes a lot more sense seeing that his character is is deceased in the Marvel universe. So, yeah, I don't think Disney's going to have that big of a problem with that. Well, he worked. Rooker worked in uh, the Belko experiment, and he was in that movie, and it wasn't like spoilers. Rooker was not in the Belko experiment for a long time. <laughs> okay. I hope Rooker does have um, more than just a James Gunn cameo in the Suicide Squad. Honestly, I would love him to have a more of a meteor role. You know, not necessarily a main character, but of a, you know, Yandu's type of level in Suicide Squad. Yeah. Supporting character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I kind of, that, the Rooker James Gunn relationship just reminds me of like Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. I completely yeah. agree. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, uh, I think out of all those characters that it makes sense for John Cena to play, to play Peacemaker. You know, I, 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 yeah, I, after Shazam, after Wonder Woman, and after, even after Aquaman, I, I think that DC's on the right track right now. I really do. We'll see how this Joker movie plays out, but I think DC overall is, is, is on the right track. I, I I agree too. I, I think them doing more independent, like having the movies be less connected and just doing each one being its own kind of thing, but still being loosely in the universe is a good way for them to differentiate differentiate themselves from Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Ah oh, man, I I, I think I want to see Shazam for a fourth time in the theater. I, I really like that movie. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I, I probably won't go see it in the theater again, but I'm excited to own it and watch it a bunch more times. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's move into Star Wars news, you pieces of fucking shit. Is that pretty rude, Jake? <laughs> no. For me. <laughs> <laughs> as far as like if you rank on our curve that's not yeah. rude at all you know I don't even have the Star Wars bumper loaded up into my jingle palette anymore so then uh, Star Wars news here we go um, Anthony Bresnikan, uh he's a writer for Entertainment Weekly tweeted uh, uh, yes I just checked with two other sources only the first episode of The Mandalorian will be released on Disney on November 12th Maybe they'll decide to add a second, but it won't be the full binge. Jake, it doesn't sound like Disney Plus is taking at least for The Mandalorian the Netflix route of dropping all episodes on day one. Thank God. I I was actually kind of a little bit weary of this, honestly, because I'm super excited for it. And it's one of those things where if you don't digest it fast enough, it you know, could very easily be spoiled by the internet. And yeah, I would prefer to watch this week by week, honestly. Um, Neil thoughts on, uh, on, uh, not being able to do the, the full bench, which is something that, uh, you recently did with black summer and had a great time doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm okay with it as long as the episodes are structured in such a way that it 
it lends itself to being released week week to week. Right. Um, kind of like with Doom Patrol on D, on the DC Universe app, they release every week, and I I, I kind of like that anticipation of what's going to happen next. And if if the Mandalorian is is structured that way, I, I'm all for it. I mean, I like the Netflix model, but not always. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Like with Westworld, I wouldn't want them to do a dump. You know, I like, I like too that. hard. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, shit. I mean, I experienced that with the OA, to be quite honest with you. Like the OA, I, when you watch the OA, Neil, do you watch, did you watch the OA? I watched the first half of the first season. Okay. Uh, the, the OA is very deep and very, <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I, the, the closest I can kind of compare it to is maybe like the leftovers on HBO or, um, as far as like the pacing, as far as like how deep of a show it is. But man, uh, it's, yeah, it's, for me, it's, it's easily bingeable, but on the flip side, I can see how like some people would, would not be able to want to binge it. There's a lot going on in the OA. <laughs> I get it. So I guess it, yeah, it does depend on the show. Um, anyway, uh, more Mandalorian news here. Uh, John Favreau com- uh, confirmed that, uh, IG 88 is not in the Mandalorian. It's, uh, IG 11. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I mean, at least you'll get kind of aesthetically the same thing, but I was kind of excited for the actual character from Empire Strikes Back to make an appearance. Yep. It's IG 11 is, uh, going to be the, the model in this one. Did you guys hear about, okay, they came uh, at Star Wars Celebration, uh, the leaked stuff that we saw was kind of like the behind the scenes stuff, right? There was a mm-hmm. small teaser, but there was some stuff apparently that they didn't leak. There were two scenes that came out that, uh, the audiences didn't see. Did you guys hear about those? No. No. Yeah, there was Mandalorian. I've got Mandalorian footage description here from Slash Film. It was two scenes. Um, so, I mean, like, as soon as that panel ended, we people uploaded that uh, behind-the-scenes featurette onto YouTube, and we were able to watch that. Uh, but then I found out that there was some stuff that wasn't uploaded to youtube what happened was like they uh, they 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 had that that featurette come out first and john favreau when he was on stage did not tell everybody like not to use recording devices and stuff like that so people recorded it and then uploaded it to youtube um and then after that he was like hey uh you shouldn't have recorded that um Yeah, I thought that was very intentional. He was like, oh, oops, I forgot to tell yeah. everyone not to record that. They told me to tell you that, and I forgot. Yeah. It felt very nudge, nudge, wink, wink to me. <laughs> well, it sounds like something Favreau would do, too. There was, there was, there were two scenes that came out from, uh, The Mandalorian at Celebration that didn't leak online. Um, but I have the footage description here from Slash Film that I would like to read. Uh, the first one is getting an assignment. So this show is dealing with um, these bounty hunters, and uh, I'm hearing within the series we are going to get stuff like, you know, 
bounties frozen in carbonite. Like, you know, we saw Han Solo in uh, Empire Strikes Back get frozen in carbonite at the end of that movie. I'm hearing, like, this movie, this show, excuse me, we're going to have bounty hunters showing up for their bounties and maybe, you know, freezing them in carbonite and then and then bringing them back. Uh, you know, if you've watched, uh, what is it, Dog the Bounty Hunter, this is, you know, they, they go out on different bounties and they, 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 and they bring them back and they collect their bounty. They collect their money. And, uh, this, uh, first scene that was shown begins, this comes from Slash Film, begins in a dusty cantina, not dis, not dissimilar from the Moss Eisley cantina, but it's brighter inside, almost like when you go to a seedy bar in the middle of the day and sunlight is sneaking in enough so bar flies know it's daytime. Lots of aliens around, some with metal masks, a droid that looks very EV-99 from the Return of the Jedis at the bar. The Mandalorian is sitting at a booth with Carl Weathers' character, Grief, and that's spelled uh, G-R-E-E-F. So Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed, from uh you know rocky is going to be playing this uh kind of like uh he, you know if, if you've watched the show uh taxi where danny devito's like the dispatcher and tells like judd hirsch and uh and uh fucking uh what's her name christopher lloyd christopher and lloyd. andy kaufman andy kaufman what's what's that helen what's her name I'm trying to think of the female in that show Eh, whatever, I can't remember. I'm drawing a blank on it too. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but uh, he's Carl Weathers playing like the the guy that gives them their bounties that they go out on missions uh, uh, to collect. But uh, he's laying out these metal discs that look like jar lids. Uh, as he lays them out, he says they're all bail jumpers, and he has one wanted smuggler and. Um, uh, and the, the, the article says, could this be a cheeky reference to Han Solo still having Carol Kane? Carol Kane? No. Taxi. No, 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 no. That was, uh, uh, Latka's girlfriend. Uh, Mary Lou Henner? Mary Lou Henner, thank you. Yeah. You know, she, you know, Mary Lou Henner has, um, has, uh, this, um, do you know that she has this, it's weird. I, I I can't remember what it's called, but she can remember dates mm. and numbers so well. Like if you give her like, oh, I've seen the video of that. Yeah, like if you tell her like, what were you doing on November twelfth, nineteen ninety two? She could tell you like what she did on that day. Like hmm. she's so good with numbers, and she could tell you like what happened on that day, what she done on that day, what she ate on that day. Uh, like, like literally any date that you give her, she can tell you like what happened on that day. Hyperthymesia. Yeah, that's exactly it's that's exactly what it's called. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah, it's kind of a that's kind of fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't want that. There's days, <laughs> I, days I definitely want to forget. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's I don't know. It's probably like a. I was I always wondered like did it help her like uh remember her lines on the show or Oh it had to have, right? Yeah. Just just a weird ability to be gifted with, you know? Just to remember like any date that you throw at her, she could she could tell you like down to like what she like was wearing that day and 
what she <laughs> ate that morning or ate for lunch or ate for dinner. Or, it's crazy. It's it's just such a bizarre thing. Um, but anyway, back to this Mandalorian thing that we were talking about. <laughs> um, uh, these jobs are for the Mandalorian to take, and these pucks, as they're called, have the information he needs for them. Uh, Mando means business, so he wants them all. But Grief runs a guild of bounty hunters, and he needs jobs for them too, so he can't give them all up. The highest one he has is only worth 5,000 credits, and Mando says that's barely enough to cover the cost of fuel these days. Grief does have one other job. Obviously, he held it back for a reason. It's from the underworld. It has no puck. It's a direct commission, and he has to meet the person who's hiring him face-to-face. Grief hands him some kind of data card with information on how to find him. Mando walks through a village that looks similar to the ones we've seen on Tatooine and Jakku. Tents, people in dusty clothes, and a Kowakian monkey lizard is being roasted on a fire. Um, Kowakian monkey lizard, if you don't know, is, uh, I believe, the creature, uh, Salacious Crumb, Jake. Mm-hmm. Um, is being roasted on a fire uh, as another one in a cage watches in terror. Uh, the Mando walks slowly with an intimidating swagger, always seemingly ready for a confrontation, observing everything around him. He reaches a darker alley and walks up to a door and knocks. A droid eye like the one that greets C-3PO and R2-D2 at Jabba's palace door in Return of the Jedi comes out to greet him. Speaks the same droid language, scans the data card Grief gave to Mando, and lets him in. He's met by a hospitable gonk droid who makes his signature sound as he guides the Mando to another door. He's preparing for something bad to happen at any minute, always on his guard. Inside is a group of dirty stormtroopers with armor from the original trilogy. Suddenly, Werner Herzog, yes, uh, director Werner Herzog is starring in this movie, in this show. Did you hear about that, Jake? I did not. Yeah, Werner Herzog has a role in this. He appears and says, Grief said you were coming. What else did he say? Um, Herzog replies, he said you were the best in the parsec. Suddenly another blast door opens on the side. The Mando jumps out, jumps up with his blaster drawn and the stormtroopers turn and draw on him in return. It's an Imperial officer played by Omid Abtahi, who voiced a character in the Clone Wars and was likely brought in by Dave Filoni for that very reason. Uh, the officer is wearing sunglasses and is sorry to have made such a sudden interruption. Herzog says, please excuse his lack of decorum. His enthusiasm outweighs his discretion. Mando is asked to lower his blaster, but he won't do it until the stormtroopers lower their blasters too. One stormtrooper remarks, we have you outnumbered four to one. And the Mando quickly and cockily says, I like those odds. Herzog gets back to business. Quote, he also said you were expensive, very expensive. This is the perfect role for Herzog to play. And now he gets to down to, and now he gets down to the job as the Mandalorian sits back down, still not trusting anyone in the room. The job's payment is small. 
thin, uh, the job's payment is a small thin brick of Beskar or Mandalorian armor. It's rare and coveted, and Herzog knows it will entice the Mando. They want the asset alive, but Herzog says if he can only bring them back terminated, then they will accept that, but for a lower fee. That doesn't please the Imperial officer, but Herzog knows this job is complicated. There's no puck for this job. Only a tracker that contains their last known whereabouts and the last four digits of their identification number. They're a 50-year-old target, so tracking them down has apparently been difficult. But with the information he's given to the Mando, Herzog is confident he can pull off. Let me let me throw this out there. Oh, hold on. I'll, I'll, I'll bring that up in a moment. But I have a lot to say about this 50-year-old target. Um, as the Mando leaves, he says the Beskar belongs back in the hands of the Man- Mandalorian people. He says it would be good to restore the order of things after a period of such disarray. He seems to be hinting at the Mandalorians coming back to the glory after the Empire was in control for so long. First off, I want to say this series takes place, I believe, five to six years after Return of the Jedi. So that's our time yeah. period. That's our time period here. Um, this story I hear d- deals with the restoration of Mandalore. And you know how we talked about how like the Mandalorian is going after a 50-year-old target? That um, making StarWars.net heard that it was actually a baby that the the Mandalorian was going after. And so Jason Ward from MakingStarWars.net speculated, like, what if it's both? What if it's a – what if this 50-year-old target that they're tracking down was actually a baby that's frozen in carbonite and that the baby is connected to Mandalore somehow, some kind of, like, Mandalore royalty for all they know? And I – you know, like – so, yeah, the target's 50 years old, but it's it's still a baby. It's just been frozen in carbonite for 50 years. That's interesting. Just it's not necessarily an old man. It kind of turns expectations by having it be a carbonite baby. Well, it's it's not even a fifty year old target, like just an object or something that they're after. It's it's, it's, it's an actual been a target for fifty years. Yes. Mm. The target itself is not fifty years old. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, it's just, it's a baby. So um I I I kinda think like making Star Wars Dentnet has I think they're on to something here. I, I think that I think that I think that this Mandalorian is gonna start off as some kind of like I'm just all about money, you know, kinda like Han Solo, all about getting that money, all of you know, fucking Hondo from like the Clone Wars and Rebels, all about getting that money, and then all of a sudden you throw a baby into the mix and now it's about protecting this baby. Right, and that's like that's how we're gonna fucking like connect with this character, this Mando, this bounty hunter. Yeah, I you know I'm super excited for this series because I'm super excited for a lot of the creative forces behind that. Yeah. But I that kind of plot revelation kind of sounds a little bit trite and boring to me. It sounds like Willow, or it sounds like Cable, or it sounds like a million other fictional. It sounds like characters. fucking. It sounds like Willow, which came from Lucasfilm. Like Ron Howard's Willow, where they protected that baby, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just it sounds like a very weak plot thread to move this thing along, I gotta say. 
I mean, but maybe that doesn't matter. Like the, cause the kind of the focus of this, who gives a shit about the MacGuffin at the end of the day with this? I really don't think that's kind of what this show is going to be about. You know, I heard it's going to be eight episodes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's what I heard. Um, uh, two were directed by Filoni, right? Yeah. And then two by Taika, one by Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. But I heard like, like the, I heard Taika might direct the final episode, but that's Isn't not, that's not Rick Fumiyama on this one too. He's directing an episode. Uh, Dope was a great movie, and Rick Fumiyama was originally going to be the director for the Flash movie for the DCU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's our original true Detective Season One director, right? He was the showrunner for that, yeah. And yeah, he's probably, yeah. yeah, I think he directed a lot of those episodes. I think all of them. Yeah. That was the to-do with season one. That's why season one was so good, because it was just <laughs> one guy who did the whole damn thing. Um, it also goes on to do uh, – it also – like that was our first, the first scene that they showed. Then they showed the trailer montage. Uh, they showed the Mando ship, the Razor Crest, uh, blast through space. Uh, the Mando walks out on a planet different from the one seen in the opening moments of the first sizzle reel shown during the panel. Uh, he sees Gina Crano's character, Cara Dune, Cara Dune, sitting at what appears to be some sort of outdoor cantina. The Mando asks, what's her business here? A series of shots has the Mando sparring with Cara, trading blows until they both land flat on the ground, pistol blasters drawn and pointing at each other's hands. Now, if you don't know who Gina Crano is, uh, she's a badass. I mean, uh, she was, uh, she was an MMA fighter at one time. Uh, she was in a, she was in a Fast and Furious movie, if I'm correct. She was in Deadpool 2. She was in Deadpool, Deadpool 2. Deadpool 1. Deadpool, Deadpool 1. 1. She was in Deadpool 1. And she was also, uh, considered, um, to be Wonder Woman at one time. She was, a kind of like a fan favorite for Wonder Woman before Gal Gadot got the role. Uh, next. I can see that. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, he's also in the series. Who, I mean, he was in Breaking Bad. I loved him in that. What was the other one with the what the NBC show where the fucking lights went out? What was that fucking thing called? Revolution. He was in Revolution, right? That was a bad show. Yeah, it was terrible. Yes, he was in that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next, Giancarlo Esposito is wearing a black cape and a black imperial armor with a small group of death troopers behind him. So yeah, death troopers from Rogue One are showing up in this series. Uh, blaster shots have riddled the small desert dwelling he stands in front of as a voiceover from Werner Herzog's character says the Empire has improved every planet it touches. Uh, we see that improvement firsthand as Giancarlo Esposito says, burn them out. Suddenly a stormtrooper with red paint accents on his armor and a flamethrower comes in and starts torching the exterior of the building. The voiceover continues, judge by any metric, safety, prosperity, peace. During this, we see shots of other bounty hunters, perhaps one that Mando will work with or end up facing off against. One of them includes a fuchsia-colored Twi'lek, and another certainly appeared to be comedian Bill Burr drawing two blasters and shooting at them at an unseen target. I know, <laughs> I know, fucking Bill Burr. Fucking Bill Burr? Yeah. <laughs> this cast is insane. Well, I mean, we've also got fucking uh, Nick Nolte showing up as as an Ugnaught in the series. So, yeah, wow. that's awesome. And, 
Taika's in it too, isn't he? Taika mm-hmm. is in it. I believe Taika is playing an alien or a droid. I cannot remember. And I know, like the what was it the the fucking um, the Diego Luna prequel Rogue One series where he's Cassian Andor the Cassian Andor series. They've got uh, what's his face coming back and playing K two S O. Yeah, they got Alan Tudyk coming back and playing K two S O. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, a montage ran through new aliens, warriors, Jawas drawing their blasters, the Mandalorian blasting away at enemies. Then a money shot comes with IG-11 standing in the middle of a desert village, squaring and laying waste to stormtroopers, his body spinning with precision as he blasts. Then the Mando comes out and joins blasting a stormtrooper in the head as he walks out of a dwelling door. So that's how IG-11 works. He doesn't, like, walk, like, straight like a man. Like, he fucking spins around and can shoot. Yeah, I learned that from the Super Nintendo Empire Strikes Back video game. <laughs> that's awesome. Do you, th- do you think that's who Taika Waititi is playing? I don't know. Could no, be. I don't think you you don't put a human inside of an IG. There, that seems pointless. Oh, just the voice. Yeah, I guess and maybe that's potential. motion capture. Even motion capture for that character seems ridiculous. Like you don't want that mm-hmm. character to move in any kind no. of humanoid way whatsoever. Yeah. yeah, you do not want mocap for that character at all. It's not going to move. It's not going to move like a human mm-hmm. or a humanoid thing. Or it's yeah, it's. I think its scariness comes from its roboticness and lack of humanity. Yeah, it's just it's a, it's a oh god it's just, it's it's a, it's a cool character design. It's like um, I'm trying to I don't know it's like a, it's like a long cylindrical robot, right? It looks kind of like IG88, right? Yeah, it's going to look very much like IG88. So much so that like. MakingStarWars.net saw it on the set and confused it with IG-88, but later corrected themselves and heard that it was IG-11. Mm. I always thought the character was a little bit like almost steampunk influence, too. Yeah. That Lucas kind of like, it was kind of his steampunk robot a little bit, you know? <laughs> Is it, it Was it Lucas, though, or was it Macquarie that came up with it? Or just character? whoever designed it. Yeah, I, yeah, you're probably right about that. I, that get, was probably yeah. Macquarie's influence. I'm getting all nerdy with it, right, Jake? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't Lucas. It was McQuarrie. Yeah, fuck off, Brian, you piece of shit. Oh, and uh, Jake, it's uh, Carrie Fukunaga who did the True Detective stuff. Carrie Fukunaga, yeah. And exactly. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> that's, that's fine. It's still the only good season. Yeah. Season three was good. It wasn't, it wasn't as good as season uh, one, but it was still good. Yeah, people only talked about it for a week. Still good. Not great. It was a high taste, in my opinion. So, uh, let's see here. Yeah, Herzog continues his voiceover. Uh, Watch season three before you comment on it, Jake. (laughs) How about that? How about you do that, huh? I saw about, two episodes of season two, and that that pretty much did. Now, how about you? How about you uh, watch season three before you comment on it, there, Chief? No, I can still comment on the lack of like internet presence that the show had compared to the first one. I mean, every week the internet, Twitter, Facebook, all was blowing up. And yeah, you can for do season th- three. All blew up for one week, 
and then it might as well have been the current season of The Walking Dead. Uh, no, one, can, no one was fucking talking. You about can it. do that, but I won't. I won't give you the respect <laughs> that you're looking for. How about then you're that? wrong because I'm only looking for respect about the social awareness of the show, not about the quality <laughs> of the show, of yeah. which it had barely any. Which I said it was better than season two. It was a high taste, it not a Tupperware. Which is confirming evidence to exactly what I'm saying. But I'm saying at least watch the fucking show before you comment instead of just – I don't need to watch oh, the show to oh, comment whatever. on its social media presence. Oh, mer- ever. oh now you, you, you turned it into social media presence. <laughs> I wasn't even talking about social media presence. You turned it into that. You turned it. You conveniently, you conveniently turned it into social media presence. You were like, you know what, Brian? I'm gonna inject this conversation into what's conveniently called social media presence to make my point that much more relevant in this moment. But before that, it had nothing to do with social media presence. But that's convenient because you bring it up. That's what it turned into. Before, we were just talking about the goddamn series, and then all of a sudden, Jake pulls out out of the heavens. He just snatches it out of the sky and calls it social media presence. Fuck off! That's what I was basing my opinion off of. I mean, we've already talked about True Detective Season 3 now more than anyone else did. I get it. You're right. You know, I'm I'm wrong. So I'm not saying you're right or you're wrong. Jake, say, Jake, no, did you, did you catch, did you, no, did you catch like the passionate, like me yelling and shit? And then all of a sudden, like I'm waving the white flag of surrender in this like subdued voice. That's comedy, man. <laughs> like I want you to, I want you to follow me right now. Like I'm really not kind of like, I'm really not kind of like waving that white flag of surrender and saying like, Hey, I'm putting down the gloves. You win, buddy. It was all for comedy's sake. I mean, I thought it was kind of funny, but no one else is talking about it. You're talking about, like, what I just did? <laughs> no, just a uh, joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> you are such a dick. <laughs> anyway... Yes, Mandalorian's gonna be shit, right? No, I'm kidding. This sounds, this sounds fucking amazing. Have you guys heard about the technology that they're using on this show? No. Okay, what they're doing here is, um, it's, it's completely different. Gian, Giancarlo Esposito talked with Collider about this, about how they're filming this show and how it's like, uh, it's like a technology, technological breakthrough. And, um, he didn't, I don't know. He he really didn't talk about it the way that I've heard about it. Um, I was I, I, I slash film was kind of talking about this and this new technology that they're working on. And I think that it like the the technology first appeared in um, Solo, where they're like in the Millennium Falcon and like what you see on the you know like when you're in the Millennium Falcon and you're looking through the cockpit and you can see like the stars and shit and the planets and everything um, as they're looking out of the ship instead of like having like a green screen back there with special effects added they've actually taken OLED screens and installed them into 
into the ships so that you're oh, seeing, shit. yeah, like you're seeing <clears throat> what you would see. Now, now what they've done is they've taken that concept, they've taken that idea and they've uh, created full like sound stages. Instead of having a green screen in the background, these are actual stages where they've created, they have these huge OLED screens that are connected to the cameras so that when the camera moves on a object like a like an actor that's in that room the whatever you see on the screen moves along with it at the correct angle of what am i making sense as to like when mm-hmm. that, when, like like almost like full 3D mapping yes of like a green screen area rather than just green screen backdrop it's able to like pinpoint locations right. and the characters can move around right. as well as the yeah that that's really, really cool yeah it help for the actors too to be able to it's, kind of feel yes. like they're in the environment yes it, it, they're not going to do this for everything they've had a lot of practical sets that they did build and i heard that the practical sets that they did build were were were, were sets where they can kind of like um they don't have to really uh, move around a lot. They can just kind of like piece these sets together. Uh, but on the flip side, I've heard that they've used this new technology and, um, with these OLED screens that, that sync up with these cameras. And as they move these cameras and follow objects, they, the, the screens kind of like react to how the camera's moving and, and, and the, and the people that are involved in these scenes. Um, I don't know how expensive this technology is. I don't know how it's going to look in the end, but I do know that they're spending upwards of a hundred million dollars on this series. So I, I can imagine that. Oh man, I, I want to see this. I, I really want to see like the behind the scenes features as, you know, like how, how this works. I, I want to see the final product too. Of what we're looking at. I wonder here. if Disney Plus. I wonder if Disney Plus will do things like that. I that seems really cool. Like maybe a week after the last episode airs, then you release like the Blu-ray feature type of stuff. Just do it like That'd right after awesome. the fucking. Do it right after the episode ends, man. Like like when you when I was watching uh, recent like what show was I watching recently where they would show. God, Game of Thrones does that at the end of their episodes. Game of Thrones does it, and I know a lot of shows do it. I mean, I know talking like Walking Dead does it with, uh, you know, the 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 Greg Nicotero practical effects for the walkers and stuff like that. But I'm talking. There's a, like another show that I watched recently where it would end, but you'd get an extra like you know ten fifteen minutes of behind the scenes stuff, and I, I think like that would really be great for the Mandalorian. I like how Leica does it for their movies. They take one yes. big set piece and then yeah. they show like a sped up version of how they created it. They did that for uh, for Kubo. They did recently Kubo, did yeah. for for the for the Missing Link movie in that one too, and it was very cool. Yeah, the, like with this technology though, like this is something that I want to see more of. I want to see like how they do this with these OLED screens and. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to do this? And how is it going to? How is the final product going to look? Look, mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting. I mean, at the end of the day, it might just be mostly a huge tool for the actors, and it, you might get better performances out of them because of it. You know, true. That's true. That's true. And they may want to hold it back until they get uh, them to make sure they have the pro- pro- the proprietary license for it. 
right. so that nobody else can steal it. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's a big thing these days, too. You know, Brian, when you were reading the description of those scenes, um, one thing I really noticed was that there was a lot of, like, kind of just fan service moments, which is usually something that I kind of mm, repel against and I don't really care for. But I honestly think um, this seems like a lot of fan service done right, what's going on here in Mandalorian. It's kind of like the opposite of Solo and maybe some of the forced fan service in Rogue One. It seems like Favreau really has a love for this time period of Star Wars and that it, it is from a place of, you know, wanting to have his own spin on these type of things. So I'm excited to see this. I mean, you know, the character is or not necessarily the character, but the Mandalorian itself is just such a fan favorite character that people have wanted to explore for so long. And the setting and everything you talking about the knocker robot from Jabba's Palace and Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Just, it does sound like a lot of just like nods to that original trilogy era of Star Wars going on here. Yeah, but I mean, they're also incorporating Death Troopers too from Rogue One. Yeah, here's the thing: like, are you are you are you are you more excited to see a story about like like when when they talk about like bounties and like different bounty hunters getting jobs? That leads me to think like, oh, this is going to be like a of like a weekly each show each show is going to be like a different story like oh this week we're going after such and such character for this bounty but when you talk about like the, but then the, like that's what I would have initially thought now they're talking like now it sounds like the the restal- restoration of Mandalore and that like there's this 50-year-old you know like a uh, 50-year-old object artifact that they're going after um, and you know the restoration of Mandalore itself, like that sounds like the bigger overarching story here. So, yeah, I was kind of surprised to hear that there was an overarching story. And I, I honestly, as an, an audience, I wasn't demanding that. I was kind of sold on you know these kind of bottle episodes. The bu- yeah. These- <laughs> me too. Me too. Fucking every week, I get a scene of uh, Carl Weathers just saying, uh, "This is who you're going after." This week, and you know what I mean. I kind of, yeah, yeah. I was kind of sold on it. I I thought the idea of all the different creative forces kind of leaned itself towards doing that idea. So I don't know. Maybe the the overarching theme is something that's just slightly dotted on in each episode, and then maybe the the finale kind of ties all that together. I did have a combination of the two. Yeah, uh, with each episode kind of standing alone, but there is this thematic thing running through the entire series. I do hear the the way that this was filmed, the way that it looked, that it looks pretty seamless to the way the original trilogy looks. Like it, like like it just feels like it could fit into like the original trilogy and the way that the original trilogy kind of like looked on 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 film. So I'm excited about that. So I agree, I agree with that statement. Almost everything I've heard from the people that have seen stuff about it kind of paints it as a love letter to that original trilogy look yeah it's awesome but you know favreau's favorite thing is like the cantina from a new hope so <laughs> you got to imagine that that that's a lot of inspiration for a lot of the stuff we're going to see too so yeah yeah i'm very i'm very excited for this yeah hey neil i uh, i'm sure you uh watched the last jedi not the last Jedi, the the rise of skywalker trailer what did you think about it 
Uh, I thought the trailer was great. It definitely hit me in the Star Wars feels. Uh, I mean, when it came out, my I'm so geared towards Endgame right now. Yeah. That I've I've kind of a hard time getting super excited for anything else. Um, but yeah, it, I've watched it a few times. The, the title is interesting. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about the title yet. I'm sure it'll be fine once it comes out and we see what it's all about. But yeah, the the trailer was great. I really, really enjoyed kind of the direction that that they're that looks like they're going in. Maybe taking elements of Force Awakens and Last Jedi and kind of combining them. Um, so I, I, yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it too. Uh, it's the only thing that could make me kind of forget the end game hype. And I, I did kind of forget the end game hype for <laughs> like maybe a day or two, you know, when this trailer came out. So, but, um, I don't know. Uh, it does sound like, uh, that, uh, they are going to, take this 100% in JJ's direction and it seems like they're going to be pulling back on a lot of Ryan Johnson stuff and um, addressing Ray's parents and um, it, you know so I you know we'll see I Jake all I know is that like when The Last Jedi came out we were very happy about uh, the direction that we felt like the series was going in uh, we were 100% like oh okay yeah her parents are dead they live in a pauper's grave and raise a nobody, and now this trailer comes out, and um, here we are talking about race parents again. I, I, that's all I'm and saying. Palpatine and Palpatine. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens here. Um, I do think that Ray is a Palpatine. I am 100% on board. We talked about that last week with that, and um, you know, we aren't. It's not like we are the first. Uh, speculate that she's a Palpatine. This is, it, there's an article from 2016. There's a fucking article from 2016. I think it was from the, the Huffington Post <laughs> from 2016 saying that Ray was a Palpatine. It's, it's crazy. Uh, this, this news comes out and, uh, everybody's like speculating that Ray's a Palpatine and acting like this is like, like they, they you know, like, like this is a new thing. There's an article that came out in 2016 uh, titled "Ray is a Palpatine." Here's why. Look it up. Yeah, I, I remember talking about this episode. Yeah, we talked this about article it. on the show. Well, th- yeah, that's I the thing. This, this past week, everybody's acting like they're the first ones to come up with this. You know, Ray is a Palpatine theory. It's been out for fucking three years now. <laughs> People have been talking. They've been talking about her fighting style. They've been talking about. Uh, what is it? The, her name uh, is another thing that they brought up in this article, how she was jumped, uh, dumped on Jakku for a reason. I'm not going to get into all this, but it's out there. Just look it up. There's an article from the Huffington Post from three fucking years ago called Ray is a Palpatine. Here's why. So, it, you know, like, yeah, I brought it up on the show last week that Palpatine could have created Ray. But it's, I didn't I didn't. I didn't come up with that theory. Like this theory's been out for three fucking years. Yeah, so. yeah, it's not an original theory by any means. So, yeah, like I said last week, I'm still crossing my fingers that kind of both things can exist somehow. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's weird how like we get Jake. Go back and listen to our episode. Listen to past conversations we had. We were all about Ryan Johnson's direction. 
and we get one fucking trailer. I'm not back. Tra- I, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't. I'm worried about JJ. Like, I love JJ, but I don't know if he can stick the landing on this one, man. Yeah, he's never stuck a landing before. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I so. love JJ. I think JJ's the guy that you get in there to get shit moving, get it started. But I don't know if he's the guy that can finish off a a, a trilogy. I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, another worry point if you, if you want to, you know, talk about worry points is that he also worked very closely with Kasdan for Force Awakens. Yeah. And that's not happening at all, this movie. Well, he, he brought in George Lucas for this one, too. Yeah, but I mean, him and Kasdan were, like, basically roommates for the entire making of The Force Awakens. Yeah, like, but they were they had glued a, to each other. I can't imagine he has that kind of working, writing relationship with George Lucas. But the, it, the relationship that he had with Kasdan even, like, went on into the second movie. There were there were notes that he'd come out and he said, like, you know, we had a direction that we were going to take the next movie in. Ryan Johnson didn't go in that direction. He, Ryan Johnson did his own thing. I feel like J.J. coming back is just going to undo all that and take it back into the direction that he had it going into originally. And I'm and I'm not saying that and I'm not saying there's there's this feud or this animosity between J.J. and, and Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson has already come out and said, hey, I'm going to be sitting down in the theater with my popcorn waiting to see what J.J. does in this movie. And I can't wait to see how he finishes this. And um I, I don't think that there's this animosity between them, but I, I do, I do when I when I read that quote from JJ that we read last week about how there was no clear direction on this, that there was no clear template for this as to how it starts, the middle, and the end. It makes me, it does make me worry. It makes me worry. I hope that JJ was able to find a very clever way to make it all work. And I, I dude, I, I have faith that, that, that somewhere in him, he can make that work. But yeah, I, I do too. I, I'm a little bit more glass half full about all this. I think than most people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I'm kind of here for it. I mean, Ryan Johnson was in the same predicament that you're describing JJ Abrams in. He had no template for the middle movie. He did. You know, I mean, he, no, he had the notes from JJ. JJ. Yeah, but what did he do with them? Nothing. Well, yeah, like he threw out I'm, the template. He erased the chalkboard. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So when you go into this movie, though, I feel like when you go into the last movie with the guy who started it off, he's got his. He's got a decision to make here. Do I do I take it back in my direction or do I and and then, and if I take it back in my direction, then it's kind of like a lot of uh, course correction that I gotta, they gotta, they gotta figure out a way to make work in this movie. I gotta figure out how I do course correction for what, like what the previous guy did, but then also give a satisfying ending, ending to this whole uh, this whole saga. This is the Jake. This is a nine movie saga that's th- taking place over. You know, like a, a 40, by the time this is all completed, will be a 42-year-old saga. It, it It's a lot. It's it's just a lot. Yeah. Like, 
think I about agree. that. I just, I, I just don't think one of those nine movies is going to get completely ignored. Uh, I mean, I, I hope, I hope that this, at the end of the day, I hope at the end of the day that, um, that this is a satisfying movie. For, I, I know it's going to have its detractors. There's going to be, you know, Johnny Fucknuts out there who hates everything, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, Johnny Fucknuts didn't like Force Awakens or Last Jedi exactly. already. So exactly. There's not anything you're going to be able to do. Yeah. Johnny Fucknuts is still... And, well, Johnny Fucknuts is still pissed off about Ewoks, right? Yeah. I'm John, Johnny Fucknuts hates Ray, hates Finn, hates all the new characters, only likes the legacy characters. Right, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Johnny Fucknuts can go fuck himself. Jake, I'm going to go into this one. I'm going to go into this one. Like, dude, I'm, I'm not lying. That trailer was a Tupperware. It got me excited because I love seeing these characters again. Everything that I'm coming from, every like all my uh, trepidation, all my fear is coming from, like, a guy who I feel like has never stuck a landing, hasn't had to prove himself on sticking a landing, was given a chance to do a, a sequel with the with Star Trek. And what did he do with that sequel? He took the most beloved story from Star Trek and just made it worse. That's the dumbest fucking thing you could do. If you're going to fucking take a Star Trek story, a Star Trek story, and try to make it uh, better, take a shitty Star Trek story. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, – why, why, why do you take why do you take Wrath of Khan and say, oh, that's the movie. I'm, I'm going to make another Wrath of Khan, but I'm going to make it – Jake, of course, you, of course you're going to try to make it better. Anytime a filmmaker takes on any project, they're going to try to make it better. Why take on the best Star Trek movie – and try to fucking why not take a shitty fucking Star Trek story that nobody gave a rat's ass about and try to make that fucking better? Why do you take the most beloved Star Trek movie and say, "Eh, hey, you know what? I'm gonna make it even better." Fuck! What the fuck were you thinking, man? Yeah, I think media kind of shot that in the foot too. I think that movie, like I said, it's not great, but now that it's a little bit removed from all the weirdness of the promotion of it. I think it's a, it's a little bit better. Ah, no, it's not. Honestly, no, no. that movie that I own that movie on Blu-ray and it's not even removed from the plastic wrap. It came in because I don't want to sit down and watch it again. Yeah. Well then you don't know if if removed from it, it's any better. Um, whatever. It's I, I think part of the groan definitely came from the denial of it being con for so long. And then finding out it was Khan, like at least that was definitely responsible for half of my groan. It's, it, it doesn't improve. It's not an improvement of the original story in any way. And there are plenty no. of Star Trek stories that aren't very good that there could you go. be done a better way. That's with, what you, you do, even just by updating them technologically. That's yeah, what, he definitely tried to get too heavy with the mythology in the second movie. What made the first one so fun is kind of what made Force Awakens so fun. Yeah, is that it was just like take. a romp with, between the two characters, like across space and galaxy well, and, and planets that, and action. All he did was all he did in the second one was like, well, first off, he separated all the characters that we wanted to see have more interactions with, and then he basically like switched what. What what happened in the in the original? It was just like because this was in the uh, what the Kelvin universe. He switched what what happened. It's like uh, instead of uh, Spock dying, it was it was Kirk this time. 
Well, I mean, it's interesting that you put it that way because one of the reasons I'm most excited for J.J. to return to Star Wars 4 is because Ryan Johnson separated all the characters that I was very excited to see interact with each other again. And so, you know, I, I am excited for him to be in charge of rekindling the chemistry between these actors again. That does have me pretty hyped. Oh, we don't even know what the chemistry is between Ray and and Poe and some of these characters. I, it, yeah, I, I, I do want to see, you know, Poe and and Finn together again and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I want to see that. But Yeah, and, and I, I'm not saying that as a fault to The Last Jedi. I understand it. I mean, Empire Strikes Back is my favorite Star Wars movie, and it basically pulls the same trick, right? You know, we separate all our characters until the very end of the movie, and even then they don't get much of a reunion. But, yeah, it needs to be done to push the fiction forward. All but- I'm saying is J.J.'s got to prove himself on this one. Here we go. You know, push comes to shove. Let's see what he can do. There's no, there's no like, uh, you know, he's got to prove himself on this one. Like, there's no, uh, there's no excuse now. Like, like once this movie comes out and people watch it, if it's not, if it's not a satisfying ending, there's no excuse. There's no excuse now. I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting. It's definitely going to the reception to this movie will be very fascinating. And you bring up a good point that it's more not only is he having to stick the landing to this new trilogy of movies, but he's trying to stick the landing to all nine movies, which is a very daunting task on paper. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to do it. I didn't hate everything about, you know, uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. Like there's I mean, there are some scenes. There are some action scenes in that movie that I still remember right now like yeah. that, that that stick out like that were just incredible like the scene where like you know captain uh, where kirk and uh, uh benedict cumberbatch are having to you know uh fly through space in in those suits and basically it's kind of like the they're having to fly through like the eye of the needle there into that ship like that was an incredible scene that was an amazing scene but but overall it's it's that movie was a huge fail and like you know, as much as I didn't really love Star Trek Three, it was still an improvement upon, you know, Into Darkness. But we'll see, man. I'm hoping. I'm hoping for the best, man. I love JJ. I want the fucking guy to fucking nail this. And this is fucking Star Wars. It's not like at the end of the day, like if this movie comes out and uh, it's bad, I'm gonna get on here and be all excited. Like I was right. I was right. Yeah. I was oh right. no, not I'm gonna at be. All. Like, uh, I, just- yeah, I, wanna- I started thinking maybe JJ learned from his um as as far as promotion goes, learned from his mistakes and the end of into darkness, right? I mean, he very much the entire time leading up to the movie tried to hide the con factor, and here we are with um, you know, episode nine, yeah, and we're immediately yeah. acknowledging the emperor factor. But there was which nothing to makes hide me there. wonder. There was nothing to hide there, though, because like, I mean, there were a few reports saying like the emperor was going to be involved in this, but it wasn't like widely known, right? Like, but I, uh, yeah, but I, I think one, like one, with this with this one, you have to get people used to that. I think you have to get people used to that reveal here. You have to. I think you have to. I think, like, if you find that out in the movie, you're not going to have enough time to process the fact that, like, the Emperor is coming back. I think you have to let people know, man. Yeah, I get you. And I I do wonder, though, if it did weigh on his mind to, on that level, not be so secretive and shady. 
And because Jay, we've always kind of teased JJ about being that guy that will just say whatever the fuck. And you just can't, you know, take anything he says for granted when it comes to the promotion of movies. And I think he's kind of reeling back from that. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point, man. Um, Kathleen Kennedy came out and said, too, and we talked about this last week where she was like, like, this was always in the plans. Like, we always kind of planned for, like, the Emperor to come back. You know? Did you buy that? Um, I, I do believe that they initially did have a plan for him to come. I do, in a way. Um, I think that a lot of it has been kind of like set up within like the Clone Wars and Rebels when you, when you do, when you do look at some of that stuff. And I, and I think like maybe it kind of went away when Ryan Johnson got involved into this. But now that JJ's back, maybe that was the, that was the plan overall. I, I, it is interesting because Ryan Johnson killing Snoke. Definitely seems like a stepping stone yeah. to getting the Emperor in the next movie. Right. Yeah. Like who like who is it gonna like unless unless you're just gonna say at that point it's like Kylo is like the ultimate baddie, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I mean me and you have always since day one kind of thought that this was gonna be a redemption story, so if that's to be believed you always knew he couldn't be the ultimate baddie in episode nine. Yeah. What is it like? Okay. Cause like, it feels like in that trailer, ex- Kylo's on that jungle planet to get something. What is it? Like, it has to be, I don't know. I, the, you know, what's crazy is it's yeah. exactly why the emperor was brought in as a more main player in return of the Jedi, because in that movie, it's the redemption of Darth Vader. Yeah. And we have to have a more bigger overarching bad guy because he won't be the main villain by the end of it. Right. So it, it is interesting. It does mirror that, I feel like, a little bit with the Kylo Emperor stuff going on in this episode nine. Yeah. And we're also going to get the uh, the Knights of Ren. Like, what what is it going to be? Are the Knights of Ren what bring back the Emperor? I, I honestly, I don't think that the, like, we were talking about last week how um, I've totally kind of flipped on this, like, where the Emperor was... Uh, you know, like the emperor, like infused his uh, essence into some sort of an object, and he can come back that way. I, I don't believe that. I I think that the emperor, when he when he got thrown down into that shaft, that that blue that blue light that we saw, which we thought was like him exploding and dying, I think that that was him kind of uh, sending himself into. Uh, um, another eight eighteen vaginas. Yeah, it, it, into an, an ethereal kind of realm where he that where he's been. Um, you know, I, I think he kind of like saved himself in that moment, and um, he's always kind of been like around, waiting in the wings, and he's and he's going to come back here. So we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with that theory. I, they definitely, I believe that talking about the emperor and all these side projects has probably been mostly a no fly zone and anything that they've shown with it in those cartoons was probably heavily authorized by Kathleen Kennedy. Mm -hmm. So I think that lends a lot of credence to what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know. I'm done. I'm fucking done with this shit. You guys, are we done? (laughs) Did you slam shit there? What was it? Yeah. Knocking shit off the table. I just, fuck it, I'm out! I threw, I threw my cat against the wall. 
Oh, no. <laughs> I did not. He, he is not even near me. Where are you, buddy? I don't know. He's, so, he's probably somewhere sleeping right now. I did not throw hee-hee against the wall. <laughs> so. Hey, Neil. Hi, Neil. Yes. Hey, thanks a lot, dude. Hi. Appreciate you being on this episode. Oh, thanks for man. having me again. Absolutely. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad I was able to jump on. Yeah. Rare moment of peace. Um, next week is uh, Avengers Endgame. That is all we are covering is Avengers oh. Endgame. Nice. So. That'll be exciting. I love our big movie blowups. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be it's gonna be a big episode. Cannot wait to see the movie. Uh, and uh, the uh, the direction that the MCU is going to go in. Um, what's crazy about this to me, Jake, is like literally after we watch Endgame, it's, it's kind of like last year. We we saw Infinity War around the same time, and then two months later, we're in the theater again watching Ant Man and Wasp. Same same thing. You know, like I don't, I'm excited for Far From Home, but man, I, I really want to watch Endgame. I got it. <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. I can't even compare it to Far From Home. You could throw that in the trash if it means I get to watch Endgame. I know. Seriously. Like, you could, uh, Far From Home. I would take a shit on Far From Home. Yeah, I would let Far From Home take a shit on me if it meant I got to watch Endgame. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cleveland Steamer. <laughs> the old Cleveland Steamer. <laughs> you know, you remember... Beginning episode where we were talking about peanut butter for an extended amount of time. I very much enjoyed that. Man, those are days, weren't they? It's eleven. <laughs> I guess so long ago. It's you're so talking long. about like the old days. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> the same episode. I know. I feel like doing like one of those. Like uh, I feel like listening to like a heart play right now. And they're like, going back and thinking about. Everything. Remember when pop culture leftovers used to be good? Like. Three hours oh, ago. God. <laughs> Dude, we were at the top of our game three hours ago. Like, three hours ago, dude, that was the pinnacle of PCL. Like, we were killing <laughs> it. And, like, now I don't even know. Now it's like fucking J.J. Yeah. Abrams took over. I know. We're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking just, the wrap-up up. The like, ending is just total crap. Yeah, can't can't compare. Oh, but you're still kind of defending it, though, Jake, aren't you? Oh, I'm always here for a good joke, though. I'm fucking with you. <laughs> I'm fucking with you. I'll throw out all my fucking sensibilities if a joke's gonna happen. <laughs> Here's a question for you. Like, BB-8, I think BB-8's adorable. I love BB-8. What do you think of Dio, honestly? Your- I don't know. I feel like the Lego company paid him, like, $2 million to make that thing. I, it's like the most Lego-friendly fucking droid I've ever seen Star Wars create. I, jury's out on Dio. Uh, Dio's like a... Uh, like megaphone head. Yeah, man. I was, you know, I was one of the first early adopters on BB-8 and how fantastic that was. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I do not have my Dio merch yet. Oh God, no, no. I am not like rushing out to get like a like a like the Dio. What was it? Sphero or whatever. Sphero. Yeah, yeah Sphero. The the Dio Sphero. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold yet. I mean, maybe things can change. I, I think JJ is wonderful with the droids, so I, you know, hopefully that'll be good. But just on first impression, I'm not too excited. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. 
All right, let's wrap this bitch up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, when it gets to the point where I'm doing whatever the fuck I just did. Yeah, you've devolved into the side. Neil, Neil, I can't wait to have you back on, you son of a fuck. Yeah, I can't wait till I can have enough time to be back I know. on. I know. You let me know. You let me know when you're free. And we'll, uh, we'll have we'll you do. back on. We'll have you back on. Can't wait. Yeah, next week, uh, Avengers Endgame. Going to be talking about uh, that uh, small independent film coming out. And uh, <laughs> can't wait to do that. But uh, just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. See ya. Latest. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. Already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before We don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Could it toss it, could it take it Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carry over counterculture pushovers Pop culture Leftovers Cool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftover, sure only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers, podcasts that are original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. Trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftover. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.